looking half dead Walking on the sidewalk harder than a match yeah. But the night is a different world Go out and find a girl Come on, come on and dance all night Despite the heat, it'll be alright And babe, don't you know it's a pity The days can't be like the nights In the summer, in the city In the summer, in the city in the city, just so fine and looking so pretty. Cool cat, looking for a kitty, gonna look in every corner of the city. Till I'm wheezing like a bus stop, running up the stairs, gonna meet you on the rooftop. But at night it's a different world, go out and find a girl. Come on, come on and dance all night, just like the heat, it'll be alright. And babe, don't you know it's a pity if the days can't be like the nights in the summer, in the city, in the summer, in the city. Eleven Spoonful, Summer in the City, I think from 1967. I didn't look up the year before playing this thing. Sorry about that. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friends show. I'm sorry to announce tonight that if you've gotten used to having Brandon Drexel Gerson on this show, as far as I know, he's not going to be here tonight. Uh, I have not been able to reach him today. Uh, I did not have a hard commitment from him to be on the show tonight, but he has been on just about every show this summer. And I know a lot of you enjoy his presence here. I enjoy his presence here very much. But uh, today I cannot reach him. So I'm going to be going at it kind of solo unless I end up uh, picking up a co-host along the way, which happens sometimes. In fact, it could even be Brandon. You never know. People kind of just pop into the show and there they are. We will have an interview tonight, though. So I won't be completely at it alone. I won't be ranting by myself for three or four hours, as I often do when I don't have a co-host. We are going to be calling up someone and doing an interview. And it's not going to be a boring interview about someone who won money at the World Series or won a bracelet. No. It's going to be an interview about a scam. Now, we're not going to be interviewing the scammer. The scammers rarely come on here for obvious reasons. But uh, someone who can tell us a lot about a pretty obnoxious scam... That recently occurred So we'll get to that shortly I'm actually moving that segment up earlier 
uh, just because you know, we don't have that many guests on this thing, which is kind of my own fault. I usually uh, just don't put out the effort to get a guest. I, I get, I'm kind of like the guy in high school that uh, doesn't ever ask any girls out because he's afraid he's going to get rejected, so he just like asks out nobody and goes out with nobody. Um, that's kind of how I've been with this show. I've, I, I don't ask people that often to come on here, and when I have, they don't seem to want to come on. It seems like when I get interviews, it's when I don't ask people. It seems like they come to me or they're brought to me by somebody else. And that is, again, the case tonight that uh, this person was brought to me by somebody else. And uh, they're going to come on to talk about a scam that occurred. So uh, before we get going, let me give you a little show intro here, especially if you're a new listener and don't really know how this works. This is Poker Fraud Alert Radio. My name is Todd Dandruff Wittellis. And we do this every week on Tuesday night. Usually starts at seven something p.m. Pacific time. Though sometimes it's show time and date jumps around. And if you want to call into the show, you can do so. Our phone number is seven seven five fraud fifty five seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. There's a second number you can call in if you don't want to call that number. We have a Mount Charleston line. Mount Charleston is a mountain near Las Vegas. I have an old 1970s rotary telephone that sits on top of Mount Charleston and has call forwarding on it, so it forwards to wherever I am. That phone number is 702-430-1808. 702-430-1808. You can call either number. No matter which number you call, though, you have to show your caller ID or you won't get through. If you want to text me during the show, I will read your texts on the air, unless you say at the beginning of the text not to. You can also text me during, before, after, whatever. You can text me 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and I will answer you. That phone number is the same as our main phone number, 775-372-8355. 775-372-8355 is my text phone number. You can also go into the chat room if you're listening live. You need a flash-enabled device, meaning no iPhones or iPads, and you need a registered account on the Poker Fraud Alert forum to get in there. And once you're in there, I probably won't chat with you much when I'm doing the show, because I have to concentrate on the show, but you can talk to the listeners, and I, I will try to read the chat room as much as I can, though I do miss things there, so if you want to get a message over to me, it's better to text me. That's the big chat button on the top of the screen. And we have a free roll tonight, as we do just about every time we have this show. This is a free roll for real cash money. I'm not sending you the money on uh, Merge or some other network where you really don't want the money and going to have a hard time cashing it out. No, this is real money I will send you on PayPal to your bank. I'll send you a check. I'll send you cash. I'll send you a Bitcoin even. Real cash money. This is the No Fraud Online Poker Room. You can find that on a button near the top of the screen of PokerFraudAlert.com. The free roll starts very soon at 8.10 p.m. Right now it's 8.01. But you have 25 minutes to late register. You do need a separate account on the No Fraud Online Poker Room from the Poker Fraud Alert Forum. However, you need to have a Poker Fraud Alert Forum account dated 2013 or 2012, meaning your register date, or you will not qualify for the free money. Now, what if you're newer than that? Yes, you can still qualify, but you need to have listened to at least three shows and prove it to me by emailing me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. Tell me things you've heard on the show that are not in the official show description, and I will 
give you an exception that will last a lifetime to win the free money. You only need to do this once, and if you have an account dated 2013 or earlier, you don't need to do it at all. The free roll tonight, no limit hold'em as usual. $70 donated by the following people. SMI Florida donates often. He gave us $11 this time. L Train Koja gave $50. Richard Brody's comb over, not Richard Brody, by the way, but his comb over, gave us $9 for a total of $70. It will break down as follows 35 for first, 18 for second, 11 for third, 6 for fourth. Just PM me on this forum or email me, dandruff at pokerfraudler.com, if you win, provided you have qualified. Here is the agenda for this evening, and then we will get going. I guess uh, what the first thing we'll do, because I, I want to do this interview and I don't want to wait until I talk about the other stuff. We're not going to talk about the World Series that much on this show, by the way. We've, we've talked about so much World Series here for the last almost two months. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. I mean, I, I just don't have that much more to say about the World Series. I think the, the topic has been beaten into the ground. A listener complained on the forum that he's tired of hearing about the World Series. Why is everyone talking about the World Series, he asked. So, okay, point taken. There will be minimal World Series talk tonight. The last show aired as it got down to the final table, so we don't even have to talk much about that. Still got a few things to say about the World Series, but for the most part, that topic's done for a while at least. The first topic we will do tonight is about Ben Warrington, also known as Kid Cardiff, who scammed, not allegedly, but actually did scam his investors into his tournament package. I say not allegedly because he admitted to it on 2 Plus 2. And uh, we're going to have someone on this show very shortly to tell us more about it, who's a lot closer to the situation than I am. I'm simply reporting what I've read, but rather than uh, me just summarizing what I've read about it, we're going to have someone who actually was involved on this show very shortly. Matt Glantz, they... Very respected guy in poker. Been around a long time. Listen to this show. I am I was happy to hear recently that he still listens. I knew he used to listen, but, uh, you know, I had people tell me three years ago they listened, and I'm afraid to ask him again. I'm afraid that uh, maybe if I ask you still listen, we're going to get like that awkward pause and, well, I've been kind of busy. Well, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, no, the show's gone downhill. Oh, no, we lost the... We lost the respected names in poker listening to this show, and I'd get all depressed. I, I don't even ask them. Like, if someone told me three years ago they're listening, I'm assuming they still listen today. Because I don't want to know if they're not. But I found out that Matt Glantz is a regular listener to this show still. And uh, he had a bit of a uh, situation there on Twitter with World Series of Poker Tournament Director Jack Effel. Matt Glantz gave... Well, he tweeted something very thoughtful and well-reasoned as to why the World Series of Poker needs a players' committee to avoid some of the mistakes that occurred this year and seem to occur every year. So he tweeted this to Jack Effel, World Series of Poker tournament director, among other people. How did Jack respond? He blocked him. <laughs> Keep in mind, Matt did not 
use any profanity. Matt did not put him down. Matt was very cordial, very professional. He just got blocked because he was suggesting, he had the nerve to suggest that the World Series didn't do everything correctly and might benefit from a players' committee. Jack Effel blocked him. But there's more to the story since then. Some people have apparently been unblocked. The question is, have I been unblocked? Because I am blocked from Jack Effel's Twitter. I have been for a long time. So have I been unblocked? Has Matt been unblocked? We will get to that story. Kind of related, I'm going to give you my take on two things I feel the World Series needs as far as personnel. I feel they need a logistician and a social media manager. I think that they do both of these very poorly. They think they do them well, but they don't. You know the fish at your poker table who thinks he's good at poker but is actually terrible? That's him. So... They need both those things. I'll explain why. And I'll explain what I've observed they've been doing wrong that could very much be helped by hiring these two type of people. Just one person in each position would be fine. There are some complaints that the World Series of Poker main event was tough to follow without live streaming. Now, this is because of ESPN. They want you to see everything for the first time on their broadcast, and they don't want uh, live streaming to make people lose interest in it. But it's 2015. I feel, and many others feel, that it's time to get on board, time for the World Series to get on board, that is, with live streaming of the main, even if it's through ESPN in some way. Let's talk a bit about that. Daniel Coleman, who is... Really one of the biggest limousine liberals in poker. As you guys have probably heard when I've given my opinion about various topics on this show, I'm not a liberal. I never will be. But I can respect people who are liberal as long as they are consistent with their behavior and their viewpoints. If they have different opinions than me, but then live their life consistent with those opinions then that's fine. I don't expect everyone to think like me. Uh, What I don't like, though, are hypocrites. And the right wing, politically, has its share of hypocrites. And so does the left. Well, a big left-wing hypocrite is Daniel Coleman. And, of course, uh, his friend-slash-mentor, Olivier Bousquet. They are both big-time hypocrites. They are what I call limousine liberals. They're ones who uh, like to spout off a certain ideology, but actually not live their lives that way. They are basically guilty rich guys who want to sound progressive and want to sound tolerant and want to sound left wing. But uh, when it comes to applying these concepts of their own lives, uh, they often don't actually do that. So another thing has happened here. Uh, Daniel Coleman has been thanking his new sponsor. And uh, he did so on Twitter. That's normally not a big deal to thank your sponsor. But Olivier Bousquet, his best friend, thought it was a big deal when Phil Helmuth thanked his sponsor after winning a bracelet. For some reason, it's okay, according to Olivier Bousquet and Daniel Coleman, 
to thank your sponsor on your very public Twitter. You just can't do it during a bracelet ceremony, apparently. I guess uh, those two are the authorities on uh, where it's appropriate to thank sponsors and where it's not appropriate to thank sponsors. So we need to listen to them on that. (laughs) Marco Traniello was married to Jennifer Harmon for quite some time. Then they split up in kind of a public fashion, and Marco was really, really flaunting his hot, much younger girlfriend in social media. Really would look like to rub Jennifer's face in it. But it's been some time since that happened. I I don't remember exactly when it was, but I think it's been at least two years. Anyway, Marco is once again flaunting his now wife on social media. And I I still have to wonder if this is uh, being aimed at Jennifer. We'll talk a bit about that and also talk a bit about uh, how does Marco make his money? (laughs) Does he even play poker? I, I don't even know. He's one of these guys associated with poker where I have no clue where the money's coming from and just doesn't ever seem to be playing. I've driven between L.A. and Vegas many times, and it always involves I-15. If you've driven between Southern California and Las Vegas, you've been on I-15. In fact, I-15 runs through Vegas. So even if you live just in Vegas, you've been on I-15. The Cajon Pass is just a bit south of Victorville. It uh, goes as high as about, uh, I think, 43, 4,400 feet. Even gets some snow in the winter occasionally. I've driven it many, many, many times. Hundreds of times in my life I've been on the Cajon Pass. Imagine if you were driving at the Cajon Pass and traffic stops and you look ahead and see tall flames. You see a fire that's pretty much blocking the freeway. Well, that's bad enough. But imagine while you're sitting in your car stuck in that traffic, which has been stopped because of the flames, the flames move and the fire comes to you sitting in your car stuck in traffic. That nightmare did occur this week on Interstate 15 between L.A. and Vegas and the Cajon Pass. Poker Fraud Alert's China Maniac, who has co-hosted this show a number of times, including recently, has caught a cheater on the Merge Network. If we can reach him, we'll have him tell us about it. Otherwise, I will tell you what he did. Someone asked me to finish a story. You guys know how Brandon goes on tangents all the time. And uh, Brandon started a tangent and stopped, not intentionally, just stopped because we moved to a different topic and didn't really go back to the original topic. It all got started when I was talking about Dutch Boyd and the apology letter that he was forced to write to Mason Malmuth. And I revealed that I once had an apology letter that was also forced to be written to me. Not by a court of law, but someone wrote me an apology letter back in 1990 who was forced to do so. (laughs) So someone texted me that they want to hear the story that I never got to give the story. And they want to hear about the forced apology letter that was written to me in 1990. So I'll tell you guys kind of near the end of the show about that story. Two California poker players were stopped in Iowa. And $100,000 was confiscated from them. Was this drug money? No. This was money that they had won at a poker tournament. And they could prove they won. But the money was confiscated anyway. It's a very shady 
practice called civil forfeiture, which has fortunately been curtailed somewhat in most of the country. But it was a process where the governments, where government agencies, usually local police forces with the assistance of federal agents, would target cars that they assumed had valuable property or cash in them. Not illegal property or cash, but just you have cash in your car. If they think you have cash in your car, legal or otherwise, they target you, pull you over for some bogus offense, make up a bogus reason to search your car, and then when they find your cash or your valuable assets, they seize them and keep them. And then uh, these are used to enrich cities, counties, and the federal government was getting its piece too for their cooperation here. It, it was basically theft. It was legalized theft by authorities. It was terrible. I'm not exaggerating. You can Google civil forfeiture. You'll read about it. I mean, it's unbelievable this was happening in 2015. Anyway, uh, this didn't happen in 2015 to these guys, and they got 100 k totally wrongfully seized from them. And they are currently suing the Iowa troopers who did this to them and other parties involved with this. I really hope they win. Uh, It's ongoing, this lawsuit. The state of Iowa, unbelievably, still will not settle here. So these guys are having to spend a lot of money on uh, attorney's fees. They're trying to get that back. I'll tell you a bit more about their story and where they are with that. We've talked about it before on this show, but I think it's worth mentioning again because there's an update to it. Uh, Speaking of court settlements, Caesars is in bankruptcy, as you guys know. There has been a small settlement made involving that bankruptcy, and negotiations are ongoing. So it's a small bit of good news for Caesars, but they have a long way to go, and they're still in big trouble. That's our agenda tonight. Once again, the phone number is 775-FRAUD55, 775-372-8355-702-430-1808. The 775 number is also our text number. And uh, let's just jump right into the... Kid Cardiff scam situation. Ben Warrington is the name of this guy. And uh, we're going to have someone on the show who can tell you a lot more about that. So, the person we're going to have on tonight is named Mark Helm. He's one of the guys who got scammed by Kid Cardiff. And uh, this... This is really a pretty disturbing story. Not a surprising story, because you read about this type of thing all the time in poker, but I I just hate reading about these things. It just makes poker players all look like scumbags. It's inevitable this will happen with the large number of poker players and the large number that have gambling problems or drug problems and find themselves broke and want to stay in action and will resort to whatever they need to do to steal money from people. But... um, Basically, here's the beginning of Mark Helm's post, which I'll read, and then we'll put him on. This is from 2 Plus 2, posted six days ago. Hello all, this is my friend's account I'm posting on. My name is Mark Helm. I am a fairly well-known backer in the MTT community. I had a situation come up where I felt as though someone tried to scam me. I will post about it here. The person involved is Ben Warrington, a.k.a. Kid Cardiff 6 on PokerStars, also known as Benoit1, that's B-E-N-W-A-1, on Twitter. I bought 25% of this player at 15% markup for the Venetian $5,000 main event. I sent him the money on PokerStars for two bullets as he requested, because you can, you know, you can re-enter if you bust. 
I noticed he posted this on Twitter on Monday. Venetian 5K hashtag trip saver, referring to that he wasn't doing well at the World Series and hoping this would save his trip. Then shortly thereafter, I received some messages from him on Facebook updating me on his status in the event. Now, by the way, people, for those of you that invested in me, for example, you know, I'd be on Twitter and I'd be tweeting how I'm doing in the event. And this was both for people who are just generally interested in how I'm doing, such as friends and family or radio listeners just want to see how I'm going, and also for the people who invested in my World Series. So anyway, on Facebook, he was getting messages sent directly to him. This is uh, Mark Helm from Ben Warrington. 649 Eastern. Ugly beat, firing second, meaning second bullet. Then Mark says, okay, good luck. And then much later, 5.26 a.m. Eastern, eight hours later, Ben Warrington says, didn't make day two, didn't run good today. And um, then Mark said back, all good, bro, thanks for the sweat. Can you send me a picture of the tournament receipt? So he just wanted to make sure that this guy really entered. That's one trick people like to pull at the World Series. This isn't the World Series, it's the Venetian, but... When they're staked in tournaments that are not online, where they're easy to track, you know, live tournaments are a lot harder to track. So people will pretend they played and busted when in reality they're just keeping the money. That's one common scam. Another scam, which is uh, was utilized a lot by TJ Cloutier, is where they would sell more than 100% of themselves and then purposely lose. Because you know, if you sell more than 100% of yourself and win, then you owe your backers money and you actually end up losing money by winning. So it's a disaster if you win if you've sold more than 100% of yourself. So if you lose and you sell at markup, then you just get to keep the markup, and that's like instant cash for you. TJ Cloutier was known for pulling this. In fact, I think I was the recipient in 2006 of some of his dumped chips in this fashion. I, I, I was at a table with TJ at the World Series back then, and TJ just played terribly. And I'm like, I thought this guy was good. <laughs> what the hell? And he just shot off all those chips to me, and I have a feeling it was one of those. So anyway, back to this. Uh, so Mark wanted to know that he would have his, uh, really the guy bought in, this uh, Ben Warrington. So Ben wrote, just fired one in the end, Mark, was going to re-enter and spun it up from 1200 at 150, 325K, but busted after dinner. Uh, didn't re-enter yesterday, regged today for 1C for a second bullet, means he Registered for the next day, but decided to skip it. Uh, honestly, I'm ready to go home. I probably have the receipt of my trousers somewhere. I usually don't keep them, but I'll have a look. So, he contradicted himself. He said, ugly beat, firing second bullet. And then the next day, he said, he only fired one. So, so somehow he went back in time and and uh, didn't play the second tournament th- that he claimed he played. <laughs> Ugly beat firing second bullet <laughs> the next day. Only fired one at the end. So uh, you obviously see what he's trying to do there. He collected money for entering twice and only entered once. So uh, rather than go the rest of this whole thing, there's a lot more to the story. I'm going to put on Mark Helm, who doesn't know we're calling. I was actually given his phone number by a third party, and they're like, here, call Mark Helm about this. I'm like, whoa. 
this guy's been through enough. I don't want to hassle him about this on the radio if he doesn't want to come on. But I was told, no, we checked with him first. He does want to come on. So I'm happy to have him on. In fact, I'm happy to have scammers on here. I'm happy to have anybody who wants to come on this show and talk about these type of things, whether you're the one who did it or you're the one who was the victim of it. I'm all for openness on this show. And I think it's a lot better when we have the people involved rather than me just talking about the people involved. Enjoy this Verizon ring back tone while you're playing. Oh, come on. I don't like this. I've never liked this. Hello. Hello, is this Mark Helm? Uh, <laughs> uh, close. Uh, my name is uh, Mark Herm, H-E-R-M. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It is Mark Herm. It's, this is my fault. I, I, I see no Mark problem. Herm, and I kept reading Mark Helm for some reason. I think I was thinking of Ed Helms. <laughs> I think that was the problem. I was, I was trying to... Yeah, people, people called me uh, Mark Sperm in, in grade school. Okay, so that's bit, Mark Helm's a lot better than Mark Sperm. So, yeah, yeah I, I think what happened here, once on this show, we almost reached Ed Helms when he was uh, filming The Hangover at Caesars, and we, we didn't quite uh-huh. get him. And I think I'm still smarting from that, and I was kind of hoping I'd get some Helm on this show. So, okay, uh, Mark Herm is on here. And uh, before we get going here, uh, I just got to ask you this. This has been a small pet peeve of mine. Since uh, we've reached you here, I've got to ask you this question. When I called up, I got that thing Please enjoy this music while your party's reached. And you're did, 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 yeah. did, did, did. now. Why did you choose that over a regular ring? No, I didn't. So here's the thing. Here's what happens with all that. I chose like songs that I actually liked back when I did it, like probably like three years ago at this point. Um, and I did different songs that would play like for every day of the week. It was actually pretty sick. Really. And then once once a year goes by, if you don't re-update what songs it was, and you pay for them, pay like two dollars a year or something. Well. If you don't update it, it goes to this default, like, classical symphony bullshit. So a lot of times when you hear people sing, they just didn't re-up their thing. Yeah, so I got to re-up that. Yeah, I was just wondering, because I, I get a lot of people with that thing, and I, I'm just kind of old school. I just like when I hear a regular uh, ringing sound. And You wouldn't uh, want to hear, like, Iron Man or something when you're calling someone? No, no, I, I just want to hear... A ring. I just want to hear like what it sounded like in 1985 when I picked up the phone to, to call my friend on the street. Like, that's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear music. You were, you were using a telephone in 1985. How old are you? Oh, I, I was using a telephone in the 70s, actually. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not that young. I'm, I'm 43 years old. So. Ah, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of the, uh, the older guys here. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I, I'm, I'm glad you thought I was younger. Maybe I, I sound youthful here. But uh, all right, let's yeah, uh, you look, you look you look pretty young. I was born in 1985. That's all good. Okay, but, okay. All right. Well, I'm, I, this is nice. He's flattering me right here, saying I look young and sound young. This is great. Okay, so let's let's get going with the situation here. I I don't know if you heard what I was saying before. I was basically just reading the beginning of your two plus two post about what happened mm-hmm. with, with Kid Cardiff. Um, yeah. Can you explain uh, just an overview? So how how did you get involved with staking this guy in the first place, or backing this guy, buying a piece of him, whatever you did? Yeah. Okay. So I, I bought uh, a bunch of pieces over the summer. Um, I actually was working with some investors that were giving me money to buy pieces of uh, a lot of people throughout the entire series. So this is, I mean, before that, I pretty much only backed players, not bought pieces. So this was kind of new to me, but I know that, like, there's obviously shitty people in the industry. So what I'd always asked for everyone was a copy of the receipts up front. But anyway, he he posted on Facebook that he was selling for this event. Um, and I played with him before. I actually finally played with EPT Prague with him back in 2012 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I played with him a lot, a lot. And, like, um, I thought he played well, for mm-hmm. sure. So he was selling at 1.2 for the Venetian 5K, whatever. 
okay, I'll get in there, fire it up. Um, and it was just basically through Facebook. Um, but if you want, I can tell you basically what what transpired from start to finish. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I hit him up. Um, he says he's selling for two bullets. I say, okay, cool. Uh, immediately, he was selling at 1.2, and I bargained him down to 1.15. Now, when you say two, like, two bullets, is this, is this uh, so he, he's buying this for uh, 5K each? Are you sending him 10K total or, or 2,500 for each? How much, how much was the entry to that? Oh, so it was a 5K? It was a, v, it was a Venetian 5K. That's what I thought, yeah. Um, so you sent him 10K? Right, and I was buying 25% of two bullets. Oh, I so see. So roughly $10,000 worth of juice. Um at 1.15, and it ended up being like 28.75. So I, I bargained them down from 1.2 to 1.15, which I typically try to do based on what I think is fair and what a person's actual ROI is in the tournament, all that bullshit. Um, but he instantly took it, which some people do, honestly. Some people are like, all right, cool, yeah, 1.15. No, yeah, no and, and, yeah, and, and um, just to just, so just pause here, uh, for those who are listening who don't really understand what he's talking about, the 1.15 means that uh, there's a 15% markup uh, and to what he's buying here. So, for example, if you want to buy ten uh, percent uh, of a ten thousand dollar tournament entry, instead of giving the person a thousand, uh, you would give them eleven fifty. That, that, so that's that's what's called markup, and that's very common in the uh, with these sort of situations where you buy a piece of someone. Just just for the listeners who don't know this stuff. So, so go ahead. Yeah, damn. That, that was quick math. Though. I don't know if I could do that that fast. Um, okay, so yeah, uh, I agreed to give him the twenty eight seventy five for the two bolts. I sent it to him on stars. Okay, cool. Um, he messages. I, I noticed that he posted a thing on Twitter saying that he's playing the event. Um, and then he messages me uh, about an hour after he posted on Twitter that he was playing saying that he, uh, he said, sick beat, refiring. Like, like he, he just busted and mm-hmm. he's firing again. And right away, for some reason, like something in my intuition was like, that just seems weird. Like, um, the way that he said it, it just seems strange. Like usually people will like tell you the hand or they'll go about it in a different way. I don't know. Something about it just like raised red flags. I'm not exactly sure what it was. Um, but I didn't say anything at the time. I just said, okay, like keep me posted. Um, and then he hits me up at the end of the night saying, did not make day two. Uh, ran really bad today. Again, something about the way he worded it, I just I, I felt weird about it, and I immediately said to one of my good friends, Paul Paul Holpe, I said, "This seems shady. Let me hit this guy up and, and ask for a attorney ticket." Uh, I think this is probably the mistake that most people make, and this is why there is so much scamming going on because people feel a bit awkward about asking someone to see the receipt, and I I understand that too because it's not the easiest thing to do, but I think that's generally where people. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think it's totally reasonable, and I don't think it's an insult. And uh, um, it, you know, it's uh, in fact, even though I've never been accused of scamming, any, I've been in poker for 15 years. I've never been accused once of any kind of scamming. Uh, but and, and people totally trust me. But if someone said, "Hey, can we see your receipts?" I, I would show them. Like I, I wouldn't get insulted. Yeah, I'd sure. say, "All right, you know, you have a right to see it. You paid for part of this." Right, and you got, and you under, you would understand as a person being like, there is shady people in this oh, industry, and like, not everyone knows you a hundred percent well. No one knows anyone really hundred percent well unless you're super good friends with them. So obviously, think that. Yeah. So I did that, and then all of a sudden, his story changed. I messaged him at like around noon uh, Eastern time, and he didn't get back to me till about seven o'clock Eastern time the next day, which also seemed a bit weird. And he said, um, uh, "Marks, I actually only end up firing one." So, like, right when he said that, I'm like, this kid fucking scammed me. Like, there's there's no way about it. He just 
He told me that he fired two. And then the next day when I asked for a seat, he said, I only fired one. So I basically just got free roll on that one. Um, so then we were talking on Skype or on, on Facebook Messenger a bit, and he says, let me call you. I said, okay, cool. Uh, I talked to him on the phone, um, basically just saying that this is super shady. Uh, I'm going to post it on Two Plus Two. Like, do you have anything to say that, like, would make me change my mind about it? And he just didn't. He just said – he sounded super guilty to me. He seemed like – he said, uh, like, I feel really disoriented being out in Vegas. Uh, I feel, again, I feel like, like this, this city has messed me up, blah, blah, blah. It was, and he was pleading with me not to, to post on 2 plus 2. Um, but I did some more research, uh, and long story short, after talking to a bunch of people, found out that not only did he pull this uh, bullet scan with people, where, like, he told, uh, for instance, he told Sheets, that he busted twice as well, and actually gave Sheets like phantom hand histories from the second bullet wow. of yeah, like how he busted. Yeah, we've like actually, we've he, actually had Sheets on here before too, and he's you know he talked all about the, all the staking he does. So I was especially interested in this story when I saw he was involved yeah, as one of the victims. Yeah, um, so I, I found out. And I was like, wow, this is insane. Um, and then I also found out that he sold. Uh, I think it was it ended up being about one hundred and thirty to one hundred and forty percent plus about twenty percent in swaps. That he had sold in this thing, um, and he was still. I, I was communicating with him a bit at this time when I was like really suspicious and like really starting to uncover some of the stuff. And he kept like denying it and like changing his story a bit and all that stuff. Um, but I mean, we just had the proof, a hundred percent. And he did pay. He did pay me. He paid me first for the one bullet because he just said it was a mix up on the one bullet. But then we found out that he was lying. And then eventually he did pay me the full amount. So, so, so just just for those stuff. people who are clear, he didn't enter any of these. He just uh, completely uh, did not enter that tournament at all. It just made up that he. No, no, he did. He did. He oh, played, he did he enter. Played once. He played once, and he sold hundred and thirty percent of. Oh, them. okay, okay, okay. That's right. So okay. I mean, obviously, but he also did mention on his, the on the two plus two thread. If you read down his first uh, one of his first replies was that he had played and guess he had messed up and oversold, but. He was still trying his best to win the tournament, uh, yeah, which yeah. is obviously that just can either he's like yeah, brain I'm, dead or that's clearly yeah, I mean, a lie. Because... Totally a lie. Yeah, I'll read that one shortly. I, yeah. Uh, so I, I see here that somebody on two plus two posted that thirty five percent went to sheets, twenty five percent I guess went to you, thirteen uh, percent to Jazzbrawl, ten percent to Mattis, ten percent to William Louise, five uh, percent went to this guy Fake Logic. And who posted this and two percent someone named Gene, and uh, and then uh, so I guess after I guess he did some trades and other things where he ended up. Uh... Yeah, and I think there was actually two that were probably went unposted there where he because I hit up two guys that didn't want. And the funny thing about this was I was talking to all of these other people that had bought pieces of them, and they had told me things um, about this guy that weren't the most flattering thing, and a lot of people didn't want me to go public with it, um, which I thought was a bit strange. Maybe it was because they were trying to get money back or something. I'm not exactly sure, but I, I think that's why, like, this, this scamming and all this stuff is so Oh, that's so very common, yeah, because, because people don't want to, like, like rat these people out or something. I yeah, well, it's, it, well, scammers love secrets, and that's, that's always what scammers want, is they want you to be afraid that if you publicize what they're doing, that they're not going to pay you. So they, they keep your hope up that you're going to get paid, if you stay on good terms with them and they know you fear that if you come out and, and uh, publicize it, 
that they're going to get mad and they're not going to want to cooperate and pay you. The funny thing is it's usually the opposite. Usually they will not pay you until you publicize it. And then once you publicize yeah, it or, or threaten to publicize it, then they feel they have to if they do have the money to pay. But it's, it's uh, scammers always want everyone to keep quiet about it and never talk to each other. And, and, and yes, a, a lot of this does happen this exactly this way for that reason. Yeah, um, so he ended up, he did pay, and uh, I mean, I had a little bit of a bad, t- I never, it, it really wasn't that massive of a deal to me, it was one piece, like, I've had people on holdbacking uh, deals completely screw me, um, so some, of which, some of which I can out right now if you want. Um, yeah, but, go, go ahead. Uh, that, <laughs> what's that? No, go ahead, if you want to out some people, go ahead. Okay, uh, okay so I have, uh, let me think of the ones that I have, so I have two blatant ones, that I, I never, I never posted about some of the ones that I dealt with. For a few reasons. The reason wasn't that I, I wasn't thinking that I was going to get paid. It was just that these people uh, scammed me and only me because I was the only one backing them, and they're completely out of poker now. And I, I have, like, blasted some of them on, like, Twitter and, and stuff like that, but I, I'm not a massive member of, of 2 Plus 2. On this thread, I actually didn't even post under my own name because I don't have a working account. Um, but the one guy, he used to be a big-time uh, MTT reg, and his name is Ryan Carp, uh, and he went via the name Ryan Bluff. He won an F-Tops, had some success back in, I guess it was all pre-Black Friday. But this guy, I mean, if you're an MTQ rag, you know you've heard of Ryan Bluff back in 2011 or whatever it was. Um, he, once Black Friday happened, he basically just cashed money out of his account um, that he was going to use for buy-ins over the course of the summer. I guess it was in 2011 or 2012, one of those years. Um and he basically just stole the money, which was oh. between twenty and thirty k. Wow. Um, and and I actually have a a really funny story about what happened with him. So I was like ragging on him, trying to get the money back from him. Um, he was denying it at first, and then he completely completely acknowledged that uh, he did steal from me, um, the amount that he cashed out, and that he was going to start paying me back. And we were all friends with him, like me and Paul, and like all of my friends that. You know, play tournaments and stuff. Like we, we were like cool with them. Like we partied with them. He stayed with us in Vegas for three years. Like all this, this stuff. So it was kind of like alarming that this guy would do that. Um, so he paid me back five hundred dollars once and said he was he had a normal job. He's out of poker. He said he's going to start uh, making payments. Um, and he never did after that one. It was that was it. I, I kept like messaging him, blah blah blah. You know how that goes. And he just didn't uh, pay me at all. And then he just totally stopped responding at one point. Um, and I definitely had my part in it too, where like I wasn't on him as much as I should have been. Um, where I, I definitely think that I played, I, I, I was my own worst enemy in a lot of these situations, but still like, he still like, he blatantly stole money from me and all this stuff. Um, that's actually very common, by the way, when someone says they're going to pay you back and then they send one payment and then they never send again. For some reason, there's always that first good faith payment and then they never, sometimes a second and getting a third is rare. Yeah, and especially when it's like a sum, like, like where these guys are working normal jobs. I mean, I, I can understand that it's, like, too, like, they're like, oh, fuck, like, this is too much money. I get it, but in the same way they, they stole. But uh, this is a crazy story. Okay, so me and my ex-girlfriend, we were in an open relationship, and this is probably about two yeah. years ago, where we both dated other people. Like, we were together, but we also would, like, saw an online dating sites and, like, date other people. And, and she was okay um, with this? So I was looking, well, hold on. I want, to hear about the open, I want to hear about the open relationship. <laughs> so, hold on. Did you approach your girlfriend about the open relationship, or did she approach you, or you just – like, how does how that come um, about? I, I approached her, actually, but 
unbeknownst to me at the time, she had actually been in a sort of open relationship with her ex. Um, and she, like, she like didn't really like the idea at first um, because our relationship was so new. But then she eventually got on board with it. And we we just broke up not too long ago, but she was, like, fully – there's a lot of people that I know that are in, like, completely open relationships. And it all goes good. I mean, it's not the easiest thing to do, but a lot of but for me personally, I just. But 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 she wasn't she wasn't jealous. Like, like, like there's no jealousy at any point from her or anything like that. Like that, that never entered the equation. No, what? Oh no, massive jealous. No, there there was no. Oh, okay, sure. I'm a massive jealous jealous person. <laughs> she was a very jealous person too. So it was hard. But like for me, I couldn't do it any other way. Like I didn't want to just have sex with one person for the rest of my life or any of that. Like that was just not into me. So you just kind of deal with it. You deal with the jealousy. You know, you you were very honest about what it is that, you know, we were doing. We, I wouldn't, like, go out and, like, randomly have sex with a girl and not tell her. She would know everything. Um, and it wasn't like we can just, like, have sex with whoever we want. We had, like, our own rules, and we worked it in our own way. That would work. <laughs> so um, back to the story, uh, I'm on her, she's on our Match.com, and I see a picture of this kid, Ryan Bluff, on, on Match.com. <laughs> I'm like, holy shit, this is insane. I was like, and he had he had favorited her or something or sent her a message, one of the two. So I was like, yo, message this kid back. So she does. She messages this kid back. Um, they set up a date where she's basically just like, oh, yeah, like, I really want to have sex. Like, it, was, it was great. She messages this kid back. Um, they set up a date. Me and my boy, my friend, uh, were in, like, another car uh, waiting for him to, like, come there. And, like, I wasn't going to almost, like, eat stuff or anything like that. Um, but I had another guy with me, too. And she goes in uh, to this, uh, it was like they went to, like, a Mexican place. They both sat down. Uh, she was talking to him for, like, three minutes. He seemed super, it was weird, too, but he seemed super sketched out. Like, right when he got out of his car, he, like, stood up and looked all around. I have no idea, but he somehow suspected something was up. Um, well, maybe because was, maybe she talking. seemed too willing to, to meet him and have sex with him. Maybe he thought this was too easy. <laughs> yeah, maybe. That's someone that's just like, yeah, I really want to have sex. Like, yeah. Whatever. Um, so, so then we come in, me and my friend, I sit next to him, uh, my friend sit next to me and I'm, I just say, you know, you owe me this money. And he tried to be like real hard with me. Uh, and he was like, he's like, no, I don't owe this to you. Like this, this, uh, that was like a loan or something, something, something that was completely absurd, some bullshit. Um, so basically I, I grabbed the phone. I took his, uh, his, a, a few, a few girl numbers in his phone and maybe one of his friends. And I took his mom's cell phone number from his phone, and I said, if you don't, like, work out, if we don't work out some sort of claim plan, and I think I made him some ultimatum, like, he had to pay me, like, 3500 in, like, a week or something like that, and then followed by, like, X amount of money and X amount of time or something like that. Um, so he agrees. He says, okay, blah, blah, blah. And I, again, I have no idea what I'm doing with this. I'm just, like, kind of, like, going, I'm just, like, feeling this out and hoping that this kid will, like, cave and get and pay me. Um, then the next day, I get a call from the police uh, around me, and they're like, did this happen? And I just admitted to it. I was like, yeah, I, I met up with this kid. He owes me money. Uh, my girlfriend randomly, like, saw him on this dating site, blah, blah, blah. And the cops basically told me, they're like, dude, you can't do this. Like, if you want to do anything, you have to go through the court of law, which I would never do just because, one, I probably don't have the actual proof needed. Yeah, it's very hard. Something like sense, that. Yeah. Even though even though it's blatant that he sold me. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's the legal fees and stuff like that. Plus, I'm probably too lazy to do something like that. Uh, and basically, I, I just, like, continued to, like, text him and stuff like that. I'm not going to, like, well, so something, something out of control, So have you gotten any money he, since he's never then? never paid me another cent. Yeah, so, I mean, one thing you can do if he still works is, uh, um, 
you you can start calling calling him at his work, and then also tell him you're going to call you're going to email everyone at his job, you're going to call his boss, you're going to tell everyone about what he's doing, you know, what he did, and and uh, and that he's a scammer. Sometimes, if if you make it's what's called follow the money, where if uh, uh, whatever is currently supporting that person, or or whatever reputation they feel they need to protect or whatever, sometimes that right. can force them to do the right thing if they believe you're going to out them, and that's not illegal. You have a right to state the truth of what's really happening and and you know you you can call up his boss and tell them there's no there's no law against that and you you know even if he, t- if he tells you not to say too bad i'm doing it anyway and uh, and so i mean it's up to you what you want to do but that's always one way in fact i i had it once this is exactly how i got money out of a scammer not a poker scammer but i i got scammed on craigslist once this is a mm-hmm. um a, a weird thing where i i, I bought like seven items for like 300 bucks each and I sent someone else to pick them up for me because my card uh, couldn't carry them all. Uh, this person, I'm not going to blame them. They just, they, they got a little confused. They didn't know they had to count the number. They just, you know, they kind of just picked them up and drove them back. I get back and I see there's only six. I'm like, oh crap. Right. So I call the person and say, where's the seventh? And they go, oh yeah, yeah. Um, the, the seventh is still in storage. I forgot to get it out. So they totally acknowledged the seventh was now given to the person who picked it up for me. So I'm like, okay, well, when can I have it? So they stall, 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 stall eventually stopped taking my phone calls. And then I finally reached them like eight weeks later calling from a different phone number. And, uh, um, and they basically just said, yeah, you already got a great deal on those six. You know, I sold it for such a low price. You got a great deal for those six. So I'm, I'm just not giving you the $300 back. It's, uh, I think you got a great deal anyway. That's it. Stop calling me. And I go, ah, 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 ah. We had a deal. It's, uh, I, I even have it in writing. They said, okay, then sue me. You know, go ahead and sue me because I'm gonna, I'll tell them in court that your friend – Picked it up, paid in full. It must have lost one of them or stolen one of them, and I don't know what happened. There's no way you can prove it. I go, uh-huh. So I, I, I researched the person. I found out where they worked, uh, and I called them up, and I, and I basically laid it down to them. I said, everyone in your life is going to know what you did for the next 10 years. I'm going to track down everyone, and I'm going to call every single one of them. And I even found out they were like in a nasty child custody battle. I threatened I was going to go to court and you know, te- testify on behalf of their ex-spouse of what kind of person they are, that they're running scams on Craigslist. And this person panicked and said, all right, uh, if, if I send you a $300 money order, will this go away? I said, yeah. So they wow. sent me three. They sent it to me. It went away. Yeah, that's, that's hard work that you put in there. That, that's, that's yeah, like, that, I know it's only 300 it. bucks, but I, I, was, I was pissed. They, they were just arrogantly telling me, nope, I'm, just, I'm not giving you back. I decided you got a too good of a deal anyway. F you. I'm like, uh-uh. Yeah, I know. It's crazy how people can be like yeah. that. <laughs> so, 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 yeah, sometimes you just got to gotta hammer them hard in these spots. But it's up to you how much you know, effort or trouble you want to put into this. But that's, that's always a good spot to hit if someone has a real job. If there's just some, like, some degenerate who doesn't work and doesn't have any kind of real income other than playing poker, then you're – Often screwed, but yeah, no, this could end for sure. That's a, that's a really good idea. Actually, I called his, I did call his mom once, just to, like let her know and like make his life a little bit uncomfortable. Um, but obviously, I still didn't get paid. Okay, so that was Ryan Carp, and the amount was somewhere between twenty and thirty. It's most likely thirty. So I went back and found old emails. And if you want, I'll tell you about the other one yeah, right now. Uh, the other one is Mike Lavin, who a lot of the, a lot again, a lot of the people that play MPTs know who this guy is. His name was Grind the Rail and Full Till. I think he also won an F Tops. He won a lot back in the day. Um, I backed him. Uh, he won some money. I'm I'm trying to remember the specific. He won some money over a period of time. And uh, again, this is the same thing. When Black Friday happened, so I had him I had him cash out all the money that he had in his account. Um, and whatever money he owed me was a sum of like 55k or something like that. Mm. From the, he had he had money in his account, and I got back uh, 25k, 
Um, and then he, he was just giving me like this. And I, I like, this is again, another kid that I like, you know, hung out with a bit, you know, I wasn't like great friends with him, but like we had some sort of relationship and a lot of other guys did too. Um, and he just basically never paid me the, the 30K. He, he was kept stalling it with like some good excuses. He's like, he's like, oh, the, the check from stars bounced, blah, blah, blah. And at the time I really didn't, wasn't even like, like thinking that it, it seemed shady at all. He completely duped me on it all. Um, and he just, it was refusing. He, he's still around. His, his Twitter name is the real Lavin and his name is Mike Lavin. Um, and that amount was for sure 30K. Wow. So, so, so where, so what's the story with that one right now? It's just, uh, uh he, he actually responded to me via, uh, via text, uh, back in May of this year. And this is like, you know, this is years after the fact, and I've been keeping up with him and trying to contact him or whatever. Um, but he just said that like he is in school and he can't he can't afford any money to pay me, which is obviously bullshit. Um, and he's just like he, he's not admitting that he's not paying me anything, but that's clearly what's happening. Yeah. Uh, and it's crazy. This kid also tried to like shame me. He's like he's like if it makes like I've been bashing him on Twitter. He's like, if it makes you feel better to bash my name, then go right ahead. <laughs> but I've I have no ill feelings toward you, so like good luck in life. But I'm just like so tilted that this kid like has the nerve to, to say this. Yeah, say, well, it, it does yeah. make me feel better, actually. Yeah, I'm just telling everyone the truth. So it doesn't happen to them. I do, I do feel good. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it really sucks when these type of things happen. So now here's the uh, here's the post from I know you've read it from Kid Cardiff on Two Plus Two. This is his first response again six days ago. Uh, he said, "I've sold action on Two Plus Two and with friends for as long as I can remember. Never had any issue. Never cheated anyone. I love how they start out that way. Like I, I never cheated anyone before. Just this time, and it's okay." Uh, the World Series of Poker, I put a big schedule together uh, for tournaments that were under 2K. Sheets had 35%. I sold 5% to 2% to other people. Um, for tournaments more than that, I sold a package which sold 38% of my action. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to read all that. But then here comes the uh, here comes the more interesting part. After I busted the World Series main event on day one, uh, uh, I'm quite... Uh, what, what happened after the main event is where I let myself down and others. It was time to get out of Vegas after a long summer. Six weeks here giving everything and falling short, I began to make bad decisions. I hadn't been home since April, but had one tournament left which I was determined to play as I had sold for it and was a good shot at finishing the trip in profit. Which I, I don't even understand, but if he's having such a bad World Series, then like, how is it a good chance he's going to recover all that in this last tournament? But, yeah, exactly. but putting that aside, um, uh, I busted the main event on day one, this World Series is talking about, and had some free time before the Venetian main event. And uh, I started playing casino games, and as you can imagine, started losing. Uh-oh. So this, you know where this is going here. He started playing casino games and his time off between the two tournaments. So... Uh, I started to feel dis- disorientated being here and became desperate. So he, he was disoriented for being in Vegas somehow. Yeah, so it's the same thing he told me over the phone. Yeah, I'm just dis- disoriented. So the, the flashing lights of the slot machines are, are making me confused. I'm like, what's he trying to say? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's crazy. So, so th- that's, that's his excuse that he's setting up here. Uh, the cash I had for tournaments had gone. One mistake led to another, and I sold more action for the tournament and also lost the money. I played on more than one occasion for some Swedish guys who were sitting 
down in Palazzo, it reached the point where I just didn't have the buy-ins I needed to. I was not thinking straight, and I sold more action to the Venetian 5K than I should have. It reached 90%, which was fine as 35% went to a backing deal. From there, the day before the tournament, I made the biggest mistake. I messaged two close friends, and they bought 20% each of two bullets, which took the tournament from 90% to 130%. From there, I made swaps of 5% with four guys. Oh, boy. So he sells 130% and, and swaps then 5% with four people. That like, takes it up to 150%. That's <laughs> Uh, after continuously running bad, I didn't really envision what what could have happened should I have built a stack in the tournament. What do you mean you couldn't envision what happened? Of course you can. If, if you built a stack and won, th- then you'd owe a ton of money to people. That's what would have happened. So w- two things could have happened. Uh, either you would have had to intentionally lose it, or you could have just taken the money that you cash and run and not pay anyone. Right. You don't say you, didn't, you couldn't envision. Of course you can doesn't take a genius to figure out what happens there if you sell 150% of yourself at a tournament. He said, I did not throw my chips away, while at the same time, in the back of my mind, I was aware I would have serious problems, so I went on to cash big. So so cashing big would cost him money, but he's not throwing his chips away. He's, he's totally playing normally. Yeah, I'm sorry. It, it's, it's all extremely pathetic, I'm well aware. I went down pretty low on chips and managed to build stack up again and busted after dinner. He probably, he probably shoved in with seven deuce offsuit and then uh, sucked out on aces. That's probably how he got his stack back up. Uh, none of the hands I played were anything different to how I would have played in a tournament where I had 100% of my own action. Uh-huh. Having said that, if I were to have gone deeper, I would have been in trouble, clearly. I told Mark, Sheets, and Jono that I played two bullets when I didn't. I cleared that up the following morning, and Mark became suspicious, rightfully so, about what had happened here. I realized that I've let down investors and everyone close to me. Reputation in poker is fragile, and I realize it's very much one strike. Once you steal, they lose the trust of the community for good. I hope that those of you who know me and work together for many years will see this has been a one-off mistake. (laughs) A one-off mistake. Come on. It's... This is more than a one-off mistake. It was one that kept compounding. He just kept doing more and more. It was, you know, he sells one hundred thirty percent, and he still trades five uh, percent off with four guys. He just couldn't stop. He he probably would have sold a thousand percent if he could have. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I, I really think that his um, like I'm not, I'm all for like giving people a second chance, like whatever. But like just like his post was very um, clearly dishonest. So like that's why I just don't really have that much. Uh, uh, sympathy in my heart because I just don't think he, he ever came came clean about it at all, you know, in, in any way, shape, or form. Um, so yeah, that's that. Yeah, and the fact the fact that he's uh, writing in this post that he played to- totally normally, and it just it just so happened from his cards that he didn't cash. Uh, but but he acknowledged that he would have had a big problem if he if he ended up cashing and ended up running really deep. But but that didn't happen, and, and it wasn't going to stop him from running deep. It, it just somehow somehow he just didn't run deep, just just in the car. Yeah, it's he, almost like he's assuming he's not assuming that like everyone is stupid. Like, yeah, it's like it's like it, it's like embarrassing. Yeah, people go, oh well, okay, at least you tried. At least you really tried to do well for the investors and didn't let this stop you. Like. Uh, I think it would have been better if he just came out and said, yeah, I'm a degenerate. I have a gambling problem. I've resorted to this to steal from people. I, I, I dumped the chips when I played. Uh, yeah, because... I, I don't even know that I, I necessarily – like, I didn't know nothing about 
market. I don't know that I necessarily even believe that sort of because he, he paid everyone back. I mean, it's great that he paid everyone back, you know, but but he paid everyone back quickly. That doesn't really seem like someone to me that is just that just massively is so, yeah, getting that, off. That is but weird. I could be, how I could be he, wrong. How did he pay everyone back? I wonder if he borrowed from someone. He or? paid me back the same way um, that I paid him. No, I mean, I mean, like how? Like where did he get the money? Like if he's at brokerage scamming people, was he was he just trying to steal where he didn't have to steal? Or? Right. That, that's that's where my concern lies. Really, is that <laughs> he could just you know pay back everyone instantly, like his store doesn't <laughs> check out if that's the case. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it's possible that he decided maybe this he thought this is the way he's going to get some of the money back that was lost during the World Series or get back what he just lost in the casino. I, who knows? I mean, it's uh, – Right. Yeah, we there, have no there, idea. There are these situations sometimes where people will resort to really weird tactics to steal from people when they don't even need the money. And uh, yeah, this might have been – I mean, it's, it's, it's weird. You're right. I, did, I didn't think of this, but you're right. It, it's good that you get paid back quickly, but then you wonder – Where'd the money come from? He was broke. If he did this because he was broke, how does he have the money to pay everyone? Right. Yeah, it makes sense. So, so yeah, this was uh, th- this is a pretty bad story, and it, it went on. He was posting in the thread, and you know, when someone does this much and says, "Oh, you can trust me again," this is a one-time mistake. It's unlikely. It's it's unlikely that someone is going to do a premeditated scam like this. It's different. I mean, it, even in this case, it would be harder to trust someone. Let's say you just left five thousand dollars sitting on the table, and a guy who was in your room got tempted and grabbed it, and and uh, and then later said, "I don't know what came over me. I just saw the money in my face. I just grabbed it. I don't know what I was doing." Like you still can't really trust them again, but at least you can believe that maybe they were just tempted by the money sitting in front of them, and that they're not normally a thief. But this guy, he put a lot of thought into this one. So yeah, I agree for sure. And, and and he kept doing it, like to, to be trading after that. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like oh, I accidentally sold too much. Oh, I I or oh yeah, I, I sold a little bit more than a hundred percent, and then I I realized and just decided to go with it. it. He kept selling and selling and selling. So this was this is someone who obviously can't be trusted again. And there's so many people out there who want to be staked in poker tournaments. A lot of very competent players that just haven't managed their money well, and. You don't need to be staking scammers. Anyone who has this type of stuff in their history just should not be staked, especially someone with a, a premeditated scam like this where they, uh, they they think about how they're going to do it and the stories they're going to tell and make up lies to cover up other lies. And it's just uh, uh, the whole thing's a bad situation. So so how is this uh, left right now? What is how does How do the other backers feel about this? Does everybody basically feel the same that they're never going to trust this guy again? Uh, I mean, I think anyone in the no one in their right mind would 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 do such a thing. Uh, really, I mean, I, I, I mean, any I don't know I don't know what his deal is with Sheets. Is I, I'm under the impression that he Sheets was actually like backing him, like like he, it was on a stake, like where he probably had his makeup. So if you're in Sheets' position, it, it's not quite as easy of a decision to just be like, okay, do yeah, I just true. dump this kid 100k? I have no idea what his makeup number is, or if he's in makeup. But like, say he has 100k makeup, do I just dump this kid in makeup or? So I gamble, you know, I, I'm not one to, to make that decision, but it's definitely a good decision to have to make. That's true. Yeah, there, there is that makeup problem. Yeah, that's, you got a routine backer and you, you've gotten a big makeup with them. You, The backer, uh, I know Sheets approaches this in a very business-like fashion. And uh, yeah, I, I know if Sheets were to determine that the risk he's taking by continuing to back this guy and getting scammed in some way, is uh, is worth it given that the guy's in such and such amount of makeup? 
to where he'll get 100% of what his cash is provided he actually pays, maybe he'll choose to do it. So I, I know these things play into it, and it's easy to just say, okay, don't ever back him again. But when the, the guy's in 100K of makeup to you, then and you think he's a good player but just can't really trust him, then at that point it's a little harder to send him away. I, I probably would anyway, but I see the point here. Yeah, for sure. I know it's weird, but it's but it's also like you know if if you do that, then you're you're kind of like this kid have a hundred three score. You know, if, obviously if you're in a hundred K makeup, you you probably feel fine about being that being dropped. So like it's like okay, well maybe this is like benefiting him more and all of these things. I mean, and I've I've dealt with this over the years in backing too. A lot of these decisions are not you know they're not like cut and dry like that. And it's like I mean maybe it comes to a point where you have to just completely be on top of it for everything. You know, audit his online accounts at all times and. And never give them more money than is needed to play a tournament, and instantly ask for receipt, for receipts or something. I don't know. Yeah, before I before I understood all the way all the backing worked and all the makeup and all that stuff, I would see weird things happening in tournaments when I'd be playing them, and I'd go, "Wow, I I thought this guy was good, but he, it just seemed like he just shot off this massive stack on on a flush draw on the flop, and like like how could he have have done this?" just shot off so much here and, and I'm thinking, and then the reason was because the person feels they have to finish first or, or, or it's not worth playing because there's in so much makeup, that's what they need to get out of it. So they, they don't want to forget not wanting to min cash. They don't want to finish like ninth or eighth. And so they feel like right, they've got to get sure. like massive then, chips yeah, to, taking then, these crazy chances because they think that's the only way out of makeup. And I, I wouldn't understand playing these people, why they would make some of these moves they did, but it, it was influenced by, by the makeup they were in. Yeah, and a lot of times, again, you have a tough decision in the back or someone gets deep in makeup, you know they're playing bad. But yeah. It's like, all right, do I just cut my losses or do I hope they bank? And, and mostly in my case, in my experience, I've done it uh, both ways, and usually you're just throwing good money after bet. But usually, um, I, I've never really had something turn around ethically. You know, I've actually been in situations where I've bought people's makeup before too, um, and that's I don't think I've ever had anyone recoup. I actually think I had one one person recoup uh, a substantial amount of money, but overall they're just like losing. They're just losing investments in my opinion. It, it does seem most tournament players who go into a tailspin and stop winning. There aren't that many of them that come back and return to, to what they were or, or run really hot again. It's so much when it happens, I'm kind of surprised. And I noticed that like one, I noticed, I don't know if people were backing him, but uh, Jeff Madsen, who for so many years was doing nothing and, and losing a lot of money playing tournaments. And then the, the last uh, three years has been very hot. So uh, yeah, you have those situations. But uh, I see so many more of people who once were doing very well, and then for whatever reason they can't win anymore. And then it gets compounded right. by – Yeah, it's like probably like in my experience, it's just like probably someone, you know, the game has just passed them by, and, and they're under this – Delusion that they're still a winning player, and you know, you know how it goes. But yeah. they, they think that they're just getting massively unlucky, um, but they just—they're not willing to admit their own faults and whatnot. So, a caller, we have a caller on the phone. Your caller, you're on the air for the nine two eight. Hey, it's uh, call. Who's who's? Oh, Cletus. Hi, what's going on, Cletus? Are you the one mailing me a check for two hundred dollars? <laughs> I, I got I got your message. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you the money that I owe. I just okay. got your message. I just got it recently, so you, you didn't it's, you, you didn't ask a long time ago. I was waiting. I was waiting for your message. Okay. Thanks. Yeah, I'll get it to you. So thank you. I, I don't think it's two. It's not two hundred dollars though. Okay. 
I think it's like eighty six. Wow, it sounds like he was trying to call you. Out. <laughs> I, I don't know. No, I like Cletus. He was I, trying to call out the host. <laughs> no, uh, I think I owed Cletus like eighty six dollars. But I, I did just get the the message you sent me uh, about uh, about paying you, and I'll mail the check and, and all that. So you'll get it. <laughs> Checks in the mail. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Cletus. Thank you. I didn't expect that. <laughs> yeah, I, I had uh, I, I cashed two tournaments for uh, four figures so i owe various investors like kind of micro amounts of money like that 86 dollars you know whatever so uh, some people were slow to send me their information to mail to them i prefer paypal it's easy they just you know ship it on paypal really fast but if they uh, others don't have paypal they've got to send me an address and you know if they don't respond to me or don't send it to me then I can't do it till they send it but uh, <laughs> it's kind of an odd timing for that phone call so all right <laughs> But believe me, I'm not, I'm not trying to stiff anyone for $86, believe me. So a- anyway, um, let's see here. So, yeah, that's, uh, you know, the world of, of staking, it, it's something that uh, I, I don't even think about too much. Even when I played the World Series this year, like I, I don't think too much when I'm at the table, especially not knowing a lot of the people, like who is backed. I wonder if they're playing like they're backed. I wonder who's in deep makeup. Like I, I kind of just don't think about it. I just kind of just think about – you know, what hand I have, what hand I think they have. I, I don't really think about their motivations for playing the way they are, but may, maybe I should. Maybe that would help me a bit because uh, I have seen some odd things that later I realized were a result of people being backed. So, all right. Uh, so is there anything more you'd like to tell us about this situation here? I think we've gotten a good idea of what's going on here, and hopefully, you know, I'm glad you at least got paid back, and it was a pretty bad scam. Nobody should back Ben Warrington, Kid Cardiff again, but, yeah, he'll probably find some sucker to do it. Yeah, I actually have a, another one that uh, there's a, there's another thread that's actually still live on two plus two about another uh, person <laughs> that uh, scammed me. If you want, I can uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Why not? Let's let it all hang uh, out. Okay, so the the person in question here was Chris Laveroni. Um I backed him for years. He actually was backed by Sheep and Back uh, prior to me backing him, um, and that'll come into play in a bit. Uh, but but I started backing him. Uh, he went into big makeup playing all my MTTs and heads up Zingos. Um, he, at the, and towards the end of when Black Friday happened, um, I did a lot of audits for all player accounts. And I found in his account, even though he was 300000 in makeup, that he had been cashing out money. So I, I mm. talked about him at the time. Uh, well, I said, what, what is going on here? What, what are these cash outs? You know, and I like talk to this kid a lot. Like we 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 spoke uh, quite a bit, um, and he explained to me that he had been cashing out his right back um, from full fill. And if you check on two plus two, it, it'll be under like Chris Leveroni, or sorry, it'll be under the universe uh, and Mark Herm, whatever discussion. This has been going on on two plus two, and some people have actually sided against me. It's been probably sixty forty in my favor if I had to guess. But so he he was cashing out right back during those years while losing me tons of money, and I just thought that was completely insane. And I said that you owe me all that money. <laughs> Crazy. Um, that you cashed out, you know, you're losing me money and you're using my money to generate this right back. Therefore, I should get it. Um, and his case is that he's just like any other player that's playing that they should have rights to their own SPPs and, and whatnot. Um, and we never, like, directly discussed any of that. But a- anything that ever has happened with me and my horses. Like we never discussed breakback, but anything this uh, involving FPPs and stuff like that, I always told everyone up front 
that anything that you you generate with the money you can use, you know, for for playing in tournaments, but it all remains in the state. You know, like say you have a bunch of FTPs and you want to play uh, a, buy a ticket to Sunday later, but you can use that and that'll be on the stake. That's fine. So this kid cashed out X amount of dollars uh, and never paid me. Um, and, and it went dead for a while. I mean, him just didn't talk forever. And then I saw that he was in the money of the World Series main event this year. So I hit him up. I was like, yo, remember this thing that happened? Like, what, what's the deal? And he agreed that it seemed reasonable that he should pay me back, yada, yada. And <laughs> I said, okay, well, can you, you know, email FTP and, and get your withdrawal history um, from these these withdrawals, and he said, yeah, sure, I just need the dates. Uh, so I gave him the dates uh, of what our backing arrangement was. It was, like, October 2009, so, like, whatever, so Black Friday. And uh, he said, okay, I'll get them to you. And then he just stopped responding to me after he, he busted the main event. Um, and then he actually made a thread on 2 plus 2, stating his side of it where he didn't know that he couldn't cash out. And But the thing is, the kicker of all this is, it's not like he, he did it and, and I knew that he, and he told me. He didn't. He just was cashing out money completely unbeknownst to me. Um, and since, since then, since this happened, uh, I've been messaged by uh, several poker players saying things about him that were very shady, that they play with him in games, and they just always had the feeling that he was being shady, which obviously doesn't surprise me. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty bad. He's, he's earning these, uh, these FPPs from his play on, on your stakes. And then just taking them for himself rather than uh, you know, rolling them back into the stake. Like, <laughs> right. And I made massive, massive mistakes in all of this. Like, massive mistakes. Like, I, ne- I should have been way more on top of them. I should have been auditing the accounts way more frequently and all this stuff. And I, I messed up huge. Like, no, no doubt in my mind. But I just, this kid just stole them. Like, this just, it's just, he just completely yeah, I know. stole you, look, from me. You, you can always look back at yourself and say, I wasn't uh, aggressive enough. I wasn't uh, watching these people enough. But the bottom line is when someone gets scammed, and I always say this, when someone gets scammed or ripped off or cheated, I say it's the fault 100% of the perpetrator, of the scammer. That's the one who's at fault. And as far as the person who allowed it to happen or who wasn't as diligent with uh, putting up roadblocks from this occurring in the first place, they made a mistake, but they made a mistake to themselves. But they, they weren't at fault for the situation. They just kind of made it easier to be taken advantage of. It's two different things. And, but but I, I don't ever like when it, the victim ever gets blamed or even blames themselves. Now, it's, it's always good to learn from it, of course, and uh, uh, not do the same things in the future and make it tougher for people who are trying to cheat you to cheat you. But you should the, – the fault 100% lies with the one who's doing the cheating and the scamming. So that's always how I've yeah. seen it. And when when I've seen forum posts like, "Oh, he deserved her for being so stupid," or for uh, you know allowing this to happen to him, no, it doesn't matter how gullible you are. It doesn't matter how much you mishandle it. Uh, if you get cheated, then the one who's at fault is the one who cheated you. So that's that's always I, I've always hated that kind of uh, blame the victim mentality. So you, you can't feel too bad about it, and at least you've learned from it from mistakes you may have made. That yeah, I've, I've learned these. a lot over the years in terms of all this stuff. I've been, I used to be a complete, like, pushover when it came to, like, you know, I didn't want to, like, be the guy to, like, ask, you know, ask for the receipt or, like, ask for whatever just because, you know, it's my own, like, it's my own uh, personal defect, which a lot of people have, and it's like they want everyone to like them. And, that, and I had that too much. And I've just known at the time, you, you just can't be like that. you got to be, yeah. you, know, you got to be stirred up. you got to say what's on your mind, and I learned that. By the way, a different topic kind of going toward uh, what we talked about earlier a little bit. I, I just followed you on Twitter, and it, uh, the tweet it's showing me is you saying, 
there should be levels at which you can like someone on Tinder <laughs> rather than just <laughs> swiping yeah. right or left. So are you a big user of Tinder? Yeah. Um, I actually just got out of a relationship, uh, and I'm back on the online dating scene. Um, and it's, it's entertaining. It's, it's really entertaining, and it's, and it's cool what you can do with it uh, and the people that you can meet. Um, but it, it's just really funny the, the way that online dating is and, like, the way dating is in the world. Like, everyone – the whole thing, the whole dynamic between men and women, it's just like all guys go into the situation thinking that the girl wants to hear this, this, and this, and they want you to be a nice guy and all this shit. And what I found recently is like what is giving me the most success in terms of like getting dates and all that is just like being real. Like I'm just like I'm not completely over the top from the get go, but I'm just like very real. And I I tell people how it is straight up and like not go into situations where you're like acting like. You know, if, I, if I, I'm in a situation where I want to be in a, in a committed relationship anytime soon, so I just tell them that straight up. I'm like, yo, this is my deal. Um, and, then, you know, some girls, they, they don't want that or whatever it is that they want. You, just, like, the whole honesty thing and, like, the just, like, being real with people and, like, being yourself, I feel like is the, the way to go. But I, it took me years to learn that for sure. Yeah. Now, on Tinder, are the girls on there, are they looking for sex or are they, or are they actually thinking they're going to use Tinder to, like, find a, a boyfriend? Like what both. do most of them feel? Uh, on both. There? I think I think just like a guy, both. Um, there's for sure. Uh, girls have a lot of they. They don't want to be tr- treated as an object for sure. No, no person does. Like no one wants to. And I, I, the reason why I know so much of this is because I dated. You know, my ex. You know, she we were in an open relationship. She was talking to guys on Tinder, and she would tell me what she likes and much stuff. Like if you you come right in with, oh, I want to fuck like. Whatever, it's just a massive turnoff to girls because you're being treated like a piece of well, no, meat, yeah, right? You're, and, you're, and 100%, really... you're 100% right on this. In fact, I, I, I haven't used Tinder ever. I've been in a relationship for six years. But um, uh-huh. I, I used to meet girls through chat rooms, and it was a very similar thing where the guys would, would message them and say, hey, you want to see my penis? You know, Hey, you want to meet and fuck later? They, <laughs> they, 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 they'd get nowhere. They would get, and then the same girls who would reject them. I would talk to them and just like talk normally, have like a normal conversation, nothing about sex, nothing about relationships, just like, you know, just, just talking normally. And then we get on the phone and like a, an hour into the conversation or something, or 45 minutes in the conversation, they start talking sexually to me out of nowhere. And then they say, Hey, do you want to meet right. up tonight? And like they, then they, they'd actually be pressing me for it where this, these same girls, if guys ask them, do you want to fuck? They, they'd say no way. And they, they'd block them. So I was like, wow, this is interesting. You act like you don't really care about it and just talk normally and they'll bring it to you. If you come at them with this way and treat them like an object, like you said, then it's an immediate turnoff. And I, I, I learned that this was a successful way of going about things. So it, it totally makes sense on Tinder. It's the same way. Yeah, um, it's crazy. And, and like just like uh, the whole thing with uh, with with like what these girls, they're just like they're just like guys. Like like we're very sexual people. Like everyone, like in my opinion, wants to fuck. Like who doesn't want to have sex? Like everyone likes sex. But like it just you have to get to a, a, a place where like this person can actually be comfortable telling you what it is that they want and, and vice versa. But so like, so, so if, if you're saying what do girls want, you know, a lot of them, they, yeah, they want sex. Of course well, I was do. talking like, about the ones on Tinder, like, not, not girls in general. So I, since I've never used that before. Like I've, 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 I was trying to figure out is Tinder just something where like on the girl's side where they're like, okay, I want to have no. sex, but I want to find a good looking guy in here to do it with. And they're like, no, 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 no. Yeah. So I like this guy. I'm going to meet him and, and fuck him tonight. Or is it a different story? Like, uh, like, how does no, it... it's not like just like, like, it's not like it, like there's, there's other sites too, where it's like adultfriendfinder.com, which is just like, but there's like, like there's... It's, it's known out there that we are here to 
past that. Yeah, but there's hardly any real girls like on that thing. There's hardly any real girls and, on that and thing. Definitely, the... like going about it that way won't won't be good. Um, yeah, for sure. So okay, so so okay, yeah, I, I you know for some reason I even if I was single, I don't think Tinder would appeal to me much. For some reason, I kind of like talking first before getting into the whole like like I approve you based upon only you know seeing your picture. I've just never. You know, either way, I don't want them to approve me or disapprove of me because of my picture, and I don't want to choose them based on their picture. I want to be like, I, I, for me personally, I like when there's kind of other factors to it, even if it's something I wouldn't want someone with a you know relationship wise. Just even if, even is like a, a short term thing. I still just to me it it doesn't appeal, but uh, but I am curious about it just from you know, observing it. Yeah, and, I mean, to me, it, no, to me, it's totally helpful because I, I I will tell you right now if there's a chick that I'm absolutely on track to i have no interest with her whatsoever like i have no interest to to try to go out on a date with a girl that i'm not interested well in. no, i, you know, I feel I'm that way too yeah i mean that's that's true but i just uh i i think like once you're past that kind of like you know a girl who's okay that that you can you know you're you're somewhat physically attracted to but the rest is you know their personality and, and how you uh how you get along i, I think on tinder it's kind of I, I would think it's kind of harder to weed out who you would and wouldn't get along with, or in, uh, in other venues. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to meet up with the person in real life. Like I had, I've actually had really good conversations with people before uh, via Tinder, and it was like cool. And I was like, okay, well, cool, we have a, this pretty good connection. And then like I met him in real life, and there was just nothing there. So yeah. it's like, yeah, I, I definitely see what you're saying. Okay, well, yeah, you know, it's, it's been a very uh, interesting interview here. I've, I've enjoyed it, and thank you for coming on. And uh, for uh, sure. I think we've learned about a lot. We've we've uh, heard about some people who ripped you off, and uh, yeah, and that that first guy definitely call up his work and and start putting the pressure on. I think, uh, I think because he has a job and he has money coming in, you might be able to get a payment plan. Especially like you know, people owe a giant sum of money; they can get intimidated by it. But if you say, "Look, I'm going to be a huge pain in the ass in your life," but if if you pay me you know such and such per per week or per two weeks. Then, then I'm going to go away, and that and that's not extortion. If you're threatening something that's illegal, like I'm going to come beat you up, or I'm going to you know just do such and such illegal thing to you if you don't pay me, then that could be considered extortion. But but hey, I'm going to tell everyone what you did is not extortion. That's uh, because you have a right to tell anyone what they did. You know, there's nothing nothing illegal about telling people uh, about things that uh, people have done. So. Anyway, right, that would sure. be. I, mean, I think I think that's I think that's good advice, and I think I'll, I'll probably do it if I'm good. not too lazy. But yeah, I, I really appreciate <laughs> you having me on the show, uh, Todd. It was fun. Yeah, thank um, you. And I guess I will see you around. All right, thank you. Good night. All right, see you. That was uh, Mark Herm, not Helm. I almost said it again. AKA uh, Dipthrong. That's Z I P T H R O N G. I thought it was a good interview. I thought uh, this guy was very good for radio, and he was just very straightforward and uh just willing to pretty much tell it like it is say everything which is which is what this show is about really just being honest with everything and just telling it like it is i I like when we have guests like that who don't hold back so thank you to the individual who mentioned this show Someone uh, tweeting that uh, he needs to be a co-host next week. Yeah, I mean, I, I would tap him as a co-host. It was a, uh, I thought that was a good interview. All right, let's let's uh, look at the other things we have on our agenda tonight. Let's talk about uh, Matt Glantz being blocked on Twitter by Jack Effel, and then there's a a postscript to the story. This is something I'm quite familiar with myself. Because I went through it. The exact same thing that Matt Glantz went through with Jack Effel. Now, in case you don't know, I'm sure you do know, uh, Jack Effel is the World Series of Poker 
tournament director. And there was some question on our forum on Poker Fraud Alert recently. What exactly is the the structure of the World Series as far as uh, the management there? Who's in charge? Who's the boss? Who's second? Like, a, it, not everybody understands the hierarchy there. So this is this is how it goes in the World Series as far as who's running the show. On the top is Ty Stewart. He is the boss of the World Series, basically. Under him are both Jack Effel and Seth Polanski. Jack has more power at the World Series tournament itself. Uh, Seth is involved with both the World Series and WSOP.com. All three of them seem like they're pretty close with one another. I, I don't know if they're friends outside of work, but they seem fairly close. Like, I, I, I don't see Ty firing either Jack or Seth, even if they make mistakes. Like, it's, uh, they, they all seem pretty close. They all seem like they're uh, on the same side, on the same team. And, and I think they're all pretty ingrained in their jobs. I don't think that uh, any of them are going to lose their job anytime soon. Uh, barring some kind of you know, massive scandal, which I don't see occurring. Uh, the World Series of Poker is part of Caesars Interactive Entertainment, which is one of those uh, you know, subsidiaries of Caesars that uh, have been spun off because of the bankruptcy. So Caesars Interactive Entertainment owns the World Series. That portion of Caesars is headed by Mitch Garber. But Mitch Garber, who is the, you know, the boss of Ty Stewart, he is uh, not someone who gets involved in day-to-day operation issues. So Mitch Garber is not going to care if, about the playing cards not being designed well or uh, about uh, you know, one of these World Series managers being nasty on social media or anything like that. He, he, all really Mitch Garber cares about is that the World Series draws good numbers as far as players go. It makes a lot of money. As long as the whole thing looks good on a ledger, then Mitch Garber is happy. Now, you know, if there's some gigantic scandal that made the national news or something, yeah, that would uh, Mitch Garber would take action there. But other than that, he, he doesn't micromanage Ty Stewart, Jack Heffel, or Seth Polanski. So basically those three are the ones who are in charge of the World Series in, in different ways. Uh, there's, there's a few problems, though. Uh, none of these three guys are particularly good at social media. And when I say good at social media, it's something that is somewhat of a skill that you just have to kind of have in your personality. And if you don't have it, it can be hard to learn it and be hard to fake it. By good at social media, I mean that, one, you're very communicative. Two, you're responsive. Three, you're clear. Four, what you write is of interest to people. And five, most importantly, that you're polite and don't let uh, your feelings get hurt easily. Even if people are rude to you, you don't get rude back to them. Now, I'm referring to business social media, not personal social media. Personal is a different story. We're not going to talk about that here. But uh, business social media, you have to get your emotions out. Even if someone's a complete jerk to you on social media, even if they're abusive towards you, you don't fight back. You don't get in a, a, a war with people on Twitter or Facebook if you're doing this as part of your job. If it's not part of your job, if you're just on there, like most of us are, that's, that's a different story if you want to argue on the Internet. But uh, as part of your job, you should not be arguing on the Internet. You just shouldn't be. And you've got to be very gracious towards your customers that are 
messaging you, even if you don't like them personally, even if you think they're wrong, even if you think they're a pain in the ass, you just got to bottle it up and still be polite to them. Unfortunately, the three managers of the World Series I described are just not that good at social media. They just don't really have it in their personality. Uh, Ty Stewart and Seth Polanski are both, uh, they, they both have tempers. They, they, you know, they're under a lot of stress there at the World Series. I, it's a stressful job, okay? I'm, I'm not going to discount that. I'm not going to say that uh, Seth and Ty and Jack are not under a lot of stress because there's a lot of stress to that job at the World Series as one of the managers there. So many different things can go wrong. It's so hard to prepare for every little thing that can happen. Mistakes will occur. I understand. And I understand they are under stress, especially at the very beginning of the World Series, and especially during events like Colossus, which uh, really have the potential to be a clusterfuck. But at the same time, if you're going to be on social media, you've got to keep your cool. You can't snap at people. You can't make nasty comments. You can't insult people. Uh, So Ty and Seth have tempers that come out occasionally. And Jack, he's just passive-aggressive. Uh, he just uh, he blocks people from his Twitter for the slightest criticism. Now, you may say, okay, well, Jack is his Twitter. He should be able to block who he wants. Well, no, because this isn't really his Twitter. The Twitter I'm talking about is at WSOPTD, standing for tournament director. And that is a Twitter that is publicized all throughout the Rio. If you walk around, you'll, you'll see that posted everywhere saying to message that account if there's a problem at one of the tournaments. So it's an important functional account for the World Series, and nobody should be blocked from it unless they are really, really harassing the account. Like, like let's say there was someone messaging Jack all day on that account, hey, I think the World Series is rigged. Man, I got aces cracked three times today, and yesterday I got kings cracked twice. You guys are rigging the World Series. I'm going to keep messaging you until it's rigged. Like, if, you, if there's some wacko messaging that crap, then yeah, fine, block him. And I don't think any of us will question it. But you can't block someone who's just giving constructive criticism or someone who's complaining about something they feel that you have done wrong. You're not obligated to respond to them all. You are not obligated to do what they want, but you should not be blocking them from an official World Series of Poker account, which WSOPTD is. I was blocked from Jack Eiffel's account some years ago, I think maybe three, four years ago. Why? I don't know. I'm not even kidding. I don't know. And the weird thing is, I see Jack around the World Series, and he'll say hello to me. I don't even know if he, he realizes I'm blocked. Because when he sees me in person, we're, we're not friends or anything, but he doesn't look at me with disdain. He sees me as like, oh, yeah, I know this guy. Like he, he looks at me like as someone that he knows, and he knows who I am. He doesn't just say this guy. Like, I, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, I know Todd. Like, like hey, Todd. What, you know, like, he doesn't act in person like someone who dislikes me. But then I'm blocked from his account. So I, I don't know what to say. But I'm not alone. Uh, Brandon, Brandon Drexel-Gerson, he is blocked from Jack's account. Again, for reasons unknown. I had a talk with Brandon about this. I said, Brandon, did, did you ever say anything nasty to Jack? Did you ever you know, insult him? Did you ever call him names? Were you ever disrespectful? He said, no. I said, I wasn't either. I, yeah, I've, I've tweeted to him in the past. I, I'm not one of these people hammering him like every day either. Like I, I don't tweet at WSOPTD something unless I think it's important. I, I don't, it's not something I... He did not block me because I was bothering him all the time, for sure. 
I said something that was critical about the World Series at some point, and he blocked me. Same with Brandon. Same with tons of other people I know. Same with others on Poker Fraud Alert who are not even known poker players who just tweeted at him something he didn't like, and he blocked him. So, Matt Lance is a, a very respected player, plays a whole lot of World Series events, uh, is associated with the Parks Casino, the East Coast. Matt is someone I've, I've always uh, thrown out there as someone who would be perfect for a WSOP players committee. Someone who just really has his finger on the pulse of the tournament scene, understands what the players want, is a smart guy, uh, doesn't have any kind of personal baggage as far as I know. He seems like you know he's respected. I haven't heard of any scandals he's involved with. It's just, you know, if I heard Matt Glantz is on the players committee, I'd say, great, this is exactly the type of person I'd like to see there. Another person I mentioned recently off the top of my head who I'd be happy to see there's someone like Jesse Martin, another one. Like, you know, these guys, you know, you see them around. They play the high-limit tournaments. They also play the, the, the lower-limit ones. They, uh, you can tell they're on the ball, and they see what's going on. They recognize what's wrong. They seem reasonable. They seem intelligent. That's what you want on the Players Committee. There isn't a Players Committee, by the way, but if there was one, that's, that's who should be on it. So anyway, uh, Matt actually has been discussing a Players Committee. And suggesting it. And so he sent the following to Jack Effel uh, yesterday. He sent this to Jack and to Ty Stewart. And what he did is he kind of took like a screenshot of something he wrote up. People are doing this on Twitter these days. Since Twitter is only like 140 characters, if you want to say a lot more than that, people will take a screenshot of a longer thing they write and then submit it as a picture to Twitter. It's kind of a way around the character limit. So this is, he sent this over to, publicly, to Jack and, and Ty. He said, hoping Ty and Jack recognize the need for a WSOP players committee, we all want things to improve. So he wrote five mistakes that would have been avoided by the WSOP with a structured players committee. One, new playing cards would have been vetted properly and immediately rejected and deemed unsuitable to play in prestigious series. In a prestigious series. So he's, you know, we're talking about the playing card controversy that, that the new cards they introduced this year from Mariano were not appropriate. They, they had a lot of flaws, and they should have, these flaws should have been discovered. And they weren't. So he's saying, if we had a players' committee, this wouldn't have happened. Number two, dropping poker news coverage and moving all the live event coverage to in-house media run by the WSOP would have been strongly discouraged by players. True. I mean, that was a bad idea. Everyone knew it had fail written all over it. Everyone knew the coverage would be terrible this year, and it was terrible this year. And a big omission that Matt didn't mention, but it's associated with it, is that players could not report their own chips. That was a big thing that was missing this year that we've had the last few years, which was really nice at the World Series. Everyone loved that because you didn't have to be a big-name player to have your chips up there. Even if you were a big-name player or a medium-name player or even a, you know, a small-medium-name player like I am, uh, you're not always covered. Or you're not covered as quickly as you'd like to be. Then you can cover yourself there. And if people want to see what chips you have, you can keep it as current as you want to keep it. I found it very useful. My parents loved it. My parents loved uh, using the MyStack app on Poker News and uh, following my chip count. So that was, that was a big omission this year that they lost because they moved to their own in-house media. 
and didn't bother to try to replicate what Poker News had going. Number three, structures in these smaller buy-in limit events would not have been so severely broken that the World Series was forced to improve them mid-series. Now, I don't agree with that one. I think that one kind of took people by surprise. They think it was something where you kind of had to play at first to realize it was bad. So I don't know if that would have been caught by a players' committee, but still, I, I support having a players' committee to review structure changes, and maybe if you really think about it closely, maybe you can catch these things before they happen. So either way, it's always good to have a players' committee, people who actually will be playing, to say, hey, I, I don't I don't like this structure difference here. I don't like what you've done, changes to such and such. Number four, an ill-advised and very unorthodox pay jump in the main event in the amount of $230,000 from 11th to 10th place when one table is playing six-handed and the other is playing five-handed would have been strongly discouraged. Yeah, that was – everyone couldn't figure out why this was done. The main event, there was a big difference, $230,000 between 10th and 11th, where normally they pay the same. And the reason they pay the same is one table has six people, one table has five people, and obviously the table with the five, the short stacks are at more of a disadvantage because their blinds are coming around more often. And there was a big stalling problem this year. They had to go hand for hand to prevent this from occurring because one player, one table is playing slow on purpose, one player, one table is playing fast. There should not have been this pay jump. So he's saying if we had a players committee, we would have looked at it and said, whoa, 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 what are you doing? 10th and 11th should be the same payout. And that would have been caught easily. I mean, I, when I looked at the payouts, I, I caught it immediately when I saw it. Number five, no live streaming in the main event before November 9. Before the November 9. Uh, as technology advances, contracts need to be renegotiated to fit the current landscape. Players would tell you that an advance, an absence of live streaming in an event so big to the game is a huge mistake that needs to be turned around for the upcoming year. I know it's not that easy to do because they have a contract with ESPN, and ESPN may just say no, and then they're stuck. But I agree they should really push ESPN in some way to do the live sp- streaming. So, you know, uh, number five, that might be tough because it involves ESPN's cooperation. But everything else... I agree. We need a players' committee. I also think a players' committee could have been helpful logistically. Seeing what kind of food options are available. Seeing the fact that uh, after 11 p.m. everything's closed, including room service, except for that stupid sports deli, which has terrible food. How how did that happen? How is that allowed? Like, uh, I, I think a players' committee filled with intelligent and maybe even a diverse group of people, diverse not meaning racially or uh, you know, anything like that, but I mean diverse as far as each person has their own thing they're good at and their own uh, level of expertise and the own, their own thing they're likely to notice. You, know, you have someone who's good at noticing structures and you know, what is good and what isn't, uh, someone who's good at uh, noticing logistical problems, someone who's good at uh, looking at payouts, someone who's good at... Uh, Noticing when playing cards aren't good and that uh, you have a good eye for that sort of thing. Like, if I was on the Players Committee, and I, I could do a good job with this too, I would be a valuable member as well. And I know I would. I'm not just trying to brag here. I mean, this is the type of thing I'd be good at. But, like, the playing cards, I I don't have the best eye for playing cards. What's a good card? What's a bad card? I, I probably wouldn't be that good at that job. Uh, at the structures thing, I, I would be decent. There'd probably be better people to evaluate this than me, but I'd be decent at it. Uh, but things like you know the, the the poker news coverage being dropped, uh, the the payouts, 
the way the pay scales are, uh, logistical issues, that type of thing I'm very good at. So, so how did Jack respond? Notice nothing in Matt's Players Committee essay there was disrespectful. It didn't say, you idiots, you screwed this up this year. Let me tell you how it's supposed to be done. Or, hey, dumbass, why didn't you think of these things? He didn't come out with that tone. This was very respectful and professional. The response, he went to go look at uh, Jack Effel's Twitter at WSOPTD, the official Twitter of the tournament director of the World Series of Boger. He went to go look if Jack responded, and it says, you are blocked from following the WSOP tournament director. <laughs> that, that was the answer. You're blocked. <laughs> Without even saying you're blocked. He just was blocked. So Matt tweeted back, seems like an appropriate response to fair criticism. Oh, well, guess I'm done, guys. Good luck. I've never had any personal issues with Jack or Ty. I still don't. I just want things to get better at the World Series, so I look forward to coming back. That's how I feel, too. I don't have personal issues with any of these people. I really don't. I, I, I just wish they would take criticism, constructive criticism, better. I wish there was no blocking. I mean, I, I've never been on the receiving end of any nasty tweets to me. And, and I can even give a positive here in that, like, Seth is very responsive. He will answer you. He'll give you a detailed answer. You email him, he'll give you a very detailed answer about what do you want to, about what do you want to know. I'm surprised sometimes at how much detail he'll give me, given how busy he is at the time of the World Series. Uh, so, like, they just need to not block people, not respond rudely, not get angry when they're criticized. They need to understand that people will be angry when things go wrong. That's, that's always happens in business. Any kind of business where there's a customer service aspect to it, people will get angry when things go wrong. People are not always that understanding when things are not going right or if you've made a mistake. Even if you feel they should be understanding, you need to understand that it's not your place to get mad at them for not being understanding. This year there is a general theme at the World Series – that the customer was not cared about very much. They need to turn that perception around. And this leads me to my next point. That uh, oh, Let me give you the postscript to Jack before I get to my next point. Uh, since then, Jack has uh, backpedaled a bit. I heard from Matt that he was unblocked, I think, today. This is what was tweeted from Jack... Three hours ago. I regret blocking anyone and apologize for offending you. And this is just to everybody, not not just to Matt. Always been a man of the people, but respectfully ask that comments are made in good tone. Thank you. Wow. Well, I think the comments really are made in good tone usually. I, I know Matt's comments were very well put. I know my comments to Jack in the past have been with a respectful tone. I I understand he doesn't want to be talked to in a disrespectful fashion or called names or attacked. I understand that, but there's tons of people who have been blocked that have approached him with a respectful tone. So the funny thing is I'm blocked, so I can't even ask him to unblock me. (laughs) But uh, 
I, I, I guess I have, uh, I can use the Poker Fraud Alert account and tweet at him to unblock me, please. And then we'll see how long it lasts. And I, I will promise you guys, I, I'm never going to tweet disrespectful things to Jack Effel or to any of these World Series managers. I'm, n- I'm never going to come to them disrespectfully. Any criticism I have, I may speak up about, but I'm not going to do it uh, in a nasty or volatile fashion. And the truth is, I really do want to see the World Series improved. I, I, I don't want it to have fail. I don't want it to have issues. Yeah, it makes good material for the radio show, but I play it. And I just prefer everything go smoothly. I just prefer that everything's easy there. That they do things right. I also understand that with something of this magnitude, it's very hard to do everything correctly. But there were a lot of boneheaded decisions that were made and seems to be made every year that that could be prevented if you just ran it by other people. And look, I've made boneheaded decisions myself at the poker table, uh, sometimes running my own website, running this radio show. Everybody makes boneheaded decisions sometimes, and that's why you want other people When it's something as big and high profile and high stakes as the World Series, you want to have some other people watching you and say, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, The decision you just made, we feel is incorrect. Can you look at it again? Here's why we think you're wrong. And then you put your ego aside and go, oh, yeah, you know, these guys bring up a good point. All right, I'll change it. That's how mistakes are prevented. And they're really prevented if you do this before the event takes place. And you discuss these matters with a players committee that has knowledge of what they're looking for and of what the player is looking for. You need a players committee that not only can think about what they want, but what the average player wants, what the average recreational player wants as well. And yes, you actually can understand what a recreational player wants, even if you're a pro player. I can. I can understand that. A lot of my success in winning money in poker has come from understanding the recreational player and understanding the way they think. And then I try to think like them and figure out what they're thinking with their hand, and then I play the hand accordingly. So similarly, when you're putting on an event, you've also got to think like the recreational player and the pro player, too. You've got to think about both groups, the rec player and the pro player, and put on an event that both will enjoy. And you can. So, all right, I I hope Jack has learned from this. Maybe Jack has finally learned the blocking is wrong. Maybe maybe Matt Glantz's uh, shaming of the blocking has uh, opened his eyes. I hope so. I actually kind of thought that. I kind of thought that when this happened with Matt Glantz and a bunch of people were retweeting it, I had a feeling that this might have an impact. Because, you know, you hear, like, if you hear that I'm blocked, you can say, okay, well, you know, I bet Todd said something obnoxious. I bet Todd was being a jerk to him. But, you know, you hear about Matt Glantz, you don't really think about him being a jerk. You don't really think about him being offensive. You don't really think about him uh, being a pain in the ass. You just don't think of that. So, so like, He's the perfect person to have gotten blocked to piss everyone off about it. Like, like that really illustrates the problem that was going on. 
because you can't really blame the person who is blocked if it's someone you know is not an agitator. So uh, let's let's move on here. Uh, so here's here's the related topic I want to talk about, and that is two positions that the WSOP need badly. I mentioned how they're not good at social media. They are also not good at logistics. What do I mean by logistics? I mean things like uh, the pre-registration line, making sure it's not six hours long. I mean at the Colossus Tournament, making it so everyone can get a seat who wants a seat. Making it so a full-handed, a full nine-handed tournament does not run three or four-handed for many hours because a bunch of people signed up for future flights and then got a refund. And that you don't allow one person to hog up four flights in an event that's expected to sell out. Those are logistical. The making sure food is available of various varieties and various choices during the World Series is logistical. The making sure you have enough starting days so everyone can get a seat for the crowd you are planning to get is logistical. There's there's so many logistical matters that the World Series gets wrong. How about the thing where people couldn't get paid from Colossus because the computer system couldn't handle 2,200 people cashing? The event got approximately what they thought it would get. They were guessing around 20,000. They got 22,000. So how could, it, how could it not handle 2,200 people cashing? Why didn't they test this beforehand? They need someone who specializes in looking at the way these are planned, these events are planned, and then figuring out if they were, will work or not. You need a logistician who is also very familiar with poker. You can't just bring in any logistician. It has to be someone who understands poker tournaments, which I'm sure won't be too hard to find. And even if this logistician is not a professional logistician, someone who's just good at logistics, someone who's good at looking at this type of stuff and saying, no, 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 this is wrong. This is not going to work. How long was I saying before the World Series, don't pre-register, it's going to be a mess for the Colossus? I said it, I said it, I said it, I said the line's going to be terrible, the line's going to be terrible, the line's going to be terrible. What happens? Everyone shows up and the line is terrible. What a shock. Like, I see these coming from a mile away, and they still happen. That's what you need a logistician to prevent. So you need that, and you need a social media manager. A social media manager would be the one who would be manning the official World Series of Poker accounts. This way you don't have to worry about you know, Seth getting angry and tweeting something back to someone because he's pissed, or, or Ty Stewart doing the same thing, or Jack Effel feeling like he's been slighted and blocked people. You have somebody who understands business social media, who makes all the players feel good about themselves. People who complain, they, they make those people feel like they're being listened to, that their concerns are being addressed, and then the social media manager would take these concerns and figure out which ones are legitimate and which ones are just stupid and take the legitimate ones to the managers who then can actually act upon them, such as Jack or Ty or Seth, whoever whoever is in charge of the area being complained about. So this would kind of be a go-between. 
And the reason to have this person, and also somewhat this person would also be good at disseminating information. You know, you know who is the big disseminator of information about the World Series whenever people had a question? Who was the best one to go to? Anyone know? Was it Seth Polanski? No. Was it Jack Avell? No. Was it Ty Stewart? No. Was it any Caesars employee? No. The best person to go to on Twitter was... Get ready? I don't have a drum roll sound effect ready. I wish I did. Kev Math. Kevin Mathers. He, he wasn't even working. <laughs> he was doing this on his own. He was an employee of Bluff, which, by the way, is uh, shutting down. Bluff is going to be gone in a few days. But uh, he was not doing this as part of his bluff duties. He was doing this on his own to be a nice guy. He was getting nothing out of it. But boy, did he have a lot of good information. I mean, you had any question about anything, Kev Math had an answer for you. And he, he wasn't working for the World Series. In fact, for a lot of the World Series, he wasn't even in Las Vegas. Which is it's great to have a Kev Math out there, but Caesar should be covering that where we don't need Kev Math. Sorry, Kev Math. I mean, I, I want to need you, but uh, we, we shouldn't have to need you. We do. So the social media manager would also be someone who would take over the Kev Math role and would also be someone to ask any kind of question and get a quick answer. So they do all these things. This would be a very useful position to have for the players of the World Series. Someone who knows how to address people, understands customer service, is aware enough and smart enough to understand what is a real concern that's being brought to them and what is BS. And then that person would then take the real concerns to their managers and get a real answer on it and then report back. And I'm not saying that that Seth and Jack and Ty couldn't tweet also. I'm just saying that the, the main point of contact should be the social media manager that right now does not exist. And this person could also answer all just general questions that are asked of them. Because there's a lot of confusing things about the World Series. Even I was confused about some things and had to ask people. And, uh, you know, sometimes I got a response from the WSOP account, sometimes not. And then I'd ask Kevmath after that. And he'd give me a response real fast. Kevmath would actually be good for this position. He's looking for a job. Because Bluff is closing. By the way, Kevmath listens to this show too. And people have been saying this... he would be a great hire for any type of position like this. Anything, especially like for informational or someone who uh, needs to communicate with the players, and uh, he'd be very good at this. Disseminating, disseminating important information. He'd be a very good hire. He just, he's like the ultimate poker fan. He just uh, takes in all of it. He just seems to know everything about everything going on. He's, he's not a, a guy who editorializes a lot. He's not like me who comes on here and rants or gives his opinion or criticizes people. That's not his thing. He just, uh, he just knows information. You need to know information. He, he knows it and he distributes what he thinks you should know. So yeah, the WSOP needs a logistician and a social media manager. They, they can't just assume they can do this all themselves. They can't. They, they've demonstrated that they are not good at these things, and there's no shame in not being good at everything. 
It's okay to admit you're just not that good at social media from a business perspective. It's okay to admit you're not that good at logistics. It's fine. There's things I'm not good at. I don't think there's a person in this world can claim they're good at everything and be telling the truth. So fine, admit that you're just not good at these things and hire people who are. I think it would stop a lot of these problems we're seeing. Because you know, it's kind of reaching a boiling point. Like, like every year, the pro players and even the rec players are getting more pissed off. Every year, there's a different problem. There's a different fail. They're, they're just getting tired of it. They're, they're just getting the, the impression that the World Series does not care about its players. And that may, not be, that may not even be true. The World Series may actually care what the players think, but they, it's not coming across that way. And there's mistakes that are happening that are making people wonder what's going on here. And yet there's some very tough things that they're actually doing correctly. So it's not like they're incompetent. They just, uh, they just aren't good at certain things. Okay, final World Series topic, then we'll be done. Should the main event be live streaming? For the end stages of the main event, the only way you were getting information in a timely fashion was to be following Brian Ballsbaugh's Twitter, where he was live-tweeting what was going on, pretty much against the rules there. But uh, Ballsbaugh is uh, Negreanu's agent and also friend. They're both involved with the Choice Center. At the World Series, they very much favor the name pro players. I told you guys once about the story about Ivy wouldn't even bag his own chips, that they, they bag his chips for him at the end of the day. He just walks away and they bag his chips. Can you imagine if I walked away when I complete day one and say, yeah, you bag these for me. I, I'd come back to a penalty the next day. But Ivy, they, they just bag him up for him because he's Phil Ivy. So they let Ballsbaugh do this. Because Negreanu wanted it, and Negreanu gets favors done for him because he's a big-name player. But that was really the only visibility we had into what was going on in real time. And that was ridiculous. People were very interested. People are much less interested in seeing this on TV months later after they produce it. It's just it's not, not the same thing. It's not as interesting. You already know what happened if you've been following it at all. I mean, yeah, I guess you kind of want to see the way it actually played out and the, and the banter at the table and specific hands watching them as they occurred, but it's still old news. I think it is time to live stream the main event. I mean, they still have the November 9 taking place in November. And I think ESPN should do the streaming. I think you know, if they want to run ads there and they want to promote it and they want to promote their other programming, whatever. I mean, ESPN could definitely find an angle to this which benefits them as well. I'm not saying just to stream it live and screw ESPN. Now, ESPN has to give permission, but I think they should. And I think the World Series should insist to them that this will be beneficial to everyone. Looking at the chat here, Swills717 says, Call Todd Daredevil. I guess Daredevil's in the chat. Your co-host skills are needed. I guess uh, Swills doesn't like me doing this on my own. (laughs) 
Daredevil asked if he fell asleep again. <laughs> See, even the even the former co-host is getting bored here. I didn't think this is a boring show. Grenadier Rogers saying in chat, as far as streaming goes, well, all that's needed is a guy with money. Anyone know of someone with that? I don't know what he means by that. X-Factor saying all the World Series needs to do is live stream the final table on WCB.com or ESPN.com, but no, you have to wait till November. Yeah, but I we should also... I agree that waiting till November is stupid, but we also need to see some kind of... We have to watch this in some way up till then. It's, it's, it's exciting for a lot of people to see us go down from... You know, 27 players to 9, or even more than that, down to 9. Look at this year. Everyone wanted to see if Negranu made it. People wanted to see uh, if Stealth Monk made it. And, uh, you know, other players that were uh, catching the public's interest. That, that girl who finished 28th, who was like 27 years old. So... People want to see these things. We have live streaming technology. It should be done. They've got to get into the present. Not obsess over the ESPN TV ratings. All right. Yes. I, I guess Dear Devil may come on. He's trying to get on. Skype's trying to update. Yeah, forget the update. Just just come on. I, I got the update. It sucks. I finally broke down and got the Skype update, and it sucks. But, yes, Daredevil, come on if you want. 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355 is the number. But please don't call me if I owe you $86. You'll, you'll get your money. All right, so Swills is now backpedaling a bit. You do a good job by yourself, probably better than anyone, but a co-host seems to be better. I won't argue with that. I mean, I'm – I'm, I'm always happy to have a co-host. It's easier for me to have a co-host. I, I don't like talking by myself for four hours. It's, it's hard. It's very hard. And I feel like I, I can't pause for anything. I can't pause to read the chat room. I can't pause to look up an article. I can't pause to load up a sound effect. I, I can't do anything. I've got, I feel like I've got to just constantly be blabbing on here because you're not supposed to have dead air. It doesn't sound good. Right, so that's it. No more World Series talk. I'm done. Let's have Daniel Coleman talk instead. Let's talk a bit about Daniel Coleman again. I've never been a fan of Daniel Coleman's. Uh, I think he's a, a great poker player. There's no question about that. I think his best buddy, Olivier Bousquet, is a great poker player. There's no question about that. But that doesn't mean I like them. I've described them both as limousine liberals, as I said earlier in this show and on other broadcasts. These are guys who want to hold left-wing progressive points of view politically and socially, but they don't want those points of view to affect them in real life. It's kind of the left-wing equivalent of the uh, the right-wing fanatic who goes on and on about... Uh, the evils of being gay and how it's an abomination, et cetera, et cetera, and is really a closet gay guy. It's kind of similar like that. 
someone who uh, doesn't practice what they preach. You might remember when Olivier Bousquet and Daniel Coleman both made a final table, a televised final table, and they wore shirts with political statements on them, both about uh, the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. One said uh, free Palestine, something else about uh, Gaza. I I forgot the exact things in the shirts, but they wore very provocative shirts with these big black letters trying to get across their point of view, their anti-Israeli points of view, which is interesting. I, I, I believe Daniel Coleman, from his name, is probably Jewish. So he's, he's almost like a self-hating Jew. Or I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on there. But putting that aside, I don't think that a final table, a televised final table, is the place to be wearing obnoxious shirts with controversial political statements. I, I just don't think that's the right place for it. I don't think that political statements belong in poker. But they did. So of all people to criticize ones making inappropriate statements in poker, Olivier Bousquet criticized Phil Hellmuth when he won his last bracelet and made a speech that Phil should not have thanked his sponsor, the Aria, as he did during his speech. That somehow it's wrong to thank your sponsor during a bracelet speech. Okay to wear shirts about controversial political subjects at the final table that's on TV. Totally okay to do that, but somehow thanking your sponsor, which is a, you know, just a, a casino, nothing controversial about the Aria, somehow thanking the Aria in your bracelet speech is something that's terrible to do and tacky and classless. But wearing those shirts to the final table, that's cool. So uh, these guys seem to want political speech in poker. They seem to want uh, free speech in poker, even if it has nothing to do with poker, for them. But when Helmuth tries to thank his sponsor in a bracelet speech and say nothing controversial, then he somehow shouldn't have the right to do that. So I'm not a defender of Helmuth usually, but here he was 100% right. So anyway, given that whole controversy, I was surprised to see on Twitter Daniel Coleman tweeted the following. I think this was yesterday or the day before. Daniel says, Thanks to Sling for sponsoring me this summer. Not only a product I believe in, but also pretty funny commercials. So Daniel Coleman, using his pretty high-profile Twitter account. Let's see how many... uh, Followers. He has 9,000 followers. So he's thanking them publicly to all his 9,000 plus followers and, and pushing their product, saying he believes in their product and they have funny commercials. This is Sling. So he can thank them on his Twitter, but for some reason Phil can't thank them on the podium when he's uh, receiving a bracelet. For some reason that's different. I, I don't see how it's different. I think if uh, the Aria is sponsoring him and you know allowing, I'm talking about Phil Helmuth. If he's, if he's the cost he's incurring to enter these tournaments is being defrayed by his sponsor, much like you'd be wearing their gear. If you want to thank them when you actually win the event, that's fine. Now, if he spent the whole speech talking about the Aria, that'd be one thing. 
Daredevil, call back in. I see you're trying to get in here. I, I missed your uh, missed your call. Here, I'll just call you. Screw it. It's going to call Daredevil. Yeah, it's, it's one thing if he spends the whole speech talking about the Aria, but just say, I want to thank my sponsor, the Aria. Fine. There's no problem with that. There's no problem with that. He- hello, Daredevil. Daredevil, hello. I can hear you typing, but I can't hear you. Hello. Yeah, you hear you? there you are. Yeah. I heard type, 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 but I couldn't hear you. Now I can hear you. Can you hear me? I guess he can't hear me. Someone tell Daredevil in the chat he uh, he can't hear me, apparently. I can hear him fine. So after this whole thing where we're, uh, his best friend Olivier Bousquet bashes Helmuth for thanking his sponsor, now he thanks his sponsor. And so I mentioned that on Twitter, and, uh, and, and Olivier Bousquet said something like, well, this is, this is different, that we're, we're just talking about Twitter. Obviously, that's fine. But obviously, it's all fine. Especially from people who, who seem to believe that uh, making controversial statements at final tables through clothing is fine. You're either for free speech or you're not. So these guys just adjust to whatever suits them as far as what they think is right or wrong. Uh, you know, Daniel Coleman first got my attention when he won the uh, the One Drop Million Dollar event and railed about how evil poker is. Now it's a bad game, and now it's it's making people lose money who can't afford it, and uh, people shouldn't idolize poker players, and they they, they shouldn't uh, glamorize poker on ESPN. Daniel, this is how you make your money. This is why you're so rich at such a young age. If if you didn't have poker, you'd you'd be almost broke. You'd, you'd hardly have anything. Where do you think you got your money from? You got your money from a lot of people who couldn't afford to lose it. Or, even if you beat other pros, you beat people who beat other people who couldn't afford to lose it. If the poker, if the game of poker is, is such a bad thing, then don't play it. I, I, I just... This all seems to be kind of springing from... Kind of like a guilt they have. This this is known in Hollywood, too, where people are successful, they have a lot of money, and they, they kind of feel guilty, like what, they, what they're doing they don't think is really worth the amount of money that they were paid or they made. And then they, uh, they think, well, I know what I'll do to make myself feel better. This is kind of a subconscious process. They don't even say this out loud to themselves, or they don't directly think it, but the, the, their subconscious tells them, okay, well... Uh, be really liberal, be really progressive, you know, care about the average person, and that'll make up for the fact that you've made a lot of money that you probably don't deserve. And But then the problem is uh, a lot of times following through with those beliefs uh, conflicts with the lifestyle they want to have, and then that's where you get the hypocrisy. Anyway, uh, Daredevil, can you hear me now? Yes, can you hear me? I can hear you. You're a little bit soft here. Let me see if I can turn you up. You kind of, you kind of right. sound like, to be honest, you kind of sound like you're you're trying to speak softly, like someone's sleeping in the room. Is that true? <laughs> no. Oh, I see. I just had you turned down. Okay, let me. I, I hope the caller was the caller loud. I guess you didn't hear him. Was the caller loud enough before the uh, the um, uh, that 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 Helm kid we had on here? I know it's hard. Oh, I, yeah, I, I heard a guy earlier. Yeah, he sounded fine. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he was a little quieter than you, but okay. And that's what that's actually what I was referencing in the chat when I said, "Did he fall asleep?" Because I thought maybe he had a co-host, but he fell asleep. Okay, you know, okay. Happens. Okay, yeah. That that does we maybe we will get Trader Ski back on here. He's like the official uh, sleeping co-host. <laughs> he's uh, he's very good. Trader Ski is, is great at uh, at falling asleep on on Poker Fraud Alert Radio. That's what he's here to fall asleep and occasionally just make this uh, like some kind of clarification or some kind of comment. Uh, 
to you know, some kind of correction. He's like our fact checker who's sometimes awake. That's, that's his role. Well, I, I heard I heard Drexel endorse him as the you know unofficial third co-host. Oh, Dr- so. Drexel was very very pro Traderski. He, he really wanted to yeah, blow him up. He wanted, he wanted him to be a huge part of the show. And uh, uh, Traderski's actually done a lot of nice things for. Poker fraud alerts behind the scenes. A very nice guy. I went to dinner with him once, and so I, I, I'm for that. If he wants to be our sleeping co-host, he can. So okay, let's uh, let's get to the topic. Next topic here. We're uh, on the Marco Traniello part. Did you see the tweet or actually the Instagram thing he posted? Yeah, I saw the photo. Yeah. Yeah. So Marco, I, this is such a weird relationship in the first place. I. I just didn't picture him in the first place with Jen Harmon. They seem too different. Uh, you know, he was married to Jennifer Harmon for for, for some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's kind of this uh, pretty boy Italian guy. He's, he's not that young. Uh, I think he's younger than Jennifer. I think he's like a year or two younger than me. But uh, he's like this pretty boy Italian guy. And, and you know Jennifer Harmon. She kind of has this uh, like kind of girl next door look to her. Uh, it just it doesn't look like the couple that you would expect. And even personality-wise, they don't seem to have a lot in common from what I've seen. I don't know either of them very well. But that, that was what I observed. Uh, I also heard some weird rumors over the years. And I, I don't know if these are true. Yeah, I have to actually. Yeah, everyone seems to be hearing rumors about them. Like, uh, uh, and I think he, even Negreanu made a reference without naming names. People thought he might have been talking about her, but I've heard rumors involving threesomes and about them having an open marriage and about them both being mm-hmm. bis- bisexual. And I, I don't know if – I don't want to come out here and say that I know these need to be factual. It, it could all be complete BS that people made up. So sure. I want everyone to understand that I'm just repeating things. that, But they, they've been going around the poker community for years, these rumors, and, and I've got to think there's something to them. But whatever it was, they had some kids together. Uh, for what seemed to be an incompatibility from their personality types and uh, everything else. It, it seemed like it was working, but apparently it wasn't because a, a divorce occurred. And, you know, divorce is, is, of course, common in today's modern society. About half people who get married in the United States get divorced. So that by itself is not a shock, but... When the split up happened, what was weird was that Marco seemed to really want everyone to see his new girl. He wanted everyone to see that he's with this younger, hot chick now, that he's moved on from Jennifer, who, you know, is uh, she's probably around 50 now at this point. I mean, even when they split up in the late 40s. Uh, that, that he wants everyone to see what he's with now. He really, he was really, really wanting to flaunt this, and and kind of did so under the guise of uh, like, oh, I love this girl so much, almost like proclaiming his love when, when in reality, it w- it was to get the attention that this is who he's with now. He wants the world to see this, and I think he kind of wanted Jennifer to see this too, and wanted Jennifer to see that he was displaying to everyone, ha, look who I'm fucking now. I went from you to this. Which one do you think I like better? Like, uh, he didn't say those words, but I think that was the message he was trying to get across. Now, why why did you get that from that? I mean, it's pretty common for people to say, "Hey, here's my new girlfriend. Here, isn't she hot?" Post a pic. Like, it, 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 it was I right after they, why it was, did you take it? Like, it was right after they split, though. Like, it was very quick for him moving on to this new uh, this new girl. Very quick, like like uh, 
And I don't know. I mean, maybe there's an affair going. I, I don't know what was. I even heard about it, like they had an open marriage, so maybe that that was part of yeah. what was going on. Whatever it was, this seemed to be either very quickly afterwards or was existing during the marriage, and then immediately he was like just hammering it really hard. I'm hearing kind of an echo here. You sure the, the radio's not on? No, my radio's not on. Okay. I'm not even on my it, computer. I'm okay. on my uh, Xbox. One, I, I'm, so. I'm going to call you right back. Are, am I, All right. Wait, is it on a speaker or a headset? Headset. Okay, I'll just call you right back. I can't believe we're doing Xbox radio here. Unbelievable. I'm actually, my co-host is on Xbox. How embarrassing is this? I bet, I bet Mark Hoke does not have, Mark Hoke does not have co-hosts on an Xbox. I'm just telling you that. That's, just a, that's not, that's <laughs> well, not how it goes. They, they, they wouldn't let me on the, the new, it said, oh, you got to get the new Skype. And I was like, fuck that. And then they wouldn't let me open Skype. Well, so far it sounds better. I think it may have just been a Skype issue. So, By the way, speaking of real radio, did you see uh, what I retweeted today? No. Okay. Well, Amanda Leatherman tweeted, just ran the board while we were live, all caps. Good thing I didn't screw it up or say something awful. So I think she's put put you in your place, Todd. That's yeah. a live show. Yeah. I, I'm glad I didn't screw something up yesterday when I recorded this. <laughs> glad that when we voice tracked this, I got it right on the first take. She's running the boards now. That's how you get to be an associate producer. Yeah, at least she's producing. So, okay, you know, someone actually complained on the forum that, that uh, I'm too obsessed with Amanda on this show now, so now I'm, like, afraid to talk about her. People say these things, it gets in my head. Okay. Like, uh, like people say I'm obsessed. I'm like, damn it, I, I'm not obsessed, but I'm afraid if I talk now, people will think, like, I, I, I was actually... But it's kind of like a running joke. I know, so, that's what I, mean, I said. How can I, you say I, you're obsessed? I, I told these people, I said, this is just a running joke here. They, like, I'm like, oh, no, they're, they're going to get the wrong idea. I think I'm... I'm uh, Radio stalking Amanda Leatherman, I, I can't have that. So I, I was going to do an Amanda Leatherman free show, and then here you are. I ruined it. You did. All right. So, oh, uh, by the way, this is a permanent guest host, Daredevil, who hasn't been heard from as much because uh, Brandon Drexel Gerson has been here. But you, you, this is not something where you can't come on also if, if Brandon's here. So I just want to. Yeah, you, it's just uh, during the World Series, like you guys were playing it, I wasn't. Which yeah. A was kind of depressing to me, and B I was like, well, you know, what can I add? Ninety percent of the show was about the World Series, yeah. and I'm not there, so I I didn't think I had anything to add, so I didn't uh, call him during that time. But yeah, yeah. I, I anyway back to Marco Traniero. I just I always got the impression ever since this thing dropped with the new girlfriend that I just got the impression that the split up was not very amicable. It seemed like he was trying to rub this in her face. It didn't. It just seemed like it had a little bit of a disrespectful element to it. And I, I don't even know, you know, who was right and wrong in the in the marriage splitting up. So I'm not going to comment on that. But I, I just that's what it looked like to me. And I think it might still be going on to some degree. So this week there was a an Instagram message, and I, I don't go to Instagram very much to be honest. And it's going to sound funny, but I feel that I'm too old to understand Instagram. I, I just don't understand it. Like when I say I don't understand it, I could I could understand how to physically use it, but I kind of I have a hard time understanding the point of it. I'm like, well, I've, that's funny. I've said the exact same thing yeah, to my girlfriend. I said, why don't you just post a picture on Twitter? What's yeah, the difference? <laughs> I don't get it. That's why I say like Twitter or Facebook can do the same thing. So why why do you have a social media site just to post pictures, but then that's like mainly focused around posting pictures? It just seems weird to me, and. But but young people all love it, and it just makes me feel old because I go crap. I'm just I'm just too old to understand. 
And that, I think that's it. I think I actually am too old to understand. But, well, but anyway, Mark. Ten years younger than you, and I don't get it. So. Okay, well, maybe I'm really too old to understand that. Wow, I could, I could have missed it by <laughs> a, a wide margin here. So, Marco, despite being around my age, uh, posted the following on Instagram about three days ago. He said, his name on uh, Instagram, by the way, is Marco Poker. She is going to kill me, but I can't resist, smiley face. Hashtag my hot wife doing hashtag social media on our couch. Hashtag Insta beauty, hashtag perfect butt. And it's a picture of his wife uh, sitting on the couch on her phone. Uh, her legs are completely bare. In fact, you can see part of her butt. You know, it's not like a, a back shot of her, but it's like a side shot of her butt. She's wearing a short skirt, which for whatever reason is hiked up while she's on the couch, which either just happened to fall that way or this maybe this picture was posed. Uh, but the skirt's like way hiked up. And then she, you can also see her belly because she's wearing uh, – it looks like a, a tank top that doesn't go all the way down. So you can see a lot of her body here. And uh, so, so he had to send this to everybody who follows him on Instagram to see this. And I, I still have to wonder, you know, he's been with her for some time now. This isn't like the new girlfriend he's all excited about. This still looks like he's trying to rub this in her face, in, in uh, Jen Harmon's face. That's, that's what it looks like to me. He, either that or he was just with the, the older woman for so long that he couldn't do this with. Like, he's not going to send out pictures of Jen Harmon texting on the couch saying, look how hot she is, she's got a perfect butt. Like, the, you know, that's, you're not, you're not going to send that about Jen Harmon. Jen Harmon's not ugly, but you're not going to send out that she's beautiful and has a perfect butt because she doesn't. So, so like, uh, maybe he's been, like, wanting this, wanting this. He, he's, like, wanted the hot chick for so long. And, and finally, is that a baby I hear in the background? No, it's my cat. Oh, it's a cat. Oh, wow, it is a cat. Wow, it's a loud cat. Oh, she does not like this topic, I guess. <laughs> she does. <laughs> <laughs> does she usually do this, the loud meowing? Um, she's probably hungry. Okay. But, and it's not dinner time yet. Well, all right. I, I understand your cat's objection to this topic. This, this topic <laughs> probably doesn't uh, appeal to a cat. So in, in uh, out of respect to your cat here, uh, let's see here. I'm, I'm going to go to a, a topic I think your cat would appreciate better. Hmm. I'm interested. Okay. Let me bring this up here. Here, this now make sure make sure your cat can listen, okay? Alright. Alright, here we go. Meow meow Okay. So I hope that it Well she quieted down. It worked actually. I can't believe it. It actually worked. All right. So. I, yeah, you know, I guess I see what you're saying now. But the other thing is he said she's doing, quote, social media. So what does that mean? Are they is he maybe cross promoting something that they're trying to get going or yeah, I, mean, I, I, I don't, don't follow know. her or him? The split this that she's texting her boyfriend that's her own age. <laughs> that would be funny if she's actually like the phone is turned to the back to where Marco can't see what she's texting. So maybe she is texting her boyfriend like, ah, oh, that, that, that old man I'm married to is, is taking pictures of me again. I can't wait to see you later when he goes out to play poker. <laughs> okay. she, she's receiving a dick pics in the background. <laughs> yeah. 
That's probably why she hiked up her skirt. And Marco comes like, oh, oh, oh no, I'm just, I'm just doing social media. Just doing social media, Marco. Well, well, what does like what does he do? And, so, and I, so I don't know. So he's so he's supposedly like a hairdresser, but I I haven't yeah. heard like does he actually have a studio where he cuts hair? Like does does he actually? I haven't heard of that. You can go oh, visit Marco Traniello to get your hair done, and I don't see him playing poker. He, he's at the occasional tournament. I I didn't even see him at the World Series at all. So what? I don't know what he does. <laughs> I I've wondered this for a long time, and and for a while I assumed that Jennifer Harmon was supporting him, especially in the days of uh, oh, right. all yeah. the full tilt money. I, I thought, okay, you know, he's like the, the pretty boy she married, and uh, she, uh, she's kind of like the sugar mama, but so maybe he got a good divorce settlement, and he doesn't have to do anything. But uh, yeah, it's, someone in the, in the forum said that he actually did it right, married the older rich woman first, got a big divorce settlement, and then got with a hot younger woman. So... So I don't know. Right. Maybe he's the gold digger here. I, I, maybe he's done gold digging and now he can go be with a gold digger. I, I don't know. Someone's saying that she is some kind of YouTube star, I guess. So I don't know how much money that generates. But so someone's, I think I've done this before. Someone told me, check out Marco Traniello's Wikipedia and see who he's sitting next to. I, I have a feeling it's MyCon if I remember properly. Let me see. Is it MyCon? I remember someone he was sitting next to that I thought was kind of, it was kind of funny who it ended up being. It is Mycon. <laughs> it is Mycon. He's yeah. So he's uh, he's born August seventy three. So he's almost forty two years old. Hmm. He's a professional hairdresser and sponsored pro player on Full Tilt. But I can't imagine he's getting very much at this point from Full Tilt. It, it, well, that that must be outdated, right? He can't still be a sponsored pro player on Full Tilt, can he? Well, he is Italian, maybe. I don't know. Maybe yeah, that could be outdated too. I don't know. I mean, they just cut loose like Gus Hansen. You think they're paying Marco Traniello? <laughs> it says, prior to working as a professional hairdresser, Traniello was a real estate agent and captain of an oil ship. What? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. In 1999, kind of cool, while on vacation in America, Traniello met his future wife, professional poker player Jennifer Harmon, in the parking garage of the Bellagio Hotel and Casino where their cars were parked next to each other. Isn't that sweet? Uh, they oh. they have since divorced. Currently, Marco is also working in the business in the music business as a manager, agent, and producer. Yeah, he's trying to push this girl's uh, music, but it's gone nowhere. Oh. But uh, yeah, you th- should th- team up with the Iceman. Yeah, that's, <laughs> he should. It's, uh, the Iceman did some good work there with uh, Deal Me In. And uh, so I, like, what happened? Like, how did that go? So Marco is is parked next to her at the Bellagio, supposedly, and they're strangers this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, what does he notice about her? Like, she isn't someone you notice as like some hot chick you just start talking to because you're, you're really into her. Like, there, yeah, did did that's, he know? Did he know? That's who the she, way she told the story. But yeah, I did, don't know. Like, did he know who she was? That maybe he knew she was like this successful poker player. He's like, ah, mama me, I don't have to be at the captain of the oil ships no more. <laughs> oh, but it, it, wouldn't you think that's like a really high paying, like high six figure job, captain of an oil ship? You think so? Maybe didn't he didn't think like he'd the need work, any money. I go so from like the captain, the captain to the oil ship to uh, the, the jumping on the turtles on the on the, the bunch of pipes and the avoiding bullet <laughs> bill being shot at me. I, I maybe Cooper stole all the oil. Yeah. I don't know. But... <laughs> yeah, maybe he got tired of stopping on Koopas all day, and uh, it was time to hook up with the woman who's got the money. I, I don't know, but I mean, they they had kids together. He. He obviously yeah, 
was into the relationship. Did they actually before. have kids or adopt or? Uh, I think she adopted. Maybe I, I don't That's know. That's what she, I thought yeah, too. I thought so, so. I, yeah, I, I think she had, she had these health I don't problems. Think they had like, kids. Yeah. Well, okay, but but I believe he's the legal father, even though he's not the natural father. Okay. I, I think I, mean, I believe so. Let's see. Is there anything about that here? Uh, no. I mean, maybe the chat room can help me. I, I think the kids are are his legally, even if they're not. They didn't come out of Jennifer. Now I don't know the law, but is that like? Forever, or here, here's there's someone. Uh, Forum Wars always sends me good information during the show. He does. This was from Gamble.com. This was. I don't know what the date is, but it says uh, they seem like such a cute couple, and their relationship was the subject of se- segments on ESPN. Yet after 13 years of marriage, poker superstar Jennifer Harmon and her hairstylist husband Marco Traniello have divorced. The couple has two children. A, de- a date for the filing is unavailable. However, Jennifer posted a message on her Twitter back in August of 2013 indicating that she was no longer married. So that's uh, – it was two years ago. That's a good, good estimate on my part. Jennifer, who is nine years Marco's senior, met during a chance encounter in 1999 in the parking lot of Bellagio. Jennifer had previously dated Todd Brunson. I didn't know that. Doyle Brunson had said in, in an interview that he's often felt Jennifer was like a daughter to him. See, like, I could totally see her being with Todd Brunson. That seems like more like an appropriate couple. Really? Yeah. Was she at the World Series this year, by the way? I never saw her name I in any updates. I didn't see her updates, name either. Or... I didn't, no. Okay. There's a lot of people kind of absent this year. Born in Reno, Nevada in 1964, Harmon is widely considered the greatest female poker player of all time. She's one of just six women to have won more than one World Series bracelet. By all accounts, she's only the, she's the only regular in the, quote, big game, uh, the high-stakes mixed cash game that features some of the largest pots in life poker. The game has been played often at Bobby's room at the Bellagio and Ivy's room at the Aria. So I, I heard the last few years she was losing in there. So who knows? Uh, after, yeah, I'd heard that too. But... After marrying the female poker pro in 2000, Traniello, a hairstylist at the time, became more involved with poker, eventually becoming like Jennifer, a sponsored pro in Full Tilt. After Black Friday, Full Tilt, of course, went under, and with it, lucrative sponsorship deals to Full Tilt pros came to an end. And when I say lucrative, I mean it's been reported that before going broke, pros like Eric Lindgren received uh, checks up to 250000 Yeah, we knew that. Uh, Traniello's monthly check from Full Tilt was undoubtedly much smaller, but considering the Full Tilt faucet of money to both Marco and Jennifer had been cut off, it's easy to understand why there were rumors in 2 plus 2 and in poker that Jennifer Harmon was broke. Uh, well, it, and she also appeared in that terrible TV show, which kind of made me wonder because she just didn't seem like the type to want to like be on TV. Oh, that, that real Las Vegas power women, whatever yeah, that was. Yeah, it was a terrible show. Yeah, yeah. You know, I almost had one of those women on this show. Really? In fact, she agreed to come on, that Amy. Uh, she, w- she was totally nuts, too. She was totally nuts. <laughs> she was posting these like crazy things on Facebook, like crazy rants. Uh, I-, I was going to have her on just for the lulls, but uh, she agreed to come on, and then something happened where she couldn't make it at the last minute. She said, oh, I'll come on next week, and then I missed two shows in a row or something. And then by the time I could have had her on, it was like an old story, and the thing had been long canceled, and I said, ah, screw it. Anyway, uh, did did that even air? I mean, I yeah, remember yeah, seeing like a pilot, but yeah, oh, yeah, it, it was aired. it aired. It was just it was, one episode. No, or? it's several of them. It was terrible though. Oh. It didn't get all the way through them. Uh, it was really unwatchable. It was it was really hard to get through. Uh, adding also, to the... she was the basis for the uh, the female character on that awful tilt show. Apparently, oh really? I didn't know that. Yeah, like there was certain things about like you know chewing gum and putting it under the table and stuff that was I guess all about. Okay. 
Adding to the fire was the disclosure that in September 2011, the couple put up their Las Vegas home for sale for $1.6 million. They had purchased it for $2.4 million in 2006. Regardless of how closure of Full Tilt negatively affected them, Jennifer Harmon appears to still be active in the big games, whereas her ex-husband is largely gone from the sport. That's what I thought. I haven't seen him. I guess he got a good settlement. So Marco was born and raised in Italy, has a very diverse career background, ranging from real estate to ship captain, hairstylist, and more recently, aspiring music producer. Contrary to some mm-hmm. thoughts out there, Tranilla played a lot of poker before meeting his poker pro li- right, wife back in 99. Aha. So where we, there we see mm-hmm. it. He recognized her. He's like, ah, this is my chance to, uh, to live the high life. Well, that's a good idea. Who should I run into next time in Vegas to try to? Yeah, you got to think of some female poker players that might have money. That the problem is, these days it's hard to find a successful female poker player who likes men. That's that's the hard part. They they all seem to be lesbians these days. So that's that's the tough one. I guess you, you're not watching a Big Brother, are you, Todd? No, I haven't been able to force myself to do oh, it. Oh, you're missing all Vanessa's gems. So how how are they reacting to Vanessa on there? Like, is, is are they, do they like her? Or they did not like her. Like, what's the, what's the reaction of the other housemates well you have to understand most of these people are idiots <laughs> so they think like she's they think she's a genius which of course she loves oh yeah because you know every 10 seconds it's duke this and game theory that and i have a high iq and then something she says so yeah she's like uh, kind of the guru in there they're all loving her mm. so she found her calling it looks like <laughs> Yeah, she's doing pretty well, actually. So it says that Marco Traniolo has career-live poker winnings, not really winnings, of course, cashies, of uh, over 700000 His biggest score came after making the final table of the 10K buy-in PLO event at the 2007 World Series of Poker, where he received 156000 for fifth place. In addition to that event, he's made it to the final table four times. But considering the number of events he's played in and the combined cost of entry fees and travel, his tournament winning record is unimpressive. <laughs> In fact, considering he's played in many 10,000 buy-in events, it's a realistic possibility that Tranietto is not a winning poker player. Yeah. I'd no. That. I'd say that, too. Uh, Tranietto's Twitter handle is Marco Poker. He retweets stuff like pro-drug messages and stuff like how soy is bad for babies and how we should redirect military spending to poor people and other hippie crap. This is this is not for me. This is from the site. Mostly, though, he uses Twitter to endlessly promote his new girlfriend's singing appearances. Speaking of which... Marco Tranello's girlfriend. I like this site. Uh, like lots of men in their midlife, Marco traded in his longtime wife for a younger, more attractive model. From the always classy Jennifer Harmon, Tranello, born in 1973, is now dating a very young, aspiring singer from Las Vegas named Christina Amato. Here's a cringeworthy video of Marco Tranello's new girlfriend. I got to see this. See, I haven't, this uh-huh. is a great article. I, I wish I found this before the show, but that's good. We can produce it during the show. Here we go. I've never heard this before. This is the first time. Hey guys, so today I'm really excited about this song because it's Beyonce. Ah, I love Beyonce, and I was super duper excited when I opened up my iTunes. Uh oh, what did I just do here? Just continue here. And saw a brand new album that I totally wasn't expecting from her. So thank you, Beyonce, because thank I've you, been Beyonce. listening to you on repeat for like two weeks now. Anyway, this is my favorite song from the album. It's called Drunken Love, and it's her and her boo thing, Jay-Z, which is totally cute. So, um, <clears throat> Beyonce, I am not, but here we go. I've been drinking. <laughs> I get filthy oh, when no. the liquor gets into me. I've been thinking. I've been thinking. 
Why can't I keep my fingers off your daddy? I want you. Nah, nah. Why can't I keep my fingers off your baby? I want you. Nah, nah. Cigars on I'm not going to say she's the worst thing I've ever heard, but that's like, you know, karaoke level average. Exactly. That's that's what I would expect, like, at a karaoke place, yeah. Does it say where she's playing? Like, is this in Vegas? Can can I go see her next time in town? Uh, No, it just says she plays around Las Vegas with a band called Zowie Bowie or Zoe Bowie. I don't know. It's spelled like Bowie, B-O-W-I-E. Well, next time I'm in town, I'll forget the Cirque shows. That, yeah, I, I want to hear. A date. Hold on, I want to hear these. Uh, ironically, before the divorce, Jennifer Harmon, along with Tranielo, co-produced three songs together. The what? singles can be found on iTunes. Shockingly, uh, where shockingly, one of the first five-star reviews came from a listener named. Wait for it, Marco Poker. <laughs> Come on, Marco, change your name. You get to give yourself a fake review. Come on. I wonder if it's the same girl. Plot with Dickin. Yeah, I, I don't know when this is co-produced. Like, I don't know if Jennifer is singing. Or well, can we singing. hear the song? Or uh, it's on iTunes somewhere. Uh... Is that not in the show's budget? Or <laughs> I, I guess I can I can try it. So iTunes kind of scares me. It, it, I'm not too old for it. I just I just think it scares me. I I, I feel like if I start it, then my computer's going to freeze up. It's just, it's just not a very user-friendly program. I'm going to try to look it up anyway. Let's see. Let's go to iTunes.com. That's got to be pretty safe. Let's search. Uh, I don't even know what to search for, though. It doesn't say the name of the song? No. Or, or a link to Marco's five-star review? Or <laughs> I, can't, I can't find it. Damn. Yeah. we, we, we got to find this for another I, I hate to tell you, but our ratings have dropped big time. The, the show got pretty good ratings tonight, and then it just it just went in the toilet. I think from playing this song, it's it's we have about <laughs> we have about maybe sixty percent of the listeners we had at our peak, which I usually don't see this type of fall off. Usually, like the funny thing is, like I do the eight hour show with with Brandon, and like at three a.m. we still have like eighty five percent of the peak listeners, and now now we're like I've never seen such a drop off. 
You're making me a little self-conscious here, Todd. No, I, I don't think it's your fault. I think it's the fault of uh, the fine music we play. The, the sweet tunes? Yeah. I think I think the dogs mm. gave the correct assessment here. So, yeah, I, I don't know what's going on there. I, I have to think it's like a divorce settlement that he's got now. And I, I, I Do you think he realizes that her music is no good, but he has to... Yes. He has to promote the career just to make her want to stay with him or keep her happy. Plus, you know, how much, what does it really cost? I mean, she put some videos up on YouTube. Yeah, it doesn't uh, look like a lot of money. She some dive bars in Vegas for 20 bucks or for free. Or like, yeah. I don't think he's actually going to put any coin into this. And then, you know, he's going to say, well, we tried, honey. And, you know. The funny thing is I, the YouTube I just played, I know you guys can't see it on the radio, but. Let me see if I can get a URL. Actually, I closed it already. But what was interesting about it was that you didn't get to see her body. You just see like a close-up of her face, and she was like in heavy makeup, and her hair was done. And she wasn't that hot looking at just her face. Like, And if you look closely, her face isn't anything that special. It's just like I think everyone is impressed with her when they see her body because she's got this uh, this tight body and everything. But I, I think this is the type of thing where you see the person's face and, and uh, without the body, and, and it becomes like a different story. Her face isn't terrible, but it's, 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 it just kind of looks okay to me, whereas the, like, the full picture of her, which was lying on that couch, looked a lot better. Uh, caller, you're on the air. Hey, I know this is going to sound like oxymoron, but I don't feel like being on the air just uh, checking messages. Apparently, Jen Hardman put out three songs with that girl that Marcus thing, you know, back in... 2013 or something. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Check, check your message. I'll, I'll check my message. Oh, Twitter or where? Uh, text. Oh, text. Yeah, you can't. Oh, I have one limitation. The text phone number for the uh, the radio. I cannot receive pictures. Whatever. Like you tried to send me a picture, it didn't come. It just does not come through. I don't know I'll why. email to you real quick. Okay. Check your email. And I'll, I'll do that. Okay. Thank you. All right, so I'm getting a, a tip there from someone who doesn't want to be on the radio. Let me look at the text. Now that we've got the phone open here, let's take a look here. So it was the same girl. Yeah. That's what, you know, there's, mm-hmm. this is actually out of a movie plot. Uh, did you ever see Irreconcilable Differences with Drew Barrymore? She was very, yeah. young, she was very young then. It's, it's not like a recent movie. It's like eight-year-old Drew Barrymore. Oh, no, no. Yeah, it had Ryan O'Neill and Shelley Long in it. I actually saw it at the time it came out. I think I was like 10 then or something. I think it's like 82 or something like that. Uh, this was a movie about a young girl who has basically two crazy parents with their own issues and that she wants to divorce them and go live with the maid. Like she wants the maid to become her legal guardian in the, in the movie is pretty much telling the tale from the beginning of when her parents met up until uh, the the end when uh, why she's saying she doesn't want to be with them. It actually was a decent movie. But uh, where we have the similarity was, uh, and this is kind of where the marriage started to crumble in the movie, was that the Ryan O'Neill character saw a waitress who he thought she was, was really hot and thought that... Uh, you know, he was making movies, and and, she, and his wife there, you know, played by Shirley Long, was supposed to be helping with writing the movies, that he thought she could be the next breakout star. She's actually played by Sharon Stone, by the way. So uh, so he starts working with her, and uh, they even have her move in the uh, in, into their mansion there, 
and they're working really closely with her. And then, of course, you know what happens next. He has an affair with her, and they, yeah, then he moves out with her. So this sounds kind of similar. That uh, He's like, ah, Jennifer, look what I found. I found the next movie star, and the, the, next, the next music star. It's going to be big. And then she's like, and she's like, okay, Marco. And then, <laughs> and then they, they produce this, and Jennifer's like, I don't know. I don't see anything special, but Marco sees something in her. Ah, yes, you do not hit the ear for the music like I do. <laughs> they had instant chemistry. And, uh, and then. Now, can't goes, you put her name in the like iTunes search? I really want to hear these songs now. It's Christina Amato, A M A T O. At least we have someone new to obsess over instead of Amanda Leatherman. At least I've moved on. At least I've moved on. Let's see. So check my email. I've got nothing. Let me see here. Oh, no, I got something. Here we go. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, this, is a, this is from Jennifer Harmon, a tweet. I'm not sure when. May 3rd of some year. Co-produced three songs with Christina Amato. Very excited. Opinions welcomed, please. Hashtag new artist. And then she gives the... Uh, it's called Here I Am, single by yep. Christina Amato. I see it. There's three songs, Double Decker, <laughs> Butterflies, and Sparks. Yeah, well, she, uh, she – so Jennifer said she was very excited at the time. I bet Marco was even more excited. <laughs> hmm. Some good stuff. Yeah. Okay. No. That's... You got me up on the top deck, waving to the crowd, double decker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. You know, I, there's no double decker buses in the West. Do they have any in, in Canada? Well, Vegas. Oh, that's right, Vegas. I forgot about those. What are you talking about? Yeah, I, I kind of don't count them. There's kinda... even an open air one. No, but those are kind of like tourist double deckers. They're not. <clears throat> Well, the Deuce is a, that's not open air, but that's a regular. In fact, my biggest complaint about the Deuce is it makes all those stupid stops for the locals, like between the Strip and downtown. It makes like twenty stops. I guess I was, I guess I was dismissing. The, I guess I was dismissing them as like tourist buses. I guess I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I wish, but I, I guess when I think of double decker, I just think of England. Well, yeah, they kind of started, but no, there's nothing in Canada that I know, at least not here on the West Coast. I wonder why that didn't really catch on in the U.S. You think it would, I, I thought it was cool as a kid when I, I saw when I saw um, double decker buses, like just on TV and whatever. Like I thought it was. Yeah, something... I thought I thought it was cool the first time I ever rode it in Vegas, but that was like a decade ago. And now it's like well, I'm on the second floor. Have you ever been on the second 80. floor of an airplane? A long time ago. Yeah, I was when like I was in the, like in the late '80s. I was in the second floor, and it wasn't like it was like the business class. I was in the business class. First class was actually on the first floor, but I actually felt like I was somehow above the first class because I was literally above the first class. Like I, I go up a staircase in an airplane. It was so strange. Yeah, I've also been to ones where uh, I flew to London a couple of years ago, and only the bathrooms were on a second floor, but the bottom. <laughs> that's actually not that so you bad. Have to, like, go down the stairs to use the bathroom. Well, that's not that bad of an idea. At least it doesn't smell up the cabin. 
here. Do, do you no, think? Do you think this song is about double decker buses? say there where were those lyrics is ass kiss ass miss ass fizzle i don't know <laughs> that's the song the double dutch bus I actually I, all these years i thought it was about a double decker bus it's actually not it's about the uh the public transit system in philadelphia would you believe where there's no double decker buses mm. yeah well that's the home of amtrak isn't it uh, i'm not sure but they, maybe it, they all ride the train isn't that where the big amtrak building is do, do you think there will ever be another pop song about the philadelphia public transit system you think, you think that's ever going to be a, a topic that's covered again? <laughs> Unlikely. All right. So uh, let's see. What, what else do we have here? All right. Uh, there was a fire. This is kind of scary because, like, you know, you're driving on the freeway and you just think, okay, I know I could get into an accident and that could be really bad. But, but bar, except for that. Nothing else really scares you. I mean, maybe you scare a little bit about uh, road rage and someone shooting you, but other than that, you really don't think of other dangers when you're driving. It's always either an accident or road rage. I, I've never once thought when I'm driving, like, I'm afraid a fire is going to get my car. I, I guess I've thought about, like, what if my car malfunctions and a fire, an explosion happens and it catches on fire. I, I've never thought about, like, what if a fire that's already burning on the road somewhere will catch my car and my car will be on fire. I've never thought of that once. Have you? No. Yeah, rock slide maybe or uh, like freak snowstorm where yeah. I live, you know, going up the, the the north. But, yeah, no, I saw those pictures that you posted. Yeah. So this is – so people are driving the Cajon Pass, which is uh, between L.A. and Vegas. It's close to Victorville, California. It goes up about uh, 4,400 feet at the top elevation. And uh, – there was a fire. I guess there's people going south from uh, Vegas to L.A. But there's a fire. It was on Friday. In fact, this past Friday. There's a brush fire on the side of the road. I guess the, it was started on the grass somewhere there. And I've seen this before, especially in California, brush fires on the side. And usually what they do, sometimes if they're just starting, you actually pass by them. Like I, I've driven like on the 15 just right by brush fires raising raging and there's like okay there's a fire it's interesting you just drive by it but uh when the authorities find out about this then they will stop traffic so the traffic isn't in any kind of danger and they prevent you from reaching where the fire is while they put it out and so the emergency vehicles can get there very standard stuff what isn't so standard is that the people who stopped because the traffic was halted because of the fire on the side of the freeway 
they were sitting ducks and didn't realize it because the fire quickly advanced in their direction. So here they are stuck. They're stopped in traffic. Nobody can move. And the fire starts raging in their direction. You're sitting there on the freeway. And you say, okay, well, you're not stuck in your car. Yeah, but where do you go? Do you run from it? <laughs> where, where do you run? Up the hills where the fire's raging? Like, where do you go? You, you can't get in another car that takes you away. It's, it's, it's all blocked going that, going that direction. And the other direction was closed, too. So there's nobody coming your direction Jeez. on the other side. So, so what do you do? <clears throat> so the police got on their megaphones and said, get out of your car and run up the hill. So that's what people did. They get out of their car and, and they just run up the hill. And people were panicking. And there's some people crying and going, yeah. They some people thought that they're going to run up the hill and that the fire is going to move faster than they can move. And it was also a very hot, a very hot day. So uh, in the middle of the summer, so you know they're running outside. The fire is raging. They no longer have a vehicle to flee. And so what if you run up the hill and then the the, the fire moves over there? You're just you're stuck. You're dead, but uh, that's the only thing they could do because th- there's nowhere to drive to. So they had to abandon their cars, run up the hill, and then they had to sit and watch in horror as their cars burn on the freeway. There, so 20 cars on I-15 were burnt to where they were totaled. There's a, a picture of it posted on Poker Fraud Alert on the Flying Stupidity Forum. You can also just find it by Googling I-15 Fire Cajon Pass. That's K C A J O N Pass. And uh, you'll see video and pictures of these cars that are burnt. So imagine that, too, the helpless feeling of just watching your car, whatever's inside it, burn. If this happened to me, I would make sure to grab my laptop and any other valuable thing that's in there. I don't care... How fast the fire is moving. I'm, I'm grabbing that stuff, and then I'm going up the hill. I, I, I would have let my clothes burn and, and other stuff that you know, I had in there, but I, I couldn't let my, uh, my laptop burn or uh, any other valuable stuff, you know, money or whatever. Like I had to grab all that. But uh, I don't know if people did or not. But that, uh, that's just something I never thought of happening. Yeah, I, I guess it's, this proves it's possible. It's kind of a fluke. I haven't heard of it happening before. But right on I-15, there's been a lot of weird uh, weather-related things. This wasn't really a weather thing because it was a fire. It's not known how the fire was even caused. But uh, a few other odd things that have happened. Yosemite, which is a national park in central California, received snow on July 9th. That's unusual. California, which barely got any snow during the winter, Received snow on July 9th, and actually measurable snow, not like flurries. So that was weird. Los Angeles, just a few days ago, over the weekend, received more rain in one day than they have ever received in the entire month of July, ever, in recorded weather history. I saw it. You guys needed it, though, right? Yeah, yeah. It needed very much. In fact, that's just... That's not going to do very much as far as a drought. That's just as a, it, it will help as far as fires, and it helps with this fire I was just describing because it actually put out that fire because it was the next day the rain came after this uh, I-15 fire, and the fire was not contained yet, and the rain put a stop to it. Right. Yeah, we had a similar thing here. There was actually like 22 fires going on at the same time oh. in the province, and that was the day that uh, 
actually the U.S. women won the world championship. But the next day, like nobody, it, it, it was tough too because it was like really hot here. It was like 85, 90 degrees. But if you open your window, just smoke would come in. The whole like lower Van, you know, greater Vancouver area, there was just smoke everywhere. Like it just, you opened it, you looked outside, and it looked like it was like a post-apocalyptic. There, there was once a, a big fire here at the Sickery location, and what happened was I, I was up early, earlier than usual, and I dropped Benjamin off at his preschool. And as I was driving back, I saw some, uh, I saw a fire on the on the hill closer to where his preschool is, and it wasn't very close to where uh, my house is, so I didn't worry about it. And uh, I was tired, so I went to sleep. I went back to sleep. About 10.30 in the morning, I hear ding-dong, 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 like, like repeated ringing of the bell. Repeated. And I'm like, oh, my God, there's some person who's, uh, who like, won't take no for an answer with answering the door. Like, they, they, someone here, I was th- thought it would be some obnoxious solicitor or some some neighbor who's angry about something. I, I couldn't imagine what it was. Like, I don't have a, any issues with any of the neighbors, but I, I thought it was just someone who was just being an asshole who wasn't uh, accepting that I wasn't answering the door. So I was about to just go back to sleep and ignore them. And I go, wait a minute. You know, there was that fire I saw a few hours ago. I guess this could have to do with it. What if they're ringing it like crazily because the fire's raging up the street? So I better get up and look at this. So mm-hmm. I, I got up and I opened the door and I don't see anything. And I go, hmm, that's weird. Let me take a little bit more of a look. And I step out in front of the house into the street. I look to the right. And there's a gigantic plume of smoke right behind the house next door. I go, oh shit! Now that was so. I I thought really the fire was here. It turned out that it was just such a large plume of smoke. It was probably about three quarters of a mile away, so it was close, but not right there. It, but then, and that that was actually the closest it ever got. But uh, I, I was actually stubborn about evacuating. Like it was a quote, voluntary evacuation. I didn't want to go anywhere unless it was really going to come. So I was just monitoring it very closely, and it. Uh, they, they did a good job keeping it away, so it never got here. But there, there were uh, the, the whole sky turned a really weird color, and there were ashes everywhere. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was really bad here. Actually, the the government website that rates air quality. Did, did you go to Whistler when you were here? No, I still I want to go to Whistler at some point, but I did not okay. go to Whistler. Well, it, like by its own legend on their website, it's one to ten, and one is good and ten is bad. The air quality in Whistler was listed as thirty five. <laughs> And their scale only went to ten. Like it was, it, and, and it was like that for days. It was really bad. Yeah. So uh, anyway, that's that's something you just don't expect. And then, and then, uh, what was the other weather thing that happened? Uh, oh, they, of course, they, there's the first day of the main event where there was that massive thunderstorm. That, that punched through the roof. Oh, right, roof. The, the leaky Rio. Yeah, yeah the roof, that, the one that was so hard that it went through the roof and that the, with that crazy picture taken from that southwest plane of, of what was happening. That, that It looked like almost like the movie Independence Day, like, a, like something was, was beaming down to destroy Las Vegas. That's what it looked like with, a, with how strong that storm was. It was an amazing picture. So, yeah, a lot of weird uh, events there of that sort in the first two-thirds of July. So, let's see here. Uh by the way, the uh, that Cajon Pass, you have to be careful in the winter driving between L.A. and Vegas. It can get snowed out, and you can be stuck. You can actually get stuck there where you can't go anywhere. 
And uh, really, in the middle of the desert? Yeah, because it's forty four hundred feet. It does snow there. I, I dated a girl oh. from there who lived in, in, in Victorville in two thousand one, and we almost weren't able to see each other one of the first weekends that we were dating because of snow on the Cajon Pass. And I thought this is a weird thing living in LA and and having to worry about snow getting in between me seeing uh, my girlfriend. It was weird. So, well, if you're just joining us, this is uh, Weather Alert Radio. <laughs> yeah, Druff and Friend Show. Okay, so let's let's go back to our our stated goal of uh, talking about fraud. Let's see if I can get uh, China Mania. I want to text him see if he wants to call in about this here. Let's see if I could. Isn't it like two a.m. where he is? Yeah, he stays up late. Let's see. I'm going to ask if they want to come on PFA Radio. PFA Radio. I should have asked them this before, but, you know, I don't ever do that. And talk about cheaters. So, so basically, China Mediac <laughs> caught a cheater on the Merge Network and put together his case and pressured support on merge to do something about it and it's it's good when things like this are done because uh some people will just try to do whatever they can to get an unethical edge uh i know why he can't come on he's or maybe maybe he's still not there he was in uh another country on vacation so secret location yeah somehow he found time to play on merge though from there but still he says, I'm typing this from crappy internet away from home in another country while on vacation. Uh. Oh, I, I think he started this whole thing before he went on vacation. I think, but, but anyway, he, sa- he said uh, that what happened was that there was a guy, there were two players, which is probably one player using two accounts. Uh, one was named Ninth Dragoon, and uh, the other one was named More FKN Cowbell, like More Fucking Cowbell, and then Ninth uh-huh. Dragoon. They were probably the same person. And uh, so he, he was... And they didn't tend to play very much at the same table, which seems to show even more that they were the same person. But occasionally they would. And... Uh, so first he saw a suspicious hand that occurred. And then right after that hand... More fucking cowbell leaves the game. Uh, but then what he would do is uh, he would sit at a, he would sit at a game alone, okay, waiting for someone to one of the two accounts would sit alone at a game, waiting for a fish to sit with him heads up. Now, of course, on a network like Merge, you know, you're sitting alone. People recognize you as a regular. Most other regulars are not going to go play you. But when a fish sits, then all the regulars sit down to try to get a piece of the fish. That's that's very standard. Now, picture this. You're sitting, let's say, in seat three. And uh, and then the, the fish chooses to sit directly to your left in seat four. Well, then if the whole game fills up, then guess what? You, you know, the fish has position on you. And then you wish, you know, you started the game. You wish you could have position on the fish, and you can't because that's the way it went. So, so this guy thought right. he was going to be so clever. He will sit with one account, the more fucking cowbell, wait... When a fish would sit, then very then very quickly more fucking cowbell would stand up from the table, and the other account would sit to the fish's left. Hmm. So that's and then um, uh, so so that's that's one thing he would do. Another thing between these two accounts that was happening was uh, he he would try to uh, he would use one account to just block 
a space at the table. So, so like a, a six-handed game would only remain five-handed. So if he if he wants to have the fish to fewer players there, you know, he'd want a six guy sitting down. It's probably good. He then he would just uh, hog up the last seat with the ninth dragoon's account and just sit out with it. Mm. So he was he was doing things. So like, they never actually played at the same time. Occasionally they did, but usually they didn't. And uh, okay. and then he also looked using poker tracker, and they had very similar stats with uh, with voluntary mm. pots played in position. Uh, pre-flop right. raise percentage, three bet pre-flop went to showdown, went, uh, went showdown, very very similar percentages in, in these two. So it really looked like it was the same player, and uh, so uh, and and then China made he was he was calling them out, and and of course they were just uh, obnoxious with him and arrogant about it, and they you know the the, the cheaters that is, so. He wrote to merge security, and he said, uh, "He said one other thing that happened the night prior that uh, that I wrote to security. There was a six-handed thirty game, thirty-sixty game. Every time a six-player would bust or leave the table, he would take the cowbell account and sit in the sixth seat and block the table." So that's like what I was just saying. So, so anyway, he he wrote a whole report about this here and sent it over to merge. And they wrote the following back to him. Hello, following your report, we have completed an extensive investigation to each account. From a thorough review of each player's login times, table selection, and seating patterns, we have concluded that there existed a pattern of buttoning abuse, along with the subsequent blocking of other players from joining tables at times. Accordingly, we have permanently removed these players from further play on our network. We do know that the players involved did participate in a total of 19 hands together at the same table during the past seven months. You think that's a bit suspicious in seven months of being regular on the site, you only had 19 hands against someone in the same game? Right, especially at, like, you know, certain limits. Yeah, 30-60 with not many players. You have 19 hands at a seven seven months. He said, they said, these hands are currently being reviewed, and we should find should we find their actions in those 19 hands to have adversely impacted other players at the table, those players will be contacted directly with an appropriate remedy. We sincerely oh, thank silly. you for your feedback and patience through our investigation. So, uh, so hopefully they also confiscated the money from this account, and hopefully they'll redistribute it. I don't know what's happened since then. Uh, they're kind of missing the point, though, if they're only going to look at those 19 hands. Well, they're saying they only played 19 hands together, so there's not much they could see as far as collusion. It, it probably wasn't collusion. Right. It was probably mainly just being used to, to hog just seats. Just overlay, up, right? Like, yeah. Hog seats, get Overlapped. position, and, and, yeah. and, and, and you know, shoot these angles here to, to do this. So, uh, But, yeah, I'm, uh, I was saying to China Maniac, I wonder if these idiots, if they got their accounts closed and the money's taken – I wonder if they're going to show up on 2 plus 2 and whine about it. Oh, Merge unfairly closed our account. They're stealing our money. Like, I'd love to see that happen. <laughs> and, then, and then just get Well, yeah, I guess it. best case scenario, well, in terms of cheating, they are two different people, but they just play exactly the same. But still what they're doing is, you know, unethical. Yeah, I, I have to think it's probably one guy. And maybe the, the 19 hands probably. they maybe the 19 hands they played, either the guy got greedy and decided to collude with himself for 19 hands, or, or he really the, the person behind the second account or some friend of his – you know, borrowed the account occasionally, and they played together. It was weird, but mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm glad that uh, Merge closed them down. I I think that everybody's owed an explanation about where the money's going from these accounts. Right. I, th- I think if they closed these accounts 
for any kind of unethical behavior that they should find some sort of way to redistribute it to the players that they played against. Even if it wasn't play, even if it wasn't like, let's say they said we, we haven't been able to find any collusion, but still they got to take position on the fish. Thanks to this, uh, this type of crap, like these, these type of, uh, and they've got to block people out of their tables uh, from sitting because with with these things. So, so players lost equity in a lot of spots. And I think why, why should merge get to keep the money? They shouldn't. Yeah, that'd be really hard to calculate, though. I mean, how do you calculate? No, no, I'm just saying split to, to take their – no, but just do like a weighted average. Just take everything. Just take everything, look at all the opponents they've played, and, and then just do some kind of weighted average based upon how many hands they played together or something. That's what I mean. Just you, You'll never get it perfectly, but the merge shouldn't keep it. Yeah. No, that's true because then merge is benefiting from people cheating. Yeah. I've heard poker stars, by the way – uh, when they confiscate cheater money in these type of spots or, like, money from, like, underage players, ones where it's, like, people who weren't directly cheated but where someone's account was closed or something unethical uh, and, and where they take the money, uh, mm-hmm. you might be surprised to know that uh, the money it goes in a laser fund. <laughs> no, it's, it actually goes to charity. Poker Stars donates to various charities, and they the money that they donate to charity comes from accounts that are confiscated so yeah I, I had heard that is that still this policy yeah that's still the policy I don't okay. I, I don't know if I love it it's better than poker stars keeping it for sure but I I still think if the money came from players uh, also, fine, aren't they getting write-offs for that yeah they probably are so, so uh, if the money came that. from players I think it should go back to the players even if it's not the same players they hold free rolls with the money uh, right. distribute it to all the opponents in a weighted sort of average way I, I just don't think them donating to charity, it's like almost forcing players, the players to donate to charities they choose because this money shouldn't have been won from them in the first place, even if it wasn't cheating. If, like, they catch someone who was 17 playing on there who won it fair and square, well, still, you know, it, it's still money that poker stars shouldn't be keeping or deriving benefit from. And they, right. so I, I think it's better than keeping it donated to charity, but that's my opinion that they should, that shouldn't be what funds the charity. The, the charity should be funded by their own profits. So, let's see what else we got here. All right. Uh, it's Someone posted in chat a while ago. They told you to call in and be a co-host of the show. Or otherwise, quote, Druff is going to tell old sex stories. Well, guess Uh-oh. what? You're in luck here that uh, despite you calling in, Druff is going to tell oh, old sex. No. no, it's actually not old sex stories. Nothing to do with sex. But okay. uh, someone asked last week during a Drexel tangent. Well, not, they asked after the show was over, but they said that they they wanted to hear a story I was going to tell, and then Brandon got on a tangent. And we never went back to the story, which is true. So they wanted to hear me tell the story again. So this spawned from us discussing Dutch Boyd and his forced apology letter, which I guess was a term they agreed to when uh, when they finally made the settlement with Mason Malmuth and the mm-hmm. cyber-squatting thing, that you know, Dutch was forced to write this apology letter, which, like an asshole, Mason is going to display on the website for two months. Or two, not two months, two, two years. But I once received a forced apology letter in the year 1990 when I was 18 years old. And uh, I, I thought it was kind of funny. I should have saved the letter. It's It's long gone, but... Oh. Here, here's here's the story behind why I got a forced apology letter, and it was not through the courts or anything. It was uh, a different uh, authority forcing this letter. 
And it was a real personal apology letter. It wasn't like a company or dump something dumb like that. So I have to go back a little further. Uh, in my senior year of high school, I, I became friends with, with a girl named Jennifer. And this, uh, me and Jennifer didn't go out, and we were, I, I didn't want to go out. I really wasn't attracted to her, and I, I don't even know if she was attracted to me. Maybe not. But uh, we were just friends. And uh, we weren't, like, super close friends, but, but we, we still talked a good deal and talked on the phone or whatever. Um, one day I get this weird phone call. A guy and a girl are on the phone. And I, I'm 17 when this happens, by the way. A guy and girl are on the phone, and it's a... Uh, actually, it starts out with a girl saying, Hello. I said, Hi. And she said, so, Hey, what's up? I go, uh, Who is this? She says, You don't recognize my voice? I go, No. You sure? I mean, yeah, you you knew who I was at that party the other night? Well, I didn't go to a party the other night. Like I, I knew this was some BS, so... I said, No, that's, I, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. So she kept trying to insist that I knew her from some party. She says, You know... It was at a party. Someone turned over your car. I'm like, what? Okay. <laughs> like, so no one ever turned over my car. You, you must have the wrong number. She said, no, no, no. So she kept insisting it, and then some guy came on and started talking too. So uh, eventually I, I just figured they're screwing around, dialed a random number. And I, I had an easy-to-remember phone number, so I figured it was just a ra- – I got a lot of weird random prank calls. So I'm sure that's what it was. I hung up on it. Well, uh, I mentioned it to Jennifer, and she, she thought uh, – like I had just – I was talking to her the same day. And she thought that was weird, and I said, "You didn't give my number to anyone, did you?" She said, "No, no, no. I would never do that to you. I know. I know you'd never want that." So, a few days later, I get a call. I think it was actually on Halloween. I seem to remember it was Halloween. I get this call from those same two people, except it has a different tone. Instead of kind of this weird, playful tone, uh, it starts off with the girl acting like she's pissed that I don't remember her, and then the guy gets on. And it comes out like this really threatening tone with me. And he's like, I'm going to come over. I'm going to turn over your car. I'm going to fuck everything up. And I'll kick your ass. Like he was, he was like making all these threats to me. I go, what the hell? So I like, I, so I, I have no idea who this is. I don't recognize the voice. Either voice. So I'm still thinking this is random. And I said, you know what? Not only is this stupid, you guys don't even know who I am. You, you called my number randomly. You just got me on here. You think this is, you know, you're going to pretend like you knew me from some party. You, you know nothing about me. I'm sure there's not a single thing you could tell me about myself. The guy, and the guy says, oh, yeah? Okay. Your name is Todd. You drive a yellow Honda Civic. Uh, you're six foot one and 147 pounds, and you're 17 years old, and you go to such and such high school. I go, okay. So then I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, how do they know these things? So the thing that really got me was the 147 pounds because that's actually what oh. I was. But but how would they get that exact weight? If they're I estimating my weight, they're going to say 150, 160, 145. They're not going to say right. 147. I had told one and only one person about my weight being 147. I don't know why I, I told this person this, but I, I it came up in conversation very recently before these calls started. And the only person I ever said about weight being 147 was Jennifer. Uh, and I said, oh, shit, that's who was behind this. So I, I and, and at this point I was pissed because this went from just like a, a, a harmless prank call to someone threatening to you know, destroy my car and, and kick my ass. So I, I called up Jennifer about this and I, and I told her, look, I know you, I know you gave this out to these people. You know, I, I, who did this to me? Who, who's making these threats? I, you got to tell me now the truth of what's going on. So not only did she deny it, she got pissed. She feigned anger. That, that I would dare accuse her of this, that, that uh, you know, what kind of friend am I to think that she would have, you know, done this to me, 
that I don't trust her, that I'm such a fucking asshole, and she started going off on me. I go, this is this is crazy. I know for sure she did it. No one's going to say I'm 147 pounds. No one's going to come up with that exact figure that I just gave her like two days ago. And also knew my exact height, like they knew everything. That I, what what they knew about me was what what I had just told her, like stuff I had just told her, and <laughs> like like uh, it it was it was so obvious it had to do with her, and that she sent these people to do it. I don't know why. Like we we got along fine. There was no reason to be doing this. I, my, my guess was that she just thought it'd be funny for these people to mess with me and didn't realize that they, you know they take it too far. But the worst thing was instead of saying, "Oh, I'm sorry, I told these people to screw around with you," and then uh, you know it, it it got out of hand, she was getting angry at me for accusing her. So. It's kind of like you know, like your, your spouse that you think might be cheating on you, and you accuse them, and they act all offended. It, it was kind of like that. So, right? You're so, like, no, I'm just producing her music. This is how <laughs> could you say that? Yeah. So, so anyway, uh, obviously, we had a huge argument about this, and finally, I, I just laid it down for her. I said, "Look, these people I know 100% had to do with you. These are threatening phone calls. If I get even one more call from these people." I'm going to take this out on you, and I'm going to take it out big time. I'm going to get really nasty about this, and you, you don't even know what's going to be coming. So you, like, like, this better stop. This be- I do not want one more call from them here because it, it, it's, I'm going to make your life hell if I get even one more because I know it came from you. So she still insisted it wasn't her, but I said, okay. that's just I'm not going to make you admit it, but the, that's, that's what I'm telling you. Well, of course, the call stopped, and I thought it was over. And what? then one day your Civic was turned over. <laughs> that would be a better story. So then um, the next year um, I, I did something that I, I shouldn't have done, and that was I started dating – this is for the first time in my life I did this. I started dating a girl who I was not physically attracted to at all. And um, I, I did it based you – know, because I liked her personality. She seemed really nice. The, the girls I dated the previous year who were – Attractive. I, I I had a lot of problems with them. You know, they they were they were wishy washy. They were bitchy at times. Like it was it was just very difficult to deal with them. They were typical teenage girls. So like, I was like, oh, this is so refreshing. Like a girl who's nice and, and easygoing and, and seems easy to get along with. Like I like, I said, why am I being so shallow? Why 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 do I have to go out with someone I'm physically attracted to? Maybe I don't need to do that. So I made that mistake. That was stupid. You know, you should you always need to have at least. A moderate amount of physical attraction, otherwise it's not going to work. At least for me, that's the way it was. I think for most people, that's the way it is. So I tried to, I dated this girl for, for six weeks. And uh, by the end, I, I couldn't stand it anymore. And, and she was very nice, but I just was not attracted to her one bit. So I, I was like uh, starting to like avoid talking to her and uh, like avoid answering the phone and busying at my phone so she couldn't call me. I go, what the hell am I doing? Why am I avoiding her? Why not just break up with her? So I broke up with her. I didn't tell her it's because I'm not attracted to you. I made up some BS and uh, you know didn't blame. I didn't blame anything on her. I was very nice about it. I just said that you know things kind of just died out for me on my end and I don't know why, but uh, you know I'm, I, I'm really sorry. She didn't do anything wrong. Like I, I, try, I tried to. And I even tried, I even BS'd and said like I was really into her at the beginning, and it just kind of died out, and these things just happened. So that, that was kind of the uh, the explanation I gave her. She seemed to take it very well. She said, "All right, no problem. I'm not pissed. I understand these things happen." Uh, she even we me and her never had sex. She she at first thought that was the reason <laughs> that she didn't put out enough. Uh, she was still a virgin, but uh, but that that wasn't the reason. And I even told her that wasn't the reason. So. I thought, I, was, I thought, okay, good. It's done. Well, about uh, 
week or so later, I start getting prank calls again from the same voice that I had remembered pranking me from back in October. Except it's only the female this time, this time not the male. And just saying really, really obnoxious things at me. And she had this really like annoying laugh, like, ha, 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 and then she'd hang up on me. And I got hammered with phone calls several a day I'm getting from her. She's even leaving messages on my answering machine. This mystery girl who had pranked me back in October, same voice, is at it again. And I go, oh, my God, why, how did this start up again? So, so I called up Jennifer, who I hadn't talked to you know, since this happened back in October. And we're, we're now in like, in like April. And I go, I thought, I thought this stopped six months ago. Why is this crap starting up again? And she says, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, yes, you do. And in fact, uh, these calls stopped last time when you claimed after, you know, after I threatened you when you uh, claimed to not know what I was talking about. And she says, no, 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 no. You know, it's, uh, I'm telling you it, that they're not doing it to you. I said, ah, they're not. So you're telling me, you, so you're finally admitting now you knew who it was. She says, yeah, well, yeah, yes, I did. I wasn't truthful with you back then, but I'm being truthful now. It's not them doing it this time. I go, you told me this six months ago. That, in fact, you got mad at me for accusing you. And, and, and called me all these names for accusing you. She's, yeah, I know, I probably shouldn't have done that. I didn't know what to say, but, but it's, it's really not them this time. It could be, how can I trust you here? It's like the, it's, uh, you lost your credibility last time. So she kept insisting it's not her. I said, look, it has to be her. I recognize the voice. It's, another, it's the same anonymous prank call crap. It's, it's similar types of, types of stuff being said to me just without this guy. Um, I told you this needs to stop. So she was insisting over and over it's not her. That, 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 and I said, uh, it is, and you're going to put a stop to it. So anyway, this kept continuing. And every time I get these calls, I'd call up Jennifer and, and, and get on her case. And she was swearing to me up and down, it's not that girl. Well, um, I went through over a month of this crap. <laughs> and finally, one day, on one of my answering machine messages, the girl slipped up and said something that only... My ex-girlfriend would have known. Mm. And I said, oh, my God, poor Jennifer. She was innocent this time. She wasn't innocent the first time, but she was innocent this time. Those girls just had a very similar sounding voice. They just the, 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 two, the two that were sent to prank me were two different girls. <laughs> two different girls in the same school year were sent to prank me over two completely different things. So um, it, it turned out it was the ex-girlfriend sending her best friend that I had never met before. I'd heard her describe, but I had never met her. And I didn't even know her full name. But that she was, uh, she had obviously sent her best friend to prank me after, you know, because she was bitter about the breakup. So I, I called the ex-girlfriend and confronted her. She denied it at first, and then I, I kept pressing, and she finally said, okay, fine, yeah. It was it, fine, I, di- I did, I, uh, you know, we... It was just a joke at first, but then you know we just kept doing it. We thought that was kind of funny, and you know, I just kind of listened in when she did it. I'm really, I'm sorry. I could, do you realize this girl called me like like three to five times a day for over a month? Like like this, this was, it was like relentless. Like this isn't just a little joke you do every once in a while. Like this is obsessive. This was obsessive. This was like so. She says, "Oh, I, broke I, her heart." She, she's like, "Well, I, I admit it went a bit far, but you know we, we're not going to stop now." I go, "It's not that simple." This girl harassed me so much. I need to know who she is. She said, oh, I can't tell you that." I go, "Okay, well, I'm going to take it out on you then. I, I went through too much crap here with this. You're going to tell me who this is, and and, and or otherwise, it, you know, what I do in response to this is going to be against you." And so she says, uh, okay, okay, look, I'll tell you 
but I can't tell you right away. I've got to give me 48 hours. I've got to break it to her that I'm going to give you her info before I do it. At least let me do that. But I said, all right, in 48 hours, though, if you don't give it to me, she said, no, that's fine. You can do what you want in 48 hours. Just, just, just give me that time, please. I said, okay. What do you think happened in 48 hours? You got an apology letter? No. Oh. In 48 hours, good guess, though. In 48 hours, I called up and reached an answering machine. No, sorry, I got her disconnected number. I called up her parents' line to, you know, have to reach her that way. Uh-huh. Got an answer machine. Hello, you've reached the such and such residence. Uh, we're putting up this message to let you know that we are moving to Northern California. And uh, we're no longer in this home. Uh, we can check this machine if you want to leave us a message, but we're no longer here. Thank you. Goodbye. I go, oh, my God, that's why 48 hours. She just moved. <laughs> she just, <laughs> I go, oh, God, I just got totally played here. It's like, shit. Uh, there's nothing I can do, I guess. So I was about to just give up. And just say, all right, I guess I guess uh, there's no consequence for this. Then I had a flashback from a few months before when we were together. And I was over at her house, and uh, her little brother, who was like, I don't know, 12 years old at the time, said the word fuck. And her dad freaked out, and he's like, you don't use this language in this house. You don't talk this way in this house. I do not want to ever hear any profanity. Like he was one of those guys who just hated profanity in his house. So I go, Oh, and I had recordings on my answer machine of her friend being really profane. And I said, aha, I know what to do here. So I called up that answer machine again of her parents. I played the messages I got from her friend, and I explained what had, just hap- what had been happening to me for the last, uh, like, five weeks. And I said, I don't know what to do. You, you know, your daughter, you, you all just moved, and she told me she was going to, Tell me who was doing this to me, and then and, you know stalled me until she moved. But this is the type of stuff I was getting for the last five weeks. So I got a call immediately from her mom, who told me that she was she and their father, you know, she and their husband were horrified about this, and that they've uh, not only uh, I don't know what they did to her, but they've not only uh, you know, for, made sure that I'm never contacted again by her, and then and. Uh, did something to her. I don't know what they what they were going to do as far Send as punishment. Her to boarding school. Yeah, but but that also they're forcing her to write an apology letter to me for all of this, and that they told the girl they called up the girl who had been pranking me, the best friend, and said that uh, if I get one more call, that they're going to give me her info too. So <laughs> uh, and then sure enough, about a week later, I get this total bullshitty apology letter saying, uh, you know, I'm sorry we. Uh, Oh, we just took this too far. I was I was hurt when you broke up with me, and I didn't know how to handle it. I should have I should have been more mature about this. Uh, I I'm, I'm really I didn't know my friend was doing it as often as she was. I'm sorry, which is BS. I mean, I'm sure she knew everything, but uh, um, but it, it was it was kind of a, a funny letter to read because I knew it was totally insincere, and I knew it was just like killing her to have to write this. But I but I thought it was appropriate. I thought what I did was appropriate because uh, I, I these were relentless calls. For like like five weeks, and uh, and it was so annoying, and I and and I was blaming the wrong person. But then I was like, should I feel bad about like calling Jennifer every time I was getting calls from this girl, given that Jennifer did this shit to me in the first place and denied it? Like, is it really my fault that uh, that this happened and that I that I that I ended up blaming her? It's not like I just blamed her when she never did anything to me. She did she did the exact thing six months ago. It's just uh, and denied it then. It's like how was I supposed to know it was a different person this time? So that, that was a, that, that's a little look on on, uh, on my high school days there. <laughs> I, I don't know, I don't know how I, I had to deal with uh, two bouts of prank calls in the, the same school year. 
but that was that was my senior year in high school. And it's too bad you didn't save that letter. Yeah, and and and, and uh, all the like after that, I said, okay, yeah, that's it. I'm I'm never doing this again. I'm never dating a girl again that I'm not at least somewhat physically attracted to. They don't have to be like like uh, super hot. They don't have to be like the like I don't have to be totally lusting after them when I look at them. But I have to be attracted enough to where I'm feeling a physical attraction, at least some level of excitement when we're together. So. Uh, I learned that lesson, and I'd never dated a girl who, again, who I was not attracted to until August that same year. Good work. Yeah, I did, I did a good job holding out. And then after that, that was it. After the second time, I said, okay, that, that, that one didn't end with any kind of prank calls or anything. But that, at least the, after the second one, I said, okay, no more. Nin- 1990 was my year of, of dating girls that I wasn't attracted to, and I said, that's it. No more. No more. So I've, I've stuck to that. Not for the most part. All right. So uh, I, I'm glad to report, though, that I, I, I am and was a, a very attracted to Benjamin's mom, both when I originally met her back in the early 90s and, and currently. So that's, that's no problem in that one. So for those who wanted to hear this story, you got, you're in luck. For those of you who don't like stories like this, uh, you're not in luck. But uh, near the yeah, end of the, the show. The, the chat response has not been great, Todd. I'm not going to I wasn't watching the chat on purpose for that reason. I, I, I'll go look at it now because I, I, I just didn't want it to ruin my enthusiasm for telling the story. After it's over, then I can look. Let me go look here. I'm, I'm not afraid well, to Todd, see. we have a – a radio legend in the chat, but uh, he, he's demanding oh, to be paid I see. to call I see. In, so so. I see the problem. We have we have Team MLK and 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 Tide in the chat. Of course, we're going to have people who are uh, bashing me in here. Okay, so so well, call in then. Come on, ball in. Come on, Team MLK, call in. <laughs> he said, hey, "I just got PM from him." Holy fuck! Wow, I tu- I tune into this. This isn't poker related. What the fuck? He's saying, "Well, come on, oh, call in then." Seven seven five fraud fifty five seven seven five. Three seven two, eight three, five five. Jay's dad telling me don't just, look into chat. I'll turn it to salt. Just wait till TMLK hears the uh, the twenty minutes of weather talk. Is it, gonna uh, love the show. Is it, uh, Tide, aka Judon, aka Marty said, uh, uh, "I'm sure all the three thousand plus claimed listeners." Todd says he has on a weekly basis. We'll fucking love the story from Todd's high school days. Well, first of all, there's only a, a thousand listeners, so I, I think two thousand of them probably won't like the story at least. But um, you know, you have to take everything with this show. I, I there's there's certain people who like certain segments, certain people who like other segments. I try to put segments like this towards the the back of the show, so you can turn it off if you don't like it. But uh, yeah, it's a variety show. With a variety of things, and I, I try for the most part to do what the listeners want to hear. Okay. So, yeah, also, if they want a long show, honestly, there isn't, you know, four hours of poker content, at least not this week. No, there's not this week. just doesn't exist. See, see and now, Sam, for some reason, Marty doesn't believe the thousand. He's a oh, thousand weekly listeners with 294 active members. Marty, I've said so many times, the listeners to this show are, for the most part, not forum readers. They and they don't uh, they don't even register accounts here most of them or if they do they don't log into them these are mainly people it's, it's, that's why I don't discuss much forum stuff on here I know you you think you bring the hits to the forum and you do to some degree but not to the radio show and the radio show is a different crowd a different uh, group of people 
For, for example, uh, Matt Glantz, who listens to the show every week, he d- I doubt he reads the forum. I doubt he ever looks at it. I don't even read the forum anymore. Yeah, there you go. I'm taking a break. You know? Okay, so it's how you say post screenshots. What, what screenshots? It's, it's, I, I take, there's no screenshots. I take the various ways people can download the show plus the live listeners, and I add them all up. I have to, it would have to be several screenshots. I mean, I don't know what, what you're doing here. I, it, it really is. I mean, look, look at Stitcher. It's in like 120 people's playlists on Stitcher alone, or maybe more than that. So Stitcher's not even the main way to listen to. This was the number four uh, radio media outlet or something. What? You know, the, the bluff. Uh, this was number four. Oh, number web four. Yeah, that's right. We're number something. one. That's, you know what? We're never going to move up there because bluff is closed. I know. Well, I'm surprised you're not talking about that. I mean, why? Do you know why they're. Yeah, I, I, I mean, in general, they're, they're closing because there's not much money to, in poker magazines anymore. It's a, uh, people <laughs> get most of their news for poker through the internet. And right. uh, print magazines are not that lucrative, and these affiliate deals are not as lucrative anymore either. So unless you oh, were, right. unless you were a major affiliate uh, that that has just a ton of people, unless you were really established well with that, it's kind of hard to get that going. So and they they had a staff, you know, the, the Kev Math is working for them. Seriously, serious, he's not anymore, but he used to work for them. They they have a real staff there in Atlanta. They have decent overhead and. Uh, you know, so it's not even just a matter. It's not like this low budget operation here where it costs me very little money every month. So, so th- like this is a very low budget show, but there's no way that this site can lose very much money because it doesn't spend much money. So, uh, and that's on purpose. And, and, and this also helps me to not feel pressure to ever sell out to, to sponsors or anything. Crap. I think I'll take a sponsor, but I I don't have to worry about uh, pissing off sponsors or things like that. I can I can really just. Uh, not worry about that side of things. And I, I don't try to monetize the site, as you guys see. And uh, and it loses a little bit of money every month. But it can't lose much because it doesn't cost that much to run. But but something like Bluff costs a lot of money to run. And, and So do you think the other magazines are doing it better or they're just losing money and they don't care? Like, uh, you know, I, card I, I don't know. Yeah, card player I know is, uh, is struggling too. I don't know if they're losing money. But like uh, Barry Shulman actually – Sold as for sale this house, this condo, this really expensive condo he had, that he put a ton of money into decorating, and and he's selling it for a huge loss. So obviously he's not doing. You know, when you've put all this time, effort, and money into decorating the place the way you want it, and then you sell it, uh, something's probably wrong because you you even get personally attached to it, and right. and and, uh, and and all the modifications you made there, and to just. Uh, sell it at that point shows you're probably not doing as well as you once were. So I, I think card players probably struggling. I, obviously them, them keeping up the lock ads for all that time is probably indicative that they were struggling and that lock was paying them a lot of money, at least until lock stopped paying them. And uh, yeah. so they, they didn't want to drop that. So here's, here's a good thing. I got, uh, this will make me feel better as, as Marty's bashing me in the chat. Let's, let's go take a look at the, this uh, text we got here. Let's read the full thing. Uh, great show tonight. I'm enjoy. I'm really enjoying it. Good. I like getting that. This is from uh, the 480 area code. Please, no team ML gay. I'm begging Todd. No. Well, he can call Come in. On. Yeah, I'm getting this crap about uh, respond You're immediately. Calling. I'm I'm responding. Call in. Just call in now. Seven seven five fraud fifty five. Seven seven five. 
372-8355. You cannot deny a radio legend like TMMLK. He, he, he's he's ranting in chat, but he won't call in. Just call in. I mean, I, just, I don't know. Like, this has become the mm-hmm. Tide and TMMLK show in chat. That's what it's become. <laughs> so, okay, if they want to talk to each other there, have fun. Right, you have the phone number. Call in. Right. So, let me get to, uh, let's get to the next topic. The uh, civil forfeiture. The civil forfeiture, yeah. So we've talked about this before. This was mm-hmm. a terrible thing that was happening, absolutely terrible. And, and this is one of the few things that, that both parties in the U.S., both major political parties, agree is awful. So you, you know if both parties pl- agree something is awful, it must really be terrible. And, uh, and so, so this, was, uh, this was really should have been a crime. This was uh, legalized stealing by law enforcement. It's called civil forfeiture. It was originally developed for noble purposes. So this is why it was developed. It, it's, uh, it's the process of being able to take assets or money from someone that you believe you have a good faith belief was used in the commission of a crime, but you can't prove it. And then you have to make them prove where they got the money to get it back. So, so this was done as, as part of a war on drugs. And, and this is what would happen. Like, so let's say a cop is, um, gets a tip that a drug deal just occurred, a major drug deal. So they rush down there, but the deal's already been done. The guy who got the drugs is long gone. But they still see the guy who received the money. The, the dealer you know, received $3 million in cash, let's say, and he's carrying a suitcase. And they know he's, you know, he's a, a known dealer. They just didn't catch him in the act of actually exchanging the money for drugs, but he has $3 million cash on him that he just got just after they got a hot tip that a drug dealer was going on. And they know this guy has no other real legit businesses. So they pull him over. He's got $3 million cash in the car. Under the old law, they could not seize this money because they didn't actually see the money be used in the commission of a crime. Under civil forfeiture laws, they could. They could take the money and then tell the dealer, okay, if you want to get this $3 million back, you have to come to us and prove to us where you got it from. Uh, and, and if you can't, then we're keeping it. That's basically what civil forfeiture was, allowing them to seize money and assets from criminal organizations unless these organizations or individuals can prove that they got the money legitimately. And the argument at the time was, look, if you got the money legitimately, it should be easy for you to show us, and then, then, uh, then it's fine. And if you can't, then obviously you got it in some shady way, and then the money can go towards uh, you know, funding the police department or other things that we need in the, in the city or county. So at the time, it, it, like many well-meaning laws, this, this seemed like something reasonable. But it ended up not being reasonable because, as is the case with many well-meaning laws, they end up being abused. So it turned from that, from you know, trying to just seize money from drug dealers or other criminal enterprises, to trying to target anyone or anything that might have money or assets and count on those being targeted being unable or not having enough money beyond that to fight to get it back or to bully them with threats of criminal charges and have them sign paperwork to give up the assets to not get charged criminally. So there were actually courses given to police departments around the country on how to spot cars that are likely to be carrying money. 
or other assets that you'd want to seize. Now, keep in mind, these courses were not directing you how to find criminals. They were directing you to find anyone likely to have money, whether legal or illegal. And then these courses would give you, would give law enforcement instructions on how to come up with bogus premises to pull over the vehicles, to seize the stuff found in the vehicles, to push the person driving the vehicle to consent to a search, and to push the person after their stuff has been seized to sign paperwork agreeing to surrender what has been seized. So this would be a typical scenario. And the reason they're doing this, by the way, is to fund the police department or the city or the county, which may be strapped for money. So some city in bumfuck, Iowa, needs money. There's a big highway that goes through. And that highway leads away from a casino in another state. So they, they, they realize that there's going to be a lot of people driving on that highway who came from other states to gamble, and some of them are going to be leaving with money. So they learn to recognize the signs of the cars that are more likely to have money in them, and they find any reason to pull over those cars with the intention of basically stealing their money. Not with any belief they're really committing crimes with that money. They know very well these people won that money in the casino, but they know they can get it. So they pull them over for some bogus premise, claim, bring a dog around who's trained to, on command to act like it just sniffed drugs, tell them that the dog just sniffed drugs and that they, have to, they need to search the car and they consent to a search. If the person refuses, start making all these threats about uh, how long they'll be in prison you know, for refusing the search. And you know, if, if they make it easier, and you know, they're going to have to put them in a holding cell for days as they do this. And they, uh, they, they, start, they start dropping all these threats on them. They better consent to the search or else. The motorist gets scared and says, okay, well, I have nothing to hide. Go ahead and search. They search. They find the money. They say, okay, we're, we're confiscating this money under civil forfeiture laws. Uh, if you want, uh, we'd like, and then they pressure them to sign paperwork indicating they are forfeiting the money in exchange for the, them promising not to press any charges on them. Often people are so scared of going to prison, even if it's a crime they didn't commit, that they will sign anything just to have this be over. And if they don't sign it, then to get it back is very expensive. It can It's usually about $33,000 on average in legal fees to get these back. So if, if you get $5,000 seized from you, do you spend 33000 to get it back? Right, of course. Uh, and that's what they bank on. Right. And they also bank on that you may be from another state and that it's, not as, yeah. it, it's very hard and in, inconvenient to, to, pressure, to press this because you have to press this where it occurred. You have to go back to wherever this happened. And if you live hundreds or even thousands of miles away, then again, you're probably not going to do it. Well, so this was awful. And the whole purpose was to steal this money, literally steal this money from law-abiding citizens to fund – local police departments or local city or county governments. Now, where the federal government came in was that the federal government, uh, they engaged in a process called equitable sharing. Because what would happen would be some cities or some states realized this was going on and said, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh, we don't like this. So the states would pass laws making this sort of forfeiture illegal. But federal law 
trump state law so if there is a federal search going on then there can be civil forfeiture on the federal level so the federal government would make agreements with these cities and counties that want to do this crap even in a state that has rights you know has uh, laws against it where it would become a federal search and as long as at least one federal agent is involved then they can do it and then the agreement is that the federal government and the local government split the proceeds really 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 shady stuff so finally this year Eric Holder the uh, attorney general finally did something right and ended the federal equitable sharing meaning the federal government cannot assist with this anymore meaning at any state now that has tough laws against this including Nevada by the way Nevada and California both have tough laws against this but the the federal governments were you know the federal element was was skipping by that that can't happen anymore because the the federal cooperation has ended thankfully but but there are still some states where there are no laws against this or very weak laws against this, and, and this still goes on. So let's get back to what happened to these two poker players in Iowa. Uh, these guys were are Californians. Uh, their names are uh, William Davis and John uh, Numerziki. It's a really long, weird name. N-E-W-M-E-R-Z-H-Y-C-K-Y. So William Davis and John Numerziki. Two poker players from California. I haven't heard of them before, but they had one hundred thousand dollars in their car. They were uh, returning from a poker tournament, where one of them had won money or something like that. From uh, at uh, they were returning from uh, a WSOP circuit event in Joliet, Illinois. They're actually driving all the way back to California. They could prove that they were at. The, the circuit event in Joliet, Illinois, they also were able to prove that they had won that money there. They were driving through the state of Iowa. It's a pretty long road trip, but whatever. Uh, driving through Iowa, and they were pulled over by what was called an interdiction team of two officers. These officers are named Justin Simmons and Eric Vanderwill, who had... Uh, taking this course I described on how to pull over car out-of-state cars for this civil forfeiture to basically steal from innocent people. Uh, they, they took training from a company uh, called Desert Snow, which is you know what teaches the officers to, to do this. Uh, a- anyway, these guys, uh, they got $100,000 in their car seized through this process, even though there was no evidence of any crime they had committed. They were targeted because they were driving an out-of-state car, and the police hit the jackpot with finding this 100K in there that they had won at uh, Joliet, Illinois, the, the Harris there. So they, now the first claim was by the officers that they pulled over the car initially for switching lanes without signaling. So their lawyers demanded the dash cam footage and what do you know no such thing had occurred so the, the original pullover was a complete lie that they that they had not switched lanes without signaling the officer's own car showed that in their dash cam so uh, they were delayed a lot of time 
they were finally coerced into opening the trunk. The uh, 100K, which I guess belonged to both of these guys combined, was found. Uh, they did find a, t- a little bit of uh, marijuana in there and, and charged them with, with that as well. But the, uh, the amount of pot that was found is a small amount. It would not have uh, normally triggered a seizure of over $100,000 found in the car. It was a recreational amount of marijuana. It wasn't like they caught them transporting large amounts. So uh, because there's a lot of money at stake here, these two guys decided to fight back. This also made headlines. They, they went to the news media. And um, when they pressed to get uh, a settlement, when, to get the money back, the, in, instead of the district attorney's office, instead of them saying, okay, fine, this is bogus, here's your money back, the Poeshik County Attorney's Office said, okay, we seized $100,200. You can have 90000 back. <laughs> what? Generous. Why, why, why would be the justification to give them 90000 back? Just so they can keep ten k? I I mean, that's the answer, so they can keep ten k. So they said, right. no way. You're not keeping our ten k. You, you, you shouldn't keep anything. Why should, why should you have a healthy profit for illegal enforcement activities like this? So uh, they continue to battle. They, they are currently still suing they're suing them and they're suing this uh, desert snow company for training these officers to do this to basically pull because this this desert snow is actually training them to how to target vehicles that are not necessarily committing a crime but just likely to have money so that that totally goes against the whole theme of the civil forfeiture in the first place the civil forfeiture was to be to force criminals to forfeit their ill-gotten gains even if you couldn't prove that the crime was committed in your presence not not to target innocent vehicles innocent drivers and, and steal from them so they're they're suing desert snow as well these two guys and uh, they are also uh, uh, trying to get attorney's fees back because they've paid a lot of money for attorneys up to this point they've paid over thirty thousand dollars so far for their legal fees so I, I hope they win. I hope that they get uh, everything back, and I hope that they get the attorney's fees, and I hope that they uh, sock it to this desert snow company. The whole thing is a legalized scam, and it, it's not cops keeping it for themselves. This this is uh, directed by the governments, directed by city governments, county governments. That's who's doing it, and the the police are doing it too. I mean, the police don't have to do this. The uh, the police are doing this uh, under the direction of their superiors. Or, or to impress their superiors, or, or sometimes just to uh, have nicer stuff in the, in the police station. They, they, they can spend it on, on accessories for the police station. In one case, they even bought a slushy machine to, to put in the, uh, in the police station with this type of money. So, that, so this, is, uh, this is really just stealing. And, and, and anyone involved in this who's knowingly seizing money or assets from innocent people under the guise of law enforcement should be not just sued, but in jail, in my opinion. They won't be, but they should be. Well, hopefully this story has a good ending, and maybe I'll make them think twice about doing it again. Yeah. So uh, I'm getting a PM from someone here saying, tell Druff to read his PMs on air. Uh, I don't know if there's something relevant. To- okay, this is from, well, TMMLK PM this to me. Let's see if this is what he's talking about.
This is Kenneth James singing at some uh, poker event. I, I, I don't know why that's uh, of note. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not playing <laughs> no. anymore. I, that's it, Timmy. Okay. You, you got to call in. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know. Let's let's go on here. Um, if if you want to get a hold of me, text me. Just text seven seven five fraud fifty five seven seven five. Three seven two eight three five five. If you want to say something to me, I don't know what PMs they want me to. See. There's so many different PM places I can receive messages. I, I don't even want to try to figure out which one. You should be happy you can contact me during oh, the, during the show. It's, it's okay. So uh, finally, Caesars uh, they, they are in bankruptcy, but maybe there's a little progress with this. Now they spun off various uh, assets into different subsidiary companies. Basically, what they're doing is creating what's known as the good Caesars and the bad Caesars. The good Caesars are the assets that they think uh, are generating a profit, have a good future. Brandon always likes to joke about the fact that the Augustus Tower itself in the in Caesar's Palace is one asset, and the rest of Caesar's is not and is in bankruptcy. So, like the uh, one tower in Caesar's Palace itself is not in bankruptcy, which is really weird. But uh, for example, the World Series, which is considered a good asset, is is part of Caesar's. Interactive entertainment, and that's not in bankruptcy. But uh, the portion that is in bankruptcy, the Bad Caesars, is what's known as Caesars Entertainment Operating Company, CEOC. And that's where they've put a lot of their uh, losing properties and losing assets. And, and they're, uh, they're, they're basically doing this to protect what they see as the good parts and the profitable parts of the company from this bankruptcy. Now, there is a lawsuit in a kind of a complicated situation involving the lien holders of the debt that Caesars has that is now all in CEOC's shoulders because that's where it was all sent to. And the the holders of the company's second lien notes feel that they were kind of pushed back to where they're never going to get paid because they've been bumped down on the priority list. Uh, that, uh, but they own a sizable share of the $18 billion debt that Caesar is, uh, is trying to get rid of. So they filed a lawsuit back in January, actually in, uh, in August of last year, and the, uh, the bankruptcy, official bankruptcy for, Caesar, for CEOC was back in January, a Chapter 11 filing. Well, interestingly, uh, there's actually a little settlement now as far as this has occurred. Uh, the lawsuit uh, has actually been dismissed. A New York State judge tossed out the lawsuit that was filed in August. Um, uh, that, was, that was actually brought by... Different, this is a different lawsuit that was brought by Caesars against them, against the second lien bondholders, saying that the, the Caesars claimed it was damaged by their false claims and payment demands. So, so, so basically, they felt you know these second lien holders felt that they were getting ripped off here, and so they complained publicly. And Caesar's like, "You're ruining our good name, and we're suing you know we're suing you now." So uh, that got thrown out in New York. So, so now Caesar's has decided maybe they're going to negotiate after all. So they've actually made a settlement now with these second lien holders. Uh, they they collectively hold about five billion dollars in corporate debt, and and since it's their claim is behind the first lien creditors. They're not going to you know, get anything, basically. So 
this there's a new plan, a new settlement, where the second lien debt holders who are going to receive basically nothing are now going to get something, though something a lot less than they were going to get before. They're going to be receiving. $1 million. No, that wouldn't be enough. They're getting $200 million uh, in, in worth of convertible notes in parent company Caesars Entertainment. So here they go again. Now they're going to own parts of Caesars again. Uh, with, uh, and they have eligibility to receive a second $200 million of, of convertible notes if the plan is approved by a majority of the, of the second lien group. So if the, if, if the majority of that group approves it, they'll get $400 million total. That's still a lot less than $5 billion. But uh, anyway, any, something's better than nothing here. And uh, this is seen as something that's positive for Caesars because at least there's, it appears there's a negotiation going on. And now that Caesars' silly lawsuit about them making them look bad has been thrown out, uh, they seem to want to negotiate with these second lien holders and, and uh, come to some agreement of, you know, you'll get such and such of, uh, of Caesars' entertainment if you just – basically give up on, on the debt that, that uh, we have to you. So uh, this will help, but it's they have a long way to go. So it's, it's still a lot of uh, developments here. Yeah, and, and they haven't accepted that yeah, it hasn't as been a accepted. settlement. Yeah, it's, it hasn't been either. Yeah. Also, the other thing is that the real big lawsuit is going to be were they allowed to split all this up? Yeah, yeah. Which that, has not been decided yet. Yeah, I think I – th- and, and then, yeah, there's a – um, right. There's, there's. I think it's a court hearing tomorrow about that, about whether they can, about this lawsuit, about whether they were able to split it up like, the way they did. With the, uh, with Which, frankly, I hope they lose because that's pretty shady. Yeah. That, that, there, there was someone who was very familiar with the situation who called into the. I think it was Handicap Me called in and said that you can't feel too sorry for the second lien holders though because they got, they got a lot of this at very, very cheap. They, mm-hmm. they bought. They got a lot of this very cheaply, and that they. This is basically a long shot gamble for them, and that uh, now they're acting all butt hurt that uh, that that their long shot gamble didn't pay off when they they knew this type of thing was very possible when they bought into it. So it, he was saying it wasn't just direct debt that was incurred that now they're getting screwed out of that this was uh, they were standing to make a huge profit if this ended up working out and they got paid fully. So they, they... right, but just any company, you know, like Brandon always jokes about that one tower is yeah. <laughs> not in bankruptcy. <laughs> where they've literally cut up all their properties because they knew they were going to declare bankruptcy. And they said, oh, yeah, now all this is in a separate company, and that company declares bankruptcy. Like, that's – you can't – Yeah, and if – That's if, pretty shady. If this Illinois judge uh, allows this uh, that this other lawsuit to continue, it's possible that the entire holdings of Caesars Entertainment would once again uh, – be in the bankruptcy, including everything they tried to spin off, that they would basically invalidate everything that had been done. Yes, because they'll re-merge them. Yeah, so. So, so that's that's what a lot of these second lien holders are. So there's a lot, a lot still 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 happening. Uh, what if you have a lot of rewards credits at Caesar? Should you worry and should you just spend them? I wouldn't worry about it. I, I wouldn't. I, I, I don't think operationally you're going to see all that much difference in – uh, when you visit a Caesar's property, uh, they have been cutting down offers, which may be a symptom of this. But um, so they are, they are tightening their belts on some things. But I don't see anything drastic happening. Like your RCs are going to be zeroed. I, I just don't see anything like that. And no, also look, Caesar's is not losing money in terms of you know their business. It's just the reason they declared bankruptcy was they weren't making enough money to pay off 
like the interest on their old debts. Yeah. So there are, there but are some day pro- to day, they're making money. Yeah, but there are some properties that are struggling. That's what they're trying to do here. Oh, but, definitely. But, but, uh, and I mean, what they're going to try to do in the future is, uh, you know, kind of pare down the business, sell those properties. Yeah. Um, what, you know, what, it's not a great market to be selling right now, but, what, you know, at least they have potential because they have, a, like, every single property they have in Vegas makes money. What, what people can't figure out is if they do sell the Rio – Where's the World Series going to go? There really is not an ideal property for that right now. No, it, my guess would be Planet Hollywood. Um, yeah, but just it's, because... just not laid out, it's just not laid out well for this, and especially with the parking, you par- be parking no. in like a weird place, and it's not. It's like the Rio. Well, the Rio is so perfect for this because you you park in that lot there, and then you just walk directly into the to the convention area. They don't really have that in Planet Hollywood. It's also perfect for them, and the reason they did it there is not just the logistics, but because. Um, now they have a property where the rooms are normally nineteen dollars a night. Yeah, <laughs> and they charge three hundred on the weekend. Yeah, it is, it is. And also, that convention space is not very valuable. The reason they don't want to have it at Caesars itself is even though it's the summer and it's slow season, that convention space has value and people book it. Well, and and um, I've mentioned before the parking would be a problem because Caesars is still busy enough during the summer that without the World Series, it. it, it a lot of times the parking is fairly full, not completely full, but fairly full. And imagine adding thousands of cars coming to the World Series; it would, that lot would fill up in a second. So, right. I don't. I don't actually. Think... My, my idea, and I don't know why they couldn't do this, is why can't you spread it out over more than one property? I thought about that too, and I, I think because I remember hearing in the old days, actually, the World Series downtown was like that. Like they would actually, they had an agreement with the Nugget, and they would have. You know, tables over there, and then they would have tables at the Four Queens, and then they would have, you know, Binion's was like the final place where all the tables merged and stuff. And, I, I th- you know, I th- why can't you have one event at Plan Hollywood and one at Caesars, and then you, you split the logistics? It's not such a nightmare. And, and also, they can then they can have more events too, because you can have so many going on yeah. simultaneously. And and I, I yeah, I thought that should be fine, other than some little confusion to the players, maybe where it is. But how hard that could that mm-hmm. be? It just says right on the tickets, you know, Bally's. Uh, uh, Planet right. Hollywood, whatever. You you know where to go, and and you just keep certain events in certain places. So you know, I sign up for fifteen hundred limit hold'em. Okay, fifteen hundred limit hold'em is at Planet Hollywood. Okay, that's where it's going to stay until fifteen hundred limit hold'em is over. Now there may be mm-hmm. issues like people who want to play one event at Planet Hollywood and play another one that starts a little bit yep. later at the Rio and don't want to jump between them. But I I still think that uh, I I don't think there's that many people who are jumping from one event to the next. I think that the majority of people who play the World Series, when they're out of an event, don't play another event to the next day? Not anymore. I think when you had more bracelet bets and when bracelets was more of a cachet and when there was more uh, ancillary income from sponsors and that, you saw people doing just playing as many events as they could. But I don't really think that happens too much. But even still, you know, uh, how far is it from... I mean, Caesars to Bally's is like across the street. And, and they can run Caesars they can run to Plant free, Hollywood is and they can run you know, five minute cab ride. Yeah, and they can run frequent shuttles too. Yeah, yeah, between the properties, and I don't know. That would probably <laughs> solve some of their logistics. Yeah, so that's so that's that's what's going on with Caesars there, and I I have like still twenty five hundred dollars worth of RCs, and I have not burned them. If I wanted to burn them, what I could do. Is I, I could at, I only I could only do this 500 at a time. I think it's 500 per week or something. But I I, I could trade it in for I think uh, at a 1.25 to one, meaning uh, I'm basically getting four dollars for every five dollars in RCs I spend. 
but I could convert it into free play. And then, of course, free play is not money, though. Then I have to convert that money that into real money. Right. But so then you get eighty percent of the twenty-five percent that you <laughs> converted. It. But but still, I would uh, I could do it. The reason I don't is I don't see a rush to do so, and it is useful to have those RCs for like when I want to have a nice meal in in Vegas, and uh, you know this is how right. I, I I can pay for it, and uh, and and when you have this many, I don't have to you know I can just if I want to sit down to a nice meal, I can, and I don't have to worry about it. I just have these banked, and uh, and, and for anything else I want to get. Selling out of the gift shop, something. Uh, it's just good to have them for. You, you can also gift those to people, can't you? Uh, not that many. You can gift like fifty dollars or something worth of people. It's it's it's, oh, it's, okay. it's a joke. Okay. Well, I'll let you know next time I'm going to be in town. So. I, I had that issue once. I, I I posted about this once. I had there's a a person who wanted me to come down and uh, buy them a, some show they wanted to go to. I think it's Celine Dion or something they wanted to go to that. They wanted me to sell them my RCs because they, you know, they didn't want to pay directly. So they, they first come to me and say, "Hey, Todd, do you have comps for this place?" I go, "Well, kind of." And I tried to explain what RCs are, and they're like, "Oh, so you do have comps? So can you get me into Celine Dion?" I'm like, "No, no, you don't understand. It's not me just going to a host. Go, hey, give me these tickets. These these RCs right. have a, a finite real value, and I can convert them into free play, which the, which then converts into real money in my pocket. So so saying, can I have these comps? Is like saying, "Hey, Todd, can I have hundreds of dollars out of your wallet?" Like then they go like. But I thought they're comps. I'm like, oh my god! Like, like this guy's not understanding. So the guy, I, I, I finally got it through to his head, into his head, and he says, "All right, all right, I understand." So, so how much are you going to sell? How much will you sell them to me for? Now, this is not this is not even a friend. This is like kind of an acquaintance. It's a friendly acquaintance, but it wasn't like a, a close friend or anything. So, so I, so I quoted an amount. I forgot what it was, but it was it was something that wasn't that far from the actual RC's value. It was something like a little discount, but not much. And and like he wanted some massive discount. He's like. Like, like I think, like I think he wanted like three hundred dollars worth of RCs for two hundred. I'm like, no, you don't understand. If I like, I could do much better than this playing it on free play. Why? And for that, I don't have to come all the way down to 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 the box office for uh, uh, for Celine Dion. And like, he still wasn't. Under, but but they're comps. Why are you trying to make so much money off your comp of my comps here? Why why are you being such an asshole? Why are you being so selfish? I'm like, do you not understand? I can convert this into real money, more than what you're going to give me. Why would I do this? And 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 and. Uh, so I finally, so I finally, fine, forget it, forget it, just don't do it, just don't do it. I want, like he was pissed at me. I said, shit, like, <laughs> like he wish wasn't getting it that this is not just, this is not a matter of like he wanted me to go through all the trouble, come all the way down to where I wasn't staying at Caesars or anything. Like he wanted me to come all the way down there and sell this to him at a, a bigger discount than I would get for converting it basically into cash for myself. So why, why would I ever do this for someone who wasn't like a really close friend? So right. and they thought they were doing or, me a favor. Know, like, they they think they're doing me a favor. Like they're well, I'm converting three hundred dollars of comps into two hundred dollars real money in your pocket. I'm like oh god, like it was someone who just all they could do was think of themselves. So I I I've, and then they acted insulted. So I'm like whatever. I'm just uh, like like people don't understand. A lot of people don't understand. I get the questions all the time too. Uh, you're seven stars. Can you get me a hotel room in Vegas? And I go, well, when? And they say. Uh, well, I'm coming in on, on July 23rd. I go, well, I'm not going to be there on July 23rd. Well, can you get it for me anyway? I go, no, you understand this is supposed to be in my name. I can't, I can't just call them and say, give this person a hotel room. Like you, you have to be a super big whale to be able to do something like that. And the reason for that, the reason casinos won't let you just assign your comps to other people is because they don't get anything out of it. They, they, the reason the casinos give you comps is because right. they want you there to they play. They you're going to play. If, if you're going like, to put in some uh, low-limit person there or non-gambler there in the room, they're, you know, they're not getting anything out of it. Out of it, so why would they do that for you? They only get to do this for you if you're some kind of huge whale that they don't want to piss off. 
Now, you previously got a free room, so is that before they figured out you were just uh, gaming the system for a friend? I remember you saying you got Ken and Stephanie. Uh, no, I was there. Right, but you, but it was a different room. I got a second room, yeah. I, was, I had more power to get a second room at that time. Hmm. Well, yeah, I wouldn't worry about any you know, RCs or DCs or anything yeah. like that. First of all, that's like the most valuable brand it out is. of everything they have. So that's the last thing that's ever going to go. I mean, even if they went, you know, so desperate that they sold everything, they would just sell that with it, and, you know, you presumably get the same thing. The only thing you might worry about is if there's something you like at a specific property, because I've heard that it's not just the Rio on the market that is potentially other properties in Vegas as well. So, you know, maybe if your favorite place is the Bally Steakhouse, you might want to go there, because that might be, you know, something they get rid of, but... Yeah, that's. But yeah, I'm not that worried about the about my ours. Uh, Actually, have you heard what's going on with the uh, the SLS? No. Oh, they're in big trouble. I don't know if you've ever been up there yet, but you know it's the old Sahara. Yeah. And uh, they bought it and they rented it. Like they basically just left the infrastructure, but they, they changed absolutely everything. I think they spent uh, like 300 million renewing it, and they bought it for 160 something like that. Um. It's been losing money every single month since it opened. They're down to about half the staff they started with, wow. half the restaurants, half the nightclubs, and they keep going back to their private investors every month for five to six million dollars. I, I this is it's one of just I knew it was going to fail. That's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. I knew it was going to fail too. Because I, I said at the time, look, first of all, the five-star hotel market in Vegas is already saturated. That's one. Two, no one's going to want to pay that kind of price in the middle of the north where you, the, the, your neighbors are like Circus Circus and the Stratosphere. It's just not going to work. I agree. But they opened – they wanted to be basically Cosmo North. They saw how successful the Cosmo was, and they were charging like you know, 250 a night when they opened. And uh, I thought, well, you know, they'll get a little buzz because they're new, but it's just not sustainable. Not it's in not. that area and not in that market. It's not, yeah. It's, and it's the wrong area. Yeah, exactly. The problem is now you can't really change it because you can't really downscale on a dime like that because they have all these fancy restaurants and, you know, their rooms are very artsy and very yeah, I, I don't, I don't uh, know, unique. I don't know how they got that idea that this was going to work. I thought the same thing. I go, who's going to pay for a luxury hotel in – you know, in the north part of the of the city, I, it didn't make any sense to me. It, it's it's uh, it's a it's not a good area right there. It's in fact, it's getting close to a bad area. The ba- the really bad area is by the stratosphere, and and between the stratosphere mm-hmm. and downtown. But this isn't even that far from there. It's, just a, it's not a good area. It's a place. It's not close to anything that people want to be at, especially if you want high end stuff. You don't want to stay next to all the the cheaper properties. So, uh, caller, you're on the air. Hey, Todd. Yeah. You got this punk Tide saying he's calling in and getting your voicemail. Are you giving him a voicemail? Yeah, I know Tide's trying to call in. I, I just don't feel like taking his call and having him yell at me a bunch of crap right now. Like, I don't. He had that last week. Do me a favor. Do me a favor. Take his call. I'll donate to the free roll next week if he can get through for 10 minutes without you having to hang no, up. I, I, don't, I don't know if I can. 25 dollars. No, I, I don't know if I can deal 10 minutes. 10 minutes, is a, long, bounty uh, 10 minutes is a long time. That's... Can we get the same deal for TMMLK? <laughs> he won't even call in. I want to hear from him. I'll, I'll answer his guy. TMLK, if he look, 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 TMLK, if he calls in, same same deal. 
Actually, I'll double it. Fifty dollars wow. to roll. Wow. Twenty on my head. I'll take, I'll, I'll take Team MLK's but call. But he's got to call in. He's got to call in ten minutes without getting hung up on. Says anything wrong? <laughs> you got to hang up on him. Sorry, it's off the table. Okay, well, I, I, I don't donate to the to the free roll. I appreciate your generosity here. I just I, I'm telling you from reading the chat. See when when I take calls from Marty, I. I I try to read the chat first and see the mood he's in, and he's been bashing me and criticizing me the whole time, and I know that's what he's going to do here in, like, a drunken, coherent manner. So, like, I, I just don't want to add that to the show right now. I'm just not in the mood for that now. If he, if he wants to just call in and be normal, well, fine. I just I just don't see that happening tonight. That's the problem. But that's kind of fun with it. You can play games with him and ask him how many beers he's had for the night. How many hookers you sat on? Well, I know I can play the and I can play the cuckoo clock, and I've done the whole. We did it last week, though. In fact, uh, it, uh, Brandon eventually demanded that we stop. <laughs> so well, he threatened right. to leave the show. Yeah, he threatened to leave the show, but uh, I mean, we'll we'll see. I I just uh, he can type in chat what he wants to say. I, I'm just not in the mood for like an argument with him right now. He's like I. It's not that I'm afraid to have him on. I just, it's just the same thing every time when he's angry, and I just do, kind of don't feel like doing it this week. I just don't feel like doing it. I just want all the listeners to know I'm trying to donate to the free roll. Okay, hey, well, I, I the appreciate other thing that. Is that. That info that, info that I wanted, you give me that info, yeah. I will have a $500 free roll for everybody except me and that one person. Okay. You know what that info is. Yeah. Um, all right. I, but I, I don't even have that info, truthfully. What you're asking me for, I don't even know. Oh, I heard something. All right, well, if you get the person to reveal it, okay, it's worth it. Okay. Thank you. Exactly. We have a third co-host. Meow Mix comes in two okay. varieties. Let's, let's take this call. I'm going to really regret this. Okay, go ahead, Marty. Oh my God! You picked up. What a fucking miracle. Go hey, ahead. Well, I'm not. I'm not going to argue with you, Todd. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's going to be okay, little buddy. I'm, I'm, I'm already not liking the tone here, but go, go ahead. Down. Go ahead. What do you want to say? Hold on. Let me turn down the uh, – got to turn off my radio uh, page here. So we're not um, – okay, good. Well, I had a very straightforward question to ask you, believe it or not. Okay. Okay. You know – you know, you claim that you're the site for exposing fraud, and you're not really. You know, we we talked last week about the uh, the Winnie Duke and all that, which uh, which was a, a, apparently a, a, a source of amusement for a lot of people. But you know, I what I want to know is why do you encourage the worst posters to be horrible, and why do you allow these fucking shitty fucking dupe accounts? to taint your site with all this fucking awful, horrible shit. You know, you claim you want to be, you want to run a site that's intelligent, that has inspiring content or at least interesting content, but it's not. It, it's your, your whole, the, the pages of your forum are largely uh, polluted by these brainless fucking dill wads. You know, you're not, you're not exactly doing a whole lot to, uh, to try and, uh, you know, build, I mean, come on! It's three and a half years, right? You don't even have three hundred active members. Well, this was never. Had a grand was, total. This was never you a, had a grand total of about seventeen hundred registered members in three and a half years. 
I mean, what are you trying to do here? This is I mean, not. This is never a gigantic tool? site. This is never a gigantic site. In fact, the radio show is the biggest part of this site, and most of the ra- most of these people do not even register. But uh, I'm hearing an echo here in the background. No, there's no echo. I mean, I, I I'm just in chat. I, I took the radio off. <laughs> there's no echo. I don't know what to say here. Look, are you on a speaker? Are you on a speaker? Well, I'm I'm just on Skype on my laptop. That's all there is. I don't. I don't Something's have coming a through. When I talk, I hear myself right back. Okay, yeah, well, look, it's, yeah, it's, it's probably the connection. I can try back if you want. Yeah, try back. Okay, try back. All right, hold on. Yeah, what a mess. It's just a question why the forum has a – I should just answer him off the air. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, I'm just going to answer him off the air. He, he can uh... – Well, you know, I mean I... – I'll put him on one more time here. Let's see. I don't want this echo. The, the, the I, funny I, thing is I, 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 I kind of agree with him, but we probably have a different idea of who the bad posters are. <laughs> But that's okay. the problem. Okay. You know, nobody so, so can... Marty, uh, here's here's the answer. It sounds like the echo's gone. So here's the answer. Uh, the answer is, number one, I, I never attempted to make this a large forum. It's one of these things where it's, it's there and whoever wants to use it can use it. Whoever doesn't, doesn't. Um, it, it's kind of a continuation of the original Neverwin Poker community. Uh, it kind of has the spirit of that. I... Uh, it's mostly no. Actually, actually, it doesn't. It doesn't have the spirit at all. Of course, it's a it does. very lame substitute, and you only have these remnants of past posters. I hate to tell you, it's the best all thing you've got now, as far as that. Posters are gone. It's the closest They're thing gone. that exists. It's the closest thing that exists. It's the closest thing that exists now. So here's here's the bottom line: is that I, I, I from the beginning, I said I'm going to basically run, let this run itself. In fact, I found an old blog I wrote from back in 2012 before I even put it up. Saying that, saying exactly that, I'm mostly going to let it run itself, and that's that's what I want. I don't want super harsh or restrictive rules. I mainly want it to run itself, and and I only intervene when I feel it's really getting off the rails. And uh, uh, that is that is that is such crap, man. No, it's not. You know, for example, uh, you know, God, and this isn't even about me. I swear to God, it's not. The, the amount of trolling that, that this guy Garrett has had to go through. You know, I mean, you have you already know who I'm talking about. You you have a poster on your site who's really tainted the entire tone of your website with all this fucking creepy shit. And you don't have to do a lot. You would just have to point it in the right direction. And you have, but you have to enforce your own policies too. Like for example, with the the thread that uh, a good old bottom set decided to start tonight. You know, I mean, really. <laughs> You know, apparently that the title of that thread's okay, and then he can make physical threats. But if I post a picture of a fucking turd, you're going to jump you, in. You and posted six it. pictures of you turds. Know, you, don't even, I, you don't even enforce your own policy. Okay, dude. you posted six pictures of turds, and that was the first thing I noticed. Like people, here's the thing: I'm very big on this site where people. I want people to be able to browse it from work or in in front of children or whatever. And not, <laughs> not, I don't mean children reading it. Like I don't want people like looking over their shoulder and seeing big pieces of shit on the screen. Like it looks terrible. So I like I don't allow so, that type so, of stuff here. So, so we, you, you just want a spoiler for the shit, is what you're saying? <laughs> well, if you want to put the Show shit and spoiler. say, if you want, but not just a spoiler, it's a spoiler to where people know that they're going to be clicking something that's not safe for work. But like, I don't even yeah, like but you, don't, but you don't. You don't seem to have any trouble with with uh, blatant trolling from a handful of members, and I'm not even talking about myself. I'm talking about, like, uh, Garrett or whoever, whoever else. Well, that's the problem the is you're target. not talking about yourself. You do blatant trolling, too. I'm trying to find a no, medium I here. Don't. No, I don't. I, of course I you spread do. my trolling very equally among a lot no, of other people. But that's still, people. That's still trolling, though. <laughs> I don't, it's still well, trolling. Look, I, can, I can jump on and, and make a comment to somebody now and then. I'm not, I, I don't, like, target somebody and go after them. 
You know, I mean, that, that's ridiculous. You have posters that literally are trading dupes to come you, after certain people. You, you've, you targeted not, me for a while and come either. after me. In the, in the past, honestly, you're, you, don't, you don't enforce your own policies. You don't even come close to it. You think you, you, they do, you do enforce them when they apply to you. You don't no. enforce them when I, they apply I, to guys I, like it is very, whoever. It is, it is very hard to run a forum like this without either getting accusations of having heavy hands and over-moderating or getting accusations this, that you're not doing this, enough this and you're under-moderating. This, this is not my first rodeo, okay, mind you. I, I know how this shit works. Right, because you've and run forums before, doing, too. You're not, doing, you're not doing shit. You've run forums to, before, too, and, and you've, you've had the same problem. You've had the same problem when you've run forums that people complain to you, and you've said to me, wow, this is hard. Why, wow, you're always in the middle of things. This is so hard to deal with, and it is. You're actually one of the few people who knows it is hard, so I'm surprised you're criticizing me. This is a, a tough well, thing okay. to do. You also, you also know that people are going to gravitate to me when I post. And I'd be happy to post a lot more content if I didn't know I was going to be greeted by these fucking uh, uh, how, what's the word I'm looking for? If, if, these these maggots, okay. these fucking low lives that literally create. Here's the last thing I'll say. Here's the last thing I'll say before. With, okay, hold on. This is the last thing. Content. This is the last thing I'll say before we'll end this topic. I really don't like forum topics well, on the show anyway. What is Grenada Rogers saying? I'm listening. Uh, Grenada Rogers just said I'm not listening. I am listening. I just it's, okay. I, I, it's listen, hard to think I, I, I'm trying. Here's, here's what I'll. If you want to post good threads that uh, that are not about trolling or anything, just good threads, and and then people come in and troll you in them, then I will stop it. I, I, I'm not going to let I, that happen. I thought I just did that. I just did that. I po- I posted a long thread about what I went through on Facebook with a bunch of Jesus freaks, and by page five. It was Sonic King uh, basically over and over saying, I'm fucking like... You know what's uh, funny? I actually, I actually, I actually didn't mean to go through it. Yeah, I actually didn't mean to... Hold on, hold on. I meant to go through that thread. I actually forgot to do it. I, I meant to go through that thread and clean it up, and then something else came up at my at home, and I, I wasn't able to do it. But I'll tell you that. I did intend to. If you want to post another thread in the future... Like that, of anything where you're just you know posting about general stuff and not trolling people or bashing people, and then people come in to screw it up, I will put a stop to it, and I won't let them screw it up, and I'll delete those messages. I will do that because I anyone who wants to contribute a good yeah, thread, don't, don't just do don't just do it for me, do, do it for everybody. I will. No, I mean, I, it, whenever you know, I see a good thread created, I would you, you know, if you want the site to uh, like, Listen. unless you want to stagnate at less than 300 members for the next three and a half years. Why don't you try and clean okay. the shit up a Any, little bit? Unless you're getting I see, off on all the filth. If people, if people start a good thread about something, in general, I want them to be not ruined. And so it doesn't matter who's posting it. So the, so you can try. You'll see. If, I won't let people ruin good threads you start. Okay, I, I will tell you that much. So that's that's all I want to talk about. If you don't believe me, go ahead and try to post a good thread, and you'll see that if uh, you know, I, I may not get to it immediately if I'm sleeping or something or not going on the site. But but when I come on to see it. Then I will wipe out, you know, people trying to ruin something good that you're posting. That's uh, that's not something that's trolling. You know, if you Look, start man, out, if you start I, out I, a thread I, trolling, then I, then I, I can't I do anything. Too. Listen, and I mean this. I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about all the content on your site. Okay, I mean, it's not that interesting or enjoyable because you you have a handful of posters that are. You know, like, I mean, come on. Uh, you have, like, these guys like Richard Brody's comb-over. You have these all these faceless hey, we're not, we're not, we're not going to bash we're individual people. We're not going to bash and ruin everybody. What I'm, what I'm just saying right. here, what I'm saying, and also, I, I start a lot of 
threads here to try to keep conversations going and everything, and not 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 trolling threads. Like I try to start threads I think will be of interest to people about a variety of topics. So I I do that all the time here. I I even try to get the topics going. So all anyway, right, we've heard from you. I, I told you what I'm going to do, and uh, and that's all I have to say. Are you, I'm sorry. Are you getting scared? You want to go back to your uh, no, high school? No, no. I'm just. I, I don't want this to be forum talk forever. I think we've, and, we've and been I'm talking. Sorry, about am, I, am I arguing with you? Am no, I, am I, 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 I heard you out and I gave you an answer. And I, I, that's do I, it. Do I sound do I sound drunk here? Or are you just like no, you don't sound you don't sound home? drunk. But I, I've given you the answer, and that's that's all. There you go. You, you, you've gotten my my answer on the situation. You, you asked a straightforward question, and I gave you a straightforward answer. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank all, you right. Well, um, all right. Well, see how that goes. All right. Well, good night. Good night. All right. Night, well, Marty. I can't. I can't believe we actually ended without me having to hang up. Was that ten minutes? Though? See, I think that is a simple call. I, I think. I think maybe uh, that last caller actually owes me money because I think I kept him on longer than I ten know. minutes. I mean, we. we uh, it doesn't count that we had to hang up and call back because the connection wasn't good. That was. Uh, but no, was, no, like, no. I, I didn't hang up on him until he actually said goodbye on his no. own. I, I have a straightforward question about the forums. Yeah. That. Yeah, go ahead. Can we have scamatars? Yeah, I mean, I guess we can. I guess I we might can. come back. I guess we can put up the scamatars. These are avatars in- indicating someone's a scammer. We used to have them on uh, Never Win Poker back in the day. I, I mean, I, I think we can because uh, of people like, uh, you know, the big scammers like Jacep, the, uh, the the one-time maybe scammers like Crypt. And, uh... <coughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no scamatars. Good idea. So, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, people don't understand. A lot of you who listen to the radio show don't read the forum. And, and if you do read it, you don't have an account to participate. There's so many people. I Like, I meet people at the World Series, and they come up and say, hey, Todd, I listen to the radio all the time. I go, well, are you on the forum? No, no. Do you have an account? Well, I registered one. Like, they tell me the name of it, and I don't recognize it because it's never posted. Or, or they don't even have an account. And I'm just, oh, you're just curious. Do you ever interested in participating in the forum. No, you know, there's too much trolling there. Too many people are going to, you know, talk shit there. I don't want to deal with it. Like there's well, so many people who are That's what Tide's saying though. I mean But but he's one of the people doing it though. <laughs> I know. That was great. He's like, "Hey, I distribute my trolling equally." It's like, so, "Oh, okay." Yeah, so so like there's a lot of people who just they want to be part of the – they want to listen to the radio show. Also, like listening to something and participating in a forum are two different things. Listening uh, – no, no one even knows you're listening. Like there's no risk in right, participating. Right. Like, so I, I know the forum is not for everyone, but boy is it hard to run a forum with kind of a, a free speech element to it where, where it has kind of uh, lax rules and, and you, you want to let everyone be themselves and, and say what they want, but at the same time you don't want it to degenerate into completely unreadable crap. It's, it's a hard middle ground to walk. A caller, you're on the air. Caller? I think he hung up. Oh. It was a Canadian. MMLK say he's trying to call It in. probably was him then. It was a 705 area, which I know is Canadian. Well, TMLK, call in again. Well, I, I took your call. It just didn't go through somehow. To try again. So, the but, show needs to be balling. Yeah. But it is hard to find that middle ground where you don't get accused of over-moderating and being too censor-happy. And mm-hmm. and you also don't get accused of being too lax and letting the forum turn into into crap and, and too much trolling, et cetera, et cetera. It's very hard. I'm telling you, if I were to start deleting more posts and, and suspending more people and telling people I can't post this or that, 
uh, th- th- then we're going to have a lot of accusations the other way. So uh, this is a very hard thing. To- okay, there we go. TMNLK. Yes. Okay. We have to. I'm outnumbered. Shout out to Poker Pete, Titus God. Like, this is not tough. Like, you're such a hypocrite. I'm sorry. Oh, here we go. He's just mm. he's just jumping right in. You can't even uh, <laughs> let me introduce him or anything. Like, I love it. Like, this is not like. Uh, like you wouldn't even keep Kai on the air for ten minutes for a fifty dollar free roll. I have to call in to save the show. I've been begging you to call in. You haven't been calling. I keep saying call in. You don't until now. I have called in. I this is the second call I got from you. The first call I tried to take like a minute ago and it didn't. This is the third time I've called you. You have not answered. What happened to your Skype? By the way, you used to call in through Skype. Now you can't. Now you're calling from this. Cell phone. I don't have a. I don't have a headset. I'm on a. I'm on a prepaid cell phone. That's great. I can tell you're really balling, like you said. A prepaid. Why, why do you have a prepaid <laughs> cell phone? Because I'm poor. Okay, that's what. How did that happen? Well, you know. What happened to anyway, the laundry? Time, time, time yeah, what, what happened to the laundry, the Chinese laundry you're running? Is that gone? Yeah. Are, are you still with that same girlfriend, the Asian girlfriend? No. Do you, oh, have any, no. Do, you have any, do you have any girlfriend? I'm seeing somebody, but it's a bit of a train wreck. You're seeing somebody. It sounds like it's a guy. <laughs> bit of a train wreck, huh? <laughs> Haters got to hate. I, I, think I, I ask, are you, do you have a girlfriend? <laughs> Instead of like, oh, yeah, I'm seeing this girl. I'm seeing somebody. That's a good answer. John, why are you being such a hypocrite? How am I being a hypocrite? Well, you you call me Tim okay, gay, and then now you're saying I'm gay? Like, come on. I'm just saying that was a weird answer when I ask you, you have a girlfriend, and you say, oh, I'm seeing somebody. I obviously have a girlfriend, John. I'm not gay. All right. There's a reason you were called TMLK. Anyway, I just want to make sure it's... Uh, I just want to pinpoint something out to you. You are... You don't even do anything for the four. You talk about how it loses money, et cetera, et cetera. Yet, I've got at least tens of thousands of dollars for free rolls for this site because of my call-ins from C-Money, et cetera, et cetera. And I get all stuff. Tens of thousands of dollars? <laughs> at least. You haven't at been least, here. Todd. You've been gone. It's, it, the money's been rolling in. You've been gone. How do you explain that? Yeah, but I don't even think you even paid T Money's three hundred dollars because he said that if I called in, I did. And I think you just pocketed the money no. because it didn't go to the free roll. <laughs> it, it, of course, course, it went to the free roll. I, I, there's been so many free rolls we've had with his money that he's given. No, 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 no. no. I, I want to see proof of this because this is crazy. <laughs> if I'm calling in to save listen, the show, listen, I'll, and you're I'll not. Show. I'll show, you my, I'll show you my World approval? Series tournament receipts. I'm not showing you uh, receipts for free rolls. But well, uh, what I can tell I, you, though, I, is I, that this, I, I think you're, you may be scamming. What, what I can tell you here is that I, when people say, and people can verify this, I get PMs saying, hey, I, you know, I'd like to donate something to the site. Uh, should I donate it to you or to the free roll? And I say, donate it to the free roll. And this is like privately. I'm not even doing this to posture. Like I actually say this privately to people. You know, I, 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 I prefer you to the free roll, but you know, if you really just want to send it to me to – help with the cost that's fine too but you know the free roll is my first choice i tell people that because i like i I want it to be emphasized that i'm not running this for money i turn down ads that i could have here that are for shady companies that i don't trust or i don't know if i can trust and uh and i turn them down and instead i lose money here see i do this because i care about people like you that's why team no you don't care about people like us in general the form you know why because 
it's a joke. Like you're going on about how you're rolling your friend because you can get a free play and like over thirty percent. What is it? Thirty five percent? Oh, three hundred. He was ro- he was trying to you're roll fighting me with your friend over thirty percent. He was trying to He was trying to take advantage of me. He was trying to take advantage of me. I couldn't have it. That's why. No, that wasn't trying to take advantage of you. Got to help people out, bro. Like this is what I'm doing. I'm helping the community out. I've got them tens of thousands of dollars. I've made you tens of thousands of dollars by calling nothing. in. You've made and me zero. That's your answer. You've made me zero. I've lost that money. How, how did you make me money? I've lost money on this site. I've lost money here. If I if I never ran Poker Fraud Alert, I'd be richer. No, you wouldn't. Yeah, it cost well, ten thousand no, 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 no. more if TMLK wasn't calling in. <laughs> hey, this is that. You know, TMMLK, I, I missed the well, opportunity to meet him the one time he came to Vegas, and he, I don't think he's ever come. Yeah, I did call you, and you didn't even fucking meet no, me. No, you called MyCon. It was MyCon's fault. Well, well, you, I, you me, knew I, I was in Vegas, up. but I, I called from from there, and you're like, well, what's around you? Obviously, I was there, and you hated like normal. I, I wasn't sure if I could believe you, but <laughs> I, I eventually did believe you, and then, I, then you called MyCon to meet him, and MyCon didn't answer the phone. It wasn't my fault. Well, anyways... Haters gonna hate. Shout out to Poker Pete. I'm done. Tide is God. Later, thanks. All right, that was Team MLK. I don't think he made the requisite ten minutes. Seemed more like five. Oh. Uh, and, then, and then right away, the cat said something to say about this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I can't believe I don't get paid to host the show when you're making tens of thousands of dollars. <laughs> this is ridiculous. You're exploiting me. I'm telling you, when I when I saw Mark hoax all his sponsors and this big, this huge banner in this WSOP yeah, like saw, hallway live broadcast setup he has, and I was like, oh crap! I like uh-huh. like what am I doing wrong here? Like, why he? Well, he has all this, and I've got this. Uh, I've got this site with no budget. I've got absolutely no budget here, and, and it loses money. It's like I, and he's you know he's traveling around to to cover these things, and he has uh, all these. Big name players on there. I mean, I'm I'm thrilled I got this guy who got scammed today. That was that was a big uh, hit for me. To well, th- there may be, you know, a vacuum in the poker market. Um, I'm thinking PFA the magazine. You know, now the bluff is out of business. Maybe, maybe I could maybe, maybe, can, maybe you I know crowdfund hire, that. I could hire Kev Matthew. I mean, there's so many stupid crowdfunding things out there these days that uh, yeah, it's amazing how many dumb things that. Uh, I see up there, which are just nonsensical and that just make – I can't understand why anyone would donate to them, and yet people do. Now, some of them are, are epic failures and get like 20 bucks out of the 7000 they're seeking. But I, I do see some that even if they fall short of the goal, still get way more than they should, like something that gets uh, $700 that uh, really should have gotten zero. Yeah, or you know, 4000 that should have gotten zero. But uh... – <laughs> Yeah, I liked uh, Brandon's idea of some kind of on-location show. Uh, you know, maybe there's a there's a Vancouver tournament you guys want to cover. Cover a nightly ninety dollar. Uh... <laughs> probably if we found a venue that doesn't get much coverage, we probably could talk them into letting us go there. Like uh, the, the bigger the venue, the smaller chances that they would let us cover it. But something that's a small okay, venue. So, so we're all going to Reno, is what you're saying? <laughs> kind of Reno Open at the El Dorado or something. Yeah, I I actually played a, a back in the days when everyone was playing tournaments. Like in '06 or '07, I played a like a five thousand dollar event at Reno, and I actually went deep and just barely missed the money. 
And uh, well, they used to have a WPT right at the old. Yeah, uh, I think that's where it was. Used to be the Hilton. I yeah, don't yeah, think yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. Hilton the anymore. Grand Sierra. Yeah, that's exactly where I played. And uh, um, and I remember Chantel was there too, and she had like a huge stack, and then she bubbled the event. And uh, and that was what she like. She tried to approach me there, and like apologize, and I didn't want to hear it. <laughs> it's like. I was like, no, if you're not going to tell me the truth about everything, I don't want to talk to you. And I walked away from her. Oh. So, yeah, it was a very sad moment there. She's like trying to blame everything on Gavin Smith. It was the good times. She really <laughs> hey, well, he, he's not a fan of yours, is he? Tom? Yeah, that's what she was just trying to. That That's kind of like the first I had heard about it, too, that Gavin Smith didn't like me. That, uh, that No. Like, it was, like what she was telling me was partially true. That basically, the, the fallout I had with Chantel, for those of you that don't know, I'm talking about uh, Chantel McNulty, like we were friends for a while. And then one day on Poker Stars, her account was playing on there, and I stress her account was playing on there, not her necessarily. And uh, okay. and her account was talking all kinds of shit to me. So at first I thought, okay, it's just some douche she's hanging out with that doesn't like me. But then the person started saying things that that Chantel like would have said, like it was stuff that there's no way she couldn't have been there for it. Like there probably was someone with her, like Gavin. But she was definitely there, too, participating in it. It wasn't someone just using her account when she wasn't around. So I knew for sure that she was in on it. And the person was going on and on just saying all this fucked up stuff to me. And, I was, and like, this is in public. Everyone's watching the, the 100-200 game or 200-400, what I was playing then. And I was pissed. I said, that's not uh, – this wasn't, like, playful, funny stuff. It was, like, uh, nasty stuff. So um, so I, I, I got really pissed at her after this. And then she tried to claim it was it was Gavin Smith doing it when she wasn't watching. But there's no chance because some of this stuff – that was said from that account could not have come from Gavin Smith from like stuff she knew from what we talked about. So there's no chance. And it was also like the way it was said too, it was like exactly her writing style, which uh, I got familiar with, but I was always amazed with Chantel, the number of guys she had in her life. And I, I don't necessarily mean boyfriends or anything, but I just guys she knew uh, at the time, myself included that somehow she made a lot of time for, for each of them. And somehow there were enough hours in the day. Like, like, uh, I talked to all these other guys in poker and they had a lot of the same experience as me that like she would just have a, like a long time to talk to them every day and message with them every day and, and, and hang out. Like it was amazing. I don't know how she fit this all in into one day. And they were well, like, you make so time for the things that are important. Though, I, I, you know? I never even understood like what she was, what the angle was with me anyway, because, um, I, I had a long-term girlfriend. They're not the one I'm with now, but I, uh, the previous one. Uh, she actually said that she couldn't see me cheating on her, and and she, and she saw the relationship as stable. Like she said this and seemed to mean it. So I don't think she believed that I was gonna uh, dump my existing girlfriend and spend money on her or something. And she also uh, she had also said something to the effect that I'd be a hard one to get money out of or something. Like she wasn't speaking about herself, but like <laughs> it's, it's, like she was saying something like that uh, along the lines that I'm too cheap to gold dig. So like, and I believe she thought these things. So I wasn't even sure why. Like, well, what, she's perceptive. You got to give her that. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure what exactly the angle was with me of, of what she was looking for. Uh, like if she was looking, for, it seemed like with Chantel, she was always looking, always looking for something. But I, I couldn't exactly figure out what it was with me. But we never got that far because. Uh, um, the friendship ended over that whole poker star chat thing, and that was that. But uh, um, that was uh, the way I got to know her originally was because she. Uh, in fact, this is mentioned in that Ship at Halabala's book. That's that's. I have a very small part in the book. It wasn't enough to get me to buy the book, but uh, I, I know I was mentioned. Uh, they, <laughs> I guess that um, Chantel was mentioned a lot in that book. So when she went out with Neverwin. She dumped 
her fiance and Neverwind dumped his fiance at the same time so they could be together. Her her fiance at the time was Dustin Sitar. Yeah, the other uh, the other Dustin. And then Dustin Wolf's fiance was this uh Hispanic girl that wasn't involved with poker. So they wanted to come out with this. They wanted like the story to be out, but they they were afraid to post it themselves and they, they wanted a they wanted this to be the story to, of their love to be put out there, but with a positive spin on it. Like they they kind of wanted the true story, but they they wanted the true story with a, a positive spin that would make the whole thing look good and not scandalous. So they both mm-hmm. came to me, Neverwin and Chantel, and said, "You're good at writing this sort of thing. Can you write up our story?" And I I said, "Well, okay, but I, I I'm not going to lie about anything. So you you know I'll uh, I, I I can present it in a positive way, but I can't I, I'm not going to make up anything that isn't true." So they they said fine, and so I posted it, and then they I guess they were both very happy with what I posted, and that was kind of the announcement that they were together. So that was how I got to know Chantel, and, uh, and then she and Neverwin broke up, and and she and I still stayed friends, and uh, in, until that thing with with Gavin. But that's uh, that's actually mentioned in the Ship at Halabala's book about the whole thing about me writing up that post, and uh, um, so that's, that's I guess that's my small piece. The publicity in that book. So they didn't ship you a free copy. No, they should have shipped it Hala to me. They didn't, though. I know. I mean, they're balling. Yeah, they should. They should have. Like I, it's it's weird when I get messaged in these books. I feel like I, I feel like they owe it to me to give me a book. They give me a free copy at least. But like I, like part of me wants to buy it and then like show Benjamin one day. Look at this. I was you know it was a poker book about these uh, these guys. And look, I mentioned in it like you know, it, it gives me credibility that I was part of the whole scene, but. And I go, ah, no, it's it's a waste of thirty dollars. So, plus you're already in the you know <coughs> bonus extras of a Ben Affleck movie. That's true. I think the Shivet Hall ball is gonna send him over the edge. That, that damn movie. I, they tell me I'm gonna be in the DVD extra. I end up in the Blu-ray extra. Like, so people who buy the DVD can't even see me. It's such a fail. Oh, well, you don't want those people anyway. Yeah, and they. they uh, and, and I had to come all the way down to Hollywood to do the damn thing, and. It, it was, uh, you know, it wasn't a close drive, and uh, they they really had like a lot of people working on this though. It, it's a studio called Trailer Park Studios, and uh, but it's in Hollywood in a tall building, and they had like this full crew there. It was like they're filming like a major TV show, but they're just filming like me talking about UB. It was really weird, and uh, what was also surprising. This is always just kind of like. I don't know. It's just something I don't expect. So I'd been interfacing with this girl, like this girl who originally called me about doing this thing. They they always come to me, by the way. I never go to these places and say, hey, put me on your DVD. Like they they always come to me. It it, it started with Gary Wise coming to me about the 60 Minutes piece because Gary Wise was uh, associated with it. And then uh, once I appeared on 60 Minutes, then other – media outlets came to me because I was on 60 Minutes about the UB topic. So it was like uh, they kept coming to me. Anyway, so this Trailer Park Studios, they had some girl. I don't remember her name anymore, but uh, but she called – she emailed me about it. Then I gave her my phone number. She called me up and we talked about it. And so I, you know, I talked to her a little bit back and forth about it, and finally we came up with a date and time that I'd come down to Hollywood and do this. So I come down to Hollywood and I park where I'm told to park and she has to get me to bring me into this security building they're in. And and the girl walks up to me and she's like the same height as I am. It was like I I just never expect to see a girl the same height as me. And and at first like I I so I see her and I'm like 
is she really is like the same height as me? I, like, I look down to see if she's got like four inch heels on, but no, she's like like wearing flat shoes. And I go, wow, this, this girl's really like six foot two. Like that's so weird. Like it's it just kind of uh, when when I see that, it's just kind of uh, like I don't expect it. And, like this person I'd been talking to back and forth, I had no idea like like she's six foot two. So then then they bring me up there. And, uh, and she was nice, by the way. She was she was nice, and everybody there was nice. Uh, they, it, it did feel weird to have like this bright light on me. Like I'm sitting in the dark with a bright light on me, almost like I'm being interrogated, and and they're filming <laughs> me. And uh, there's like full crew in there, and I'm going, damn! Like it was, it was actually kind of felt like a little bit of pressure because I I just kind of pictured it like, like when I filmed my part of the Scott Bell documentary, that uh, Ultimate Beat, that that was a, a much lower budget sort of thing. So I, I just went over to Scott's rented house in Las Vegas and then he put a camera on me. There was no one but me and him there. And, and then and he filmed me and that, that was, I kind of expected something more like that, maybe a little higher budget than that. But uh, I, what I didn't expect was like a, a full crew there. So I, I think this, I think runner runner probably paid them a, a lot of money for this documentary. Well, they must've had a pretty big budget to get those two, you know, Stars. Well, you know, I, yeah, I know. The, I know the the film had a big budget. It was a flop, but it had a big budget. But uh, the uh, well, the the release of the Blu-ray and DVD, and I don't know why this was right. only on the Blu-ray. Like, why not put it in the DVD too? Uh, like, it pissed me it off. Didn't too. have the space. I don't know. It pissed me off too because what happened was I I had just gotten the DVD in the mail, and I wanted to see it. So I was going on. Where was I? Going? I was going somewhere. That to a secret location that had a DVD player, so I'm like, oh, we'll watch it there. So I bring it over there and I get all ready with my girlfriend to watch it, and then it doesn't play. So I can't find it on there. I'm like, what the hell? And then I noticed it was the Blu-ray that had it, not the DVD. And it didn't even have a Blu-ray player over there where I was going, so it didn't matter. But it's like, why not? Why not the DVD too? But and I think I got paid like sixty bucks for it, like for the basically for the car expenses to come there and back. Well, it says the production budget was thirty million. So I guess sixty bucks of that went to Todd Wattellis. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Whatever this came out of the production budget, and and uh, you know the, they probably did. This is probably like an after uh, the marketing budget or something. But the that movie, I, I I've rarely seen a movie where they spend too little time on setting up the story. Usually the complaint is they're spending too much time to get going. This one spent too little time. Here they they had a good story they could have fleshed out some at the beginning about the about the kid in college who, uh, um, you know, who was doing real well in online poker and then gets cheated and chunks it all off and then wants to find out what happened and realizes he's been cheated and then you know goes down to Costa Rica to confront the guy. Like they could have stretched this out at least like fifteen twenty minutes. Instead, this whole thing was like five minutes. Right. Well, the movie's only like an hour and a half, which nowadays that's a pretty short movie. Also, it was weird. They were like they were kind of conflating two different online scandals into one. And as someone who knows yeah. what happened in real life, I was kind of like, wait, weren't you talking about something else a minute ago? Yeah, yeah, they they were. And then there was uh, the there was so many different problems with the movie. Then there was the uh, there was that crazy like FBI agent that was like way over the top. Yeah, and, he was a terrible. And, and then, and then there was the uh, the that weird thing with that affiliate guy. They were blackmailing. They really his character had no point. Like, what, why was he even in this movie? Like, what did the affiliate? What does like affiliate manager have to do with anything that they're blackmailing? Like, he just it was just kind of this 
Yeah. Uh, did you you see the new uh, Jurassic Park? You take I did. Your kids I, that? I did. Yeah. Yeah, I thought there was a lot of like it's an action movie, but there's a lot of unnecessary stuff like that in it. Like we need a ten minute conversation about it. The kids' parents are getting divorced. What the fuck does that have to do with yeah, it? You're right. You're right. I, you know, I, thanks for bringing that up because I, 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 when I saw that at the time, I thought, okay, you know, I'm sure there's going to be some something where this has to do with it later. Right, like it's going to come back in the end of Yeah, but something. it wasn't. And then and then when the parents come to pick him up at the end, like it's not even like really made clear. I know clear. it's not like hey, we've decided to stay together. Yeah. It's just like it's like you kind of you kind of forget. I was like, well, why did I have to listen to that bullshit? Yeah, you kind of forget that they were even getting divorced. Like just suddenly the family's back together at the end. I'm sorry we're giving out spoilers here, but uh that's uh yeah, and Yeah, there there were it's a lot weird, of cuz there there were some there were some lulls in that for an action movie. At sometimes I was like, yeah, I got to like Hear these two whiny kids talk to each other in the back of an ambulance. Like, I don't know. It was all right, but it's weird what a movie has just elements in it that they don't use, and it's yeah. That was that was yeah. The Runner Runner had a lot of that, and uh, they. I I couldn't believe the beginning of it when they're watching the guy get cheated by the super used. You can't even watch the action on the computer screen. You're you're watching like the back of his computer. Like well, you, we can't even see him lose pot. They couldn't even like uh, a thirty million dollar budget. They can't. They can't even show a fake online poker scene of, of someone losing. They can't even show. Well, they that. don't want to take take the camera off uh, Timberlake's face for ten seconds, or all the <laughs> girls will tune out. I guess. Like, like, wouldn't this be like a, a at least a good dramatic moment for a little bit? Where, where, like, he's like, um, he's like, oh, I, I know this guy doesn't have anything. I'm going. Uh, that's it. I'm going all in. Are you sure that you're, you're going all in for twenty k? I don't care. I mean, that's how sure I am that he doesn't have anything. I'm, I don't think he has anything better than Jack High. All in, 20K, and then snap call, and the guy, show, the, the guy shows him uh, you know, Jack High over his 10 high or something, and he can't believe it. Like, like it doesn't, Something like that where he goes, how did he know to call me there? How, like it said, it's like you're seeing the back of the computer and then just watching him, like his face go sad when he loses. Like There was just no drama to him. I'm going, oh, my God, they took something that's like naturally dramatic and, and took the drama out of it. And it'd be like if someone bet on a sporting event in a movie. You just saw him like check the score on his phone. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh shit, I lost all my money. <laughs> yeah, he's going. Yeah, he's Good look, at his phone. look at his phone. What? Oh no, uh, the bases are loaded. <laughs> oh no, there was a single. I just lost the game. <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, it, it's weird. Like you, you'd think that that kind of wrote itself, and and still they messed it up. So there was. There was a. I, I had a feeling the movie movie might be a fail, and in fact, I kind of thought that before I even did this interview. And I thought, you know, I, I think I may be associating myself with a fail movie. I go, well, it's only like a an extra at the end, and and I, I was hoping that I, I I took the attitude of okay, I I have all this stuff to say about the UB scandal and the people involved, and if, if this can help get this out to the general public. Then great. Then it's fine. I'll do it, even if it's uh, associated with a fail movie. So, so I did. Well, this says production budget thirty million, worldwide gross sixty-two million. Oh, actually, made so money. Yeah, wasn't just, that much of a fail. Well, a lot of times worldwide rescues flopped in the states. Yeah, a lot of times worldwide rescues these movies. Uh, I I don't know what it is, but a lot of other countries, and I'm not I'm not saying Canada, so don't worry, I'm not insulting your country here, even though your dollar is going down, down, down. 
And Christ, uh, don't tell me about it. <laughs> so it's going to help me. I'm going to be going to Canada in yeah, a few months, and uh, I bet. I, I've just been rooting. I'm like, I'm like, please get below seventy five cents by the time I get there. So it is. Is it, is it below seventy five already? I saw seventy seven. Seventy. Is it really seventy? I got to look at this. I just saw seventy seven the other day. No, if you go to xc.com, it's like a dollar twenty nine is the exchange. No, I'm seeing I'm seeing seventy seven. I actually traded in U.S. money two days ago, and I got one twenty eight. I'm on, on X rays. It says one Canadian dollar is is oh seventy seven. No, that's what it says. Either so there, I you, you cut. I don't hear any noise in the back. Either. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so yeah, it says I mean when you trade it you're not going to get that rate, you're going to get a little worse, but 70 is that doesn't make any sense to me. No, no, I literally traded US money 2 days ago. I think you got ripped uh, off. No, I got a dollar 28 for every dollar. Uh let's see what that would be. For every U.S. dollar I put in, I got a dollar twenty-eight back. Hold on, well, let's do it here. That's seventy-two cents, right? Okay, hold on. No, it's, let's see. Um, oh no, I see why that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's 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 a uh, no. The other way, it's it's one twenty-nine-seven. So it was close. Yeah, but that's not seventy. It's 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 different. It is seventy-seven. The other way is different. Like you know, because it's uh, you, you can't just say oh, it's uh, twenty-nine cents more. It's equivalent to seventy-one cents. That's not how it works. Oh really? Okay. <laughs> I only ever do it one way, but yeah. So so yeah, it's, it's it basically yeah, it's worth seventy. It's worth seventy seven percent of the U S dollar right now, and uh, and you know not that long ago it was even, and and even when I was in Canada last, which was in uh, it was in August, it was ninety one cents. Yeah, I know it's and the bank just cut the federal interest rate, so that's the reason it. Took a nose yeah, I'm, I'm, I, that's why I've heard in the next few months it's going to fall. I go, that'd be so sweet if I get there when it's at its uh, low point. Yeah, you'll be balling. I, I actually have a few Canadian dollars here that have been losing value. Mm. But. Yeah, bad and bad investment. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, the other countries, uh, for some reason, they they a lot of these other countries they just want to watch anything American, even if it's crap. So yeah, so, I think particularly with the stars too. Yeah, like Justin Timberlake is his music is so popular around the world. They're probably like, oh, we want to see this guy in a movie. Yeah, it is funny. I've noticed that in other countries. Yeah, they are they are more obsessed with the stars, and that can you know even if it's a crap movie, and they and they hear it's crap, they're still going to watch it just because they want to see that star. It's it, it does seem like some of these other countries have more of an obsession with star power than uh, than in the U.S. Where like in the U.S., I've noticed. I, I sometimes wonder. In the U.S., now maybe the worldwide market changes this. I sometimes wonder in the U.S. if it's worth paying some of these huge stars the $20 million they want. Right. I always wonder that about the kids' movies because do the kids give a fuck that it's, you know, Justin Timberlake's boo-boo in the Yogi movie or whatever? Yeah, yeah. That, like, why don't you true. just get some guy to do it? Yeah, that's true. pay him one one-hundredth of what you're paying like, him. Like, look how successful Avatar was, and, and the main character was a no, literally a nobody in, in the acting world, a, a total nobody. In fact, they did it on purpose. They wanted someone who hadn't really been known for anything before. So the main the main character of Avatar was was a total nobody. Did that hurt the movie? No. It uh, people didn't watch the movie for the star power of the act. They were watching for uh, the special effects and, and the story. So right. and it's weird now because of course when I was a kid it was just 
whoever was doing the voices of a Disney movie. Now every Disney Pixar movie, it's like every character is some. It's Katy Perry. It's somebody. Yeah, like, I did. Do think kids that, care about this. I, I did think that was. I've always thought that was weird because and sometimes if it's not a distinctive voice, you don't even realize that the voice you're hearing is somewhat famous, which is kind of a waste. Even if you're an adult, like I've watched some of these movies as an adult, and and I don't even realize that the voice I'm hearing is someone that I that I know. And and when I find out afterwards, I'm like, oh, that was interesting, but I don't, I don't think it really made the movie any better. Right. Also, is it putting people in the seats in the theater? Yeah, like, I don't. I don't think you it have is. a kid. You're probably just taking them to whatever kid movies playing that week that they want to see. Yeah, I, th- I think it is a waste of money. It's, it's uh, yeah, I I think that I I think you know there are some movies that. Uh, there are some stars, especially certain action stars, that were sometimes uh, if they're known for a certain sort of thing, people want to see it. Like, like even going back to the, the Clint Eastwood movies in those days, like people, uh, yes, those were putting people a lot more, a lot more people were going to see those movies because Clint Eastwood was in them as opposed to just some random guy. But right. uh, and, and time, time I have a question for you, Todd. I don't yeah. know if you know the answer to this, but do you know there's only one star? That has been in a movie that's open number one in five different decades. Five different decades. Huh? Uh, yeah, I'll give you the decades. It was seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands, and twenty tens. Oh no! I so this know. person was the star of a movie that opened opening weekend number one. I don't know what that would be, or who that would be. Stallone. <laughs> so where was it in two thousand tens? Expendables. Oh, okay. But yeah, he's the only one in history. That's hard to do. He's bringing the hits. He is bringing the hits. If if he was on the site, he'd be uh, he'd be calling me <laughs> he, up and he's the TMMLK of the movie industry. Yeah, making the millions. Well, we have we have two people who claim to bring the hits here. We have uh, Tide and TMMLK. They both uh, TMMLK. Right, right. Well, one's he, forum, one's radio. Yeah, that's the thing. They they each have their role here. One one thinks they bring the hits to the forum, and one to the radio show. And uh, it's. I, I I wonder what people think who listen to this show that don't read the forum. They're like, like, why does why does Druff take these calls at the end of people who bash him and just uh, just <laughs> all, all they do is take credit for themselves and and uh, you know bring their own problem. Like, like, why is he even taking these calls? I'm sure I'm sure I have people listening that say, why is he putting up with this? So why why does he take these calls? Like like for forum people, this seems like it's uh, it's normal, but but really for the average radio listener to this show, I, I guarantee true. they think this is weird. That's that's why I avoid it. Like, but I guarantee a lot of them think this is really weird. They don't understand it. I wonder if they think, man, where's Todd putting all that or Todd putting all that money he makes from the show? <laughs> yeah. Tens of thousands. Yeah, they're, they're like he's been lying to us all this time. He keeps saying he's losing money here, and he, he won't even donate to our free rolls. He gets the users to do it. He gets the users to donate here, and he won't put in a penny. <laughs> he's scamming three hundred dollars from his members. Yeah, <laughs> I really have had a lot of calls recently. That, that have been bashing me here. Yeah, I take them. I, I take them. I, I, I give people a chance to, to say it. But then, but then the problem is, like, I, I actually get bitten on the ass for allowing the free speech here because, like, on this radio show, because people call in, they, they bash me or they bash something about the show. I give them their airtime, and then when I want to end the segment, they get mad. Like, they think, they think I'm cutting them off or, like, I, I, right. I gave you the chance to say it. Like, I can't make the whole show about you. I can't, I can't make this an extended segment. Be happy. How many times can you call up a radio show and the host just lets you go off on him like this, or brag about? It's yourself not the way like they that. run Josh and Amanda in the morning. I'll tell you that. Yeah, or or even the Mark Hoke show. I don't think Mark Hoke deals with these calls. No. By the way, I've been running the board tonight, so I hope there's no issues. 
But you did kind of run the board. You you played a uh, you played a song shoot, from Double Decker. You you played a song from yeah. Uh oh. Uh, the third co-host is ready to snap this off clean. She's kind of the trader ski of this show. <laughs> well, she, she has been sleeping for a portion of it. <laughs> is, uh, is this cat usually with you when you do the radio, or is it just tonight? Because I haven't heard this cat before. No, she's usually here, but I don't know. She's rambunctious tonight for some reason. How old is this cat? Uh, she's eight years old. Okay, well, you still, you still got, got a long time probably with that cat. Yeah, she's very, she's in good health too, so. Well, that's that's good. I, let's see here. Well, I guess that's it. I guess we've we've covered just about everything. It is, uh, I, I always seem to finish after midnight. I'm like shocked if the show ever finishes before midnight. It's, it's. Yeah. I, I can't believe there were days of this show, for the most of the show actually, that I used to finish before 11. Well, you had to, right? That you had like a hard out. Yeah, I, I was I was under a lot of pressure. Like if if, if I was like on the show still at like ten thirty, I'd be getting all these angry texts about it and being told that, uh, <laughs> yeah, Benjamin's not going to sleep. This isn't fair. And finally, finally got Benjamin to go to sleep earlier. So he doesn't go to sleep early. He goes to sleep still later than other kids, but he's he's now asleep before his mom goes to sleep. So that's that's well, according matter. to some of the. The PMs you get, you should just be playing him this show, right? <laughs> yeah, well, one day, you know, these shows will be accessible in some way, and, and one day I'll be gone, and, and Benjamin will, you know, if he wants to listen to his dad uh, talk about yeah, the, the girls he dated in 1990, he can. He can just pull it up and listen to me. Yeah, fact, that's pretty cool, in, in fact, actually. In, in fact, if, if I have, like, Descendants uh, way beyond Benjamin, they can listen to this one day and say, "Oh, so that's that's who my great 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 grandfather is, or was." But that is, you know, if, if uh, since I only have one child, though, if, if Ben doesn't have kids for whatever reason, then that's it. Then there's no further descendants. Or if he has kids and they don't have kids, I think I'm not. I I don't know. I, I don't know if my bloodline is going to continue or if it's going to end. That's a shame because we need, you know, generations down for them to hear about. Great, great grandpappy Todd talking about having to put spoilers on poop for the forums. <laughs> they listen to this and go, uh, "I don't understand. Why was my great, 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 great grandfather taking these calls? Why was he letting these people on his forum in the first place? I don't understand this time." <laughs> uh, yeah. Good stuff. So, all right. So, uh, I mean, we should be here. Next week on July 28th, that will be the normal time for the show. Maybe Brandon will be back. Maybe he won't be. I don't even know where he is tonight. He, he didn't. He had no contact with me tonight, so no idea what's going on. Uh, we'll be back on the 28th, as I said. On uh, the following week, I have some bad news. There will be no radio show. No radio show on August 4th. We're not going to have it. And I may also have to, uh, the next week, delay it to a different day. So definitely no show on August 4th, but we will have one next week on uh, the 28th. So enjoy that last show in the month of July. 
Thank you, Daredevil, for joining me in the second half of this program so I could at least uh, have a a co-host here tonight. I probably wouldn't have gone as late if uh, I didn't have someone here to talk along with me. Look, it's not not quite a Drexel marathon show, but we we still went pretty long here. This this show overall went uh, over five hours tonight. So I think that, oh yeah, did you start on time? No, but I, I, well, I, I the scheduled time was seven thirty, and it probably started like seven fifty. Or anyway, we still broke five hours. That's the point. That's good. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And you know, I don't know what uh, I, I. Every week when it's like after the World Series, I think we're not going to have enough to talk about, and the show will be short, and it never ends up. Like, the show's over, and I think, what did I just talk about for five hours? And I can't even remember. Like, I, I, I can't imagine how I just talked about these things for five hours, but somehow I did. Anyway, people, thank you for listening to the show. If this is your first time listening because you wanted to hear about that uh, scam from that uh, Kid Cardiff guy, I hope you stick around and listen next week. If not, well, you've made it this far. You might as well do it anyway. That's all. Be back Good night. in seven days. Good night and shalom. Shalom.